random beep. Oh, there we go. <laughs> What's uh, the raise your hand thing? Oh, I, I thought that was the my OBS saying, no, we're not going live. Hey, everybody, and this is Getting Some Color. We're doing Clash of Champions June 16, 1993, and we're doing the AEW Revolution that happened on March 6th of 2022. Big jump from 93 to 2022. And we have a new host here on Getting Some Color, Chaz. If you weren't, you know, watching Big Trouble Little Podcast, you'd probably be spoiled by this episode. So, new people that seen Chaz, Chaz is part of the team now. Everybody, welcome Chaz. What's up, Chaz? What's going on, everybody? So, I guess, at least for the the context of of Getting Some Color and, and being a part of the Getting some color team. I'm going to be referenced as the Chaz. The Chaz. Uh, the Chaz. And I guess or I'm. The I guess I'm. Big, I mean, I live in Ohio, so it <laughs> works. I guess I'm Big Daddy Dubs. Um, this is the Hardberg kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I'm the insurance uh, policy for uh, Zach. Um, but yeah, that's right. Before we get into the big shows that we're going to be reviewing, uh, we're going to be talking some. Uh, WWE's news. What? <laughs> before, what? Before we get into Stone Cold, what do you want to get before that news, I guess? Um. Oh, yeah, the other news? Uh, yeah. Real quick, Uh. there was like, they had a, one of those weird NXT events that aren't really an event or, or like a pay-per-view or anything anymore or a premium live event, I guess, what they like to call them now, in WWE. As Michael Cole likes to say, um, Braun Breaker lost the NXT title to Dolph Ziggler in a match. I was just surprised by that. I was like, "What the fuck?" They just put that on him like a month ago or something. This is Vince being Vince. Like a lot of people are going, "Like, well, he's a veteran, Dolph Ziggler, since he's been with the company, and he's like kind of helping out Braun Breaker." But you literally sure. just buried the fucking dude, in my opinion. In my opinion. Because, like, th- everybody knows that Dolph Ziggler, is, uh, he was once good at some point, And Vince loves to take people that, you know, go big in the company and just say, since it wasn't from us, go fuck yourself. And, yeah, it wasn't our idea. So yeah. Fuck you. So, yeah, I, for context, though, it he didn't, like, beat... Braun Breaker, though. It was a triple threat, and he he actually pinned, after a bunch of shenanigans, he pinned uh, Tommaso Ciampa to actually win the title. Okay. All so right. it, it was a bunch of three-way shenanigans, and there was a bunch of, like, distractions, the typical typical thing. So, so I, I think they're setting up for him to, like, get, like, the like the titular win at WrestleMania or maybe around a show on NXT revolving around that. Um, it is, it's a little better than just the headline of, Ron Breaker loses title to Dolph Ziggler, but I was very surprised Wednesday morning when I saw that. That was that was a little yeah. weird. Now, I've already heard two different paths this could go down. Uh, one is he's going to beat Dolph Ziggler back for it, like, really fast. And the other one is you're gearing up to, to bring him up to main roster. Uh, and, yes, there is no – make no bones about it. There is now the main roster, and there is now NXT 2.0. <laughs> <laughs> the gulf has widened. Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about that. Uh, I think Braun Breaker uh, is going to be good for the company. He has the kind of Vince look to it a little bit, 
he kind of reminds me of like Ryback meets fucking Scott Steiner. He reminds me of Rick Steiner mixed with Scott Steiner <laughs> somehow. And uh, yeah. he's al- he's already getting bad advice though. Like he did an interview where he he was talking about how he was just on that Raw recently. And he was like, everybody was telling me to smile more. And I'm like, oh, God, that keeps coming up in news reports lately. We're, we're, mm-hmm. Everybody keeps telling everybody else if they're a babyface, you need to smile. Like now Ronda Rousey's smiling, and it's like it's not fitting. It, it doesn't fit her. Mm-hmm. And now you got Broad Breaker, who's like this – I mean, his name's terrible, but he's got a lot of intensity, and he's fucking awesome. It would be like telling Scott Steiner to smile or Rick Steiner to smile. It would just look I mean, fucking weird, wouldn't it? His dad was literally the dog-faced gremlin. Yeah. Why Why would you not roll with that and just let him be, like, a mean-looking badass and just roll through everyone? Like, really, give give him the hardcore Holly treatment. Give him the title. It wouldn't beat everybody. Like, that's what I – like, seriously, like, why don't we just do that? I don't know. I don't know. You see your baby face, you got to smile, though. I mean, I guess. <laughs> Uh, do we want to get into the Kevin Owens and and Stone Cold news? Yes. So uh, th- there was a lot of rumors happening that you know they want Stone Cold to do a match. Um, apparently, match has fallen through, but he's going to do some type of segment with Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens called him out on Monday Night Raw, and then, um. Stone Cold did this, like, cinematic drone shot of him going through the uh, Texas desert and then him just shooting one of the, <laughs> one of the best promos in WWE in, since, like, I want to say uh, nine years, maybe, maybe ten. <laughs> so, the promo was instantly better than everybody's has been for, like, a few years. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't even That's trying rough. his best. He, he, he literally, I, I love Stone Cold and everything, and every time I hear him talk, amazing. But he he was not a hundred percent in that in that video. He was literally like maybe sixty percent Stone Cold. I'm well, a, if he went a hundred, it would just be embarrassing. <laughs> He's trying to hold back a little bit. Just starts drinking on top of his car and drives away. <laughs> sure. Yeah, he I drink to drive. He's not out in the road. I don't know what I, I I don't know what to think about this because we've always seen segments of like Stone Cold and Hulk Hogan, and I mean the recent one. Look at Undertaker. Remember when John Cena was like, "I want to face the Undertaker," and he like stand in the ring awkwardly until Undertaker sh- showed up at WrestleMania just to tombstone pile drive him and win one two three. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? Like, what? It's just, are they just going to be in the ring and Kevin Owens is going to be like, I'm Canadian A, Texas sucks A, and then Stone Cold goes, what? <laughs> or ride out to side by side and, I don't know, throw beer cans at him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I gave my take on this um, on uh, Big Trouble and Little Podcast and we briefly discussed it. I mean, I think that it's going to effectively be the callback to the last WrestleMania that Stone Cold appeared and and kick some ass. There's a very brief interaction there uh, where um, typical heels came out. I'm not, I can't even remember who came out. It was like kind of just like jobber heel tactic type of thing. And um, Stone it Cold. Rusev. It was that's right. You said that it's, it was Rusev. Which how horrible does that sound that I'm saying that about Rusev? Miro is the man, but we'll, we'll get into that later. But uh, anyway, 
uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Shawn Michaels, and uh, Mick Foley, I think, all show up yeah. uh, to, to confront him. Hit because he's calling out, you know, it's like the anti-America type of thing. He they come out, they they kick the seven shades of shit out of him, and it's all over within like 30 seconds. Like that's that's that. Um, but it's great because you get the pop side of like people showing up, but then it, those things have diminishing returns, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I don't know. I mean, it'd be great to have more than that. Maybe we will get a little more since it looks like they, they keep putting the graphic up with the Kevin Owens show, like the KO show. So I don't know if maybe it's going to be more of like a, an actual confrontation and there'll be, there'll actually be some back and forth and then maybe there'll be a little bit of fighting, but I, I can't imagine it's going to be very much. But we'll see. You know what I think? Um, I mean, I think they should have maybe called Austin maybe a little bit ahead, ahead in advance before asking him literally, what, like two months before Mania? Um, mm-hmm. They could have done a thing where Kevin Owens called Austin to be on his show, the KO show, and then they had a confrontation where Stone Cold was like kind of like rude to him, I guess, or be like, yeah, you, you don't do the stunner really well. Because you can see... Yeah, you can see KO being like, you know, I idolize you. That's why I use the stunner. And then like Stone Cold be like, yeah, what the, I I appreciate it, but you're not the best at doing my finishing move. Yeah, your last guest, my last guest, Becky Lynch, does it better than you. <laughs> God damn! You imagine how fucking much it hurt him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I don't even know if you even need to go the route of like just taking a, a like the the quick cut because then yeah that that can undermine him using the move or something. I mean, again, it can still be effective, but even just like the mindset of they could have him be there and, and KO even kind of still be in that, that kind of tweener face role. And he's like, Oh, you're my hero. And he's like, you're not worthy of the stunner. Mm. Like it's not, not even necessarily like that you do it well, like, cause he doesn't, it's terrible. He really needs to move on package pile driver for the win. But, um, but seriously, like, it would just be, oh, you're not worthy of this move. And then Kevin Owens kind of just pouts and goes, well, I don't like Texas anyway. Yeah. And then, like, like that would totally be the way to do this. It's, it's like, this very simple. I, I don't know. Um, I agree, though. And, and again, it kind of comes back to how um, so many other bookings have happened, and you see wrestlers that are out of gas in these Saudi shows. Like, people need time to train. You could be in excellent physical shape, but that does not mean you're wrestling ready. Yeah, you cannot ask someone two to three months, especially in Stone Cold's case. But yeah, I, I, I could tell you what probably Stone Cold thought when he said, "Now, I, I'm pretty sure he would say yes if he had time to train and everything." Because you got to know Stone Cold; he just doesn't want to do you know shit for you know the, the hell of it. He wants to put on a good show. He wants to make business. He wants to do money. And if he's not putting that out there and, on WrestleMania and on, on the biggest stage of WWE at, at at one point, I, I don't call it the big stage anymore, but it does get people to go there and, and press. So I guess it's still technically the big stage. Um, but like, I have a feeling if he gave maybe a year or half a year in, in advance, Stone Cold would, would fucking extra tight his fucking braces on his knees and he'd be coming out with his vest on. But instead, I think we're gonna get him being in camo jacket or whatever clothes he's on and stun him, drink beer, and go home. And I think that's what we're going to get. Now, a thought occurred to me, and I didn't really consider this before, and it just hit me because you guys said something about the Undertaker fighting John Cena. It reminded me of another match Undertaker had that was weird, which was the 
the the the last ride, the cinematic match with AJ Styles. What if it's a cinematic confrontation, where it's not really a match at a bar? Having a bar fight. Undertaker was a guy that you would think would never go for something like that, and he like got convinced of it. I guess just because he's like, damn, this is getting harder to do. I don't know if I can do this anymore. And somehow they pitched him this whole cinematic confrontation shit, and he went with it. And he was like, it turned out better than what I thought it would. I guess that's a good way to go out. He, that that was good enough for him. Yeah, you were tired on it. The, the many times where we're just like, holy shit, the first match uh, the, when he ended Shawn Michaels' career. Like, you were like, that's it. He ended it on the perfect note. And then it's like, no, I got to face Triple H. That's it. You beat Triple H and, and his and his buddy. It's over. Go walk off onto the ramp in the sunset and look back. And yeah. that should have been it. Or it should have been it. Yeah. <laughs> and then you had the other ones, and I'm just like, okay, I... I I, I, I love here, – here's hot take. Yeah. I like Undertaker back then. Taker near the end of the, his stages, I was like, this is annoying. <laughs> he, he needs to go. Be retired. Get out of town. Yeah, but, his matches weren't, weren't as good, but it was still – people still wanted to see him. Yeah. Uh, but, like, I don't know if Stone Cold will go for that because, like, I don't know. They, I feel like they have the same sensibilities, and he's notorious for being kind of a perfectionist anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, who knows? Maybe it's an outside chance that something like that could happen. I'm going to give you guys one more thing, and then we'll move on, because I know I'm spending a lot of time on this Stone Cold thing. Let's do the cinematic thing. Kevin Owens goes into uh, either Walmart sponsors WWE or uh, a supermarket. Like the fucking Walmart. Yeah. And, <laughs> Come on. And Kevin Owens is buying food for, or something. I don't know. He's in he's, there. He's fat. Yeah. You know? He's going to the – are you going to get a call back to the supermarket, Booker yes. T? Yes. 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 Thank you. Okay. <laughs> that's fantastic. Booker T, Booker T is there and sees Stone Cold and he's like, oh, hell no. And he just like – I'm getting the hell up out of here. And he starts getting <laughs> – yeah, and then you just have Stone Cold, or you know, I don't know, something would happen where they would just brawl and just Stone Cold doing just shit with food is funny. When a moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's more. He just hits it with pepperoni or something. <laughs> oh my god! Sell getting hit with frozen pizza. Yeah, but um, yeah. What other WWE news do we have? I mean, you have Edge who's facing AJ. Which is uh, a callback. You could kind of go back to when he injured him at Royal Rumble, and then like kayfabe injured him in the ring by like breaking his neck with the chair, and somehow he's gonna be ready for Mania. <laughs> so, like, I'm okay with the feud. I thought it was weird that he just suddenly turned heel out of nowhere, though. Yeah. And I watched the promo, and it was like. He's doing a good job delivering the promo, but the thing is, is like this is the same kind of fucking material that Randy Orton used against him when he came back. Mm-hmm. He's like, "I'm doing this for your own good. You did me a favor. I'm back to my old self." Like that's all the shit Randy Orton was doing. It's like they don't even fucking realize it or something. I don't I mean, know. It, I think that just goes back to the fact that 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 promo video that Stone Cold had. That was just so fantastic. I kind of look at it like you can pick your finest selection or cut of meat, 
and lay it out. And that those are your top tier, you know, like Chef Kiff's promos that are just like the absolute best things you can listen to or watch. And then you put them to the meat grinder that WWE makes. And mm-hmm. again, doesn't matter what that cut of meat is. Eventually it mixes with all that other processed shit that's just there. And that's what you're getting. Like, I think you're getting a solid ribeye that's getting pushed through and made into that sandy hamburger meat that they put in Taco Bell tacos. That's effectively what you're getting uh, with, uh, you know, listening to a scripted promo from Edge. Where if he, was just, if he was allowed to just let loose on his own, unscripted, probably very different. Um, now, when yeah. I have Taco Bell tomorrow, I'm just going to think about Edge. <laughs> think about sand and Edge. You're going to smell it. Go, oh, that's good shit. <laughs> that's a good analogy. You smell it, and you're like, you think you know me. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that almost got me. That was pretty good. Oh, man. I, listen, they're going to put on a good show. AJ Styles is great. Edge is a probably in the best shape he's ever been during his whole WWE career. I, he's more cut than when he was in his 20s. Yeah. That, that I mean, it really is. It's crazy. Yeah, he's, he's absolutely shredded. And, and to be fair, for a lot of fans in that era, um, looking back in like that late 2000s to early like 2010, 2011, I mean, you got to think that's, I mean, if you want to call it WWE versus TNA, like those guys were at their prime at that time, and that was a dream match for a lot of people. So to see that now, it's it, it's cool. Like it's a it's a it's a good nod. Mm-hmm. It's a dream match we can see play out and not be you know, not come up short. Like kind of like people want to see what was it, like AJ Styles and Undertaker. And yeah, it was just like well, Undertaker can't really wrestle anymore. It's just too broke down. Edge can still go. Mm-hmm. If it ends with a low blow disqualification, I, I like. AJ Styles needs to leave WWE. It can only be allowed if Edge does the low blow and enjoys it as much as Shinsuke Nakamura enjoys low blow. Oh, my God. No, and that's exactly why I don't want it to happen. I've never seen somebody get so much enjoyment out of hitting somebody in the fucking nutsack as him. It was incredible. You know what? (laughs) Because Vince looked at him and said, I want you to get out there. I want you to hit him right in the balls, right in the grapefruits. And then I want you to smile like it's the the best thing you've ever done in your goddamn life. That's exactly like you smash their jewels. You enjoyed it viscerally. Nakamura is like, I do what you want <laughs> on how he like speaks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> or he'll just have Rick Boggs just fucking playing the guitar in the background and shit. Um, oh, that's pretty cool. Boogs. But, uh, Boogs, Boggs. Um... Boggs just makes him sound lamer. <laughs> <laughs> you boggy me down. Player, like Wade Boggs. It makes me think of uh, Wade Boggs and, and the airplane Boogs beer challenge. challenge. It's the Rick Boogs challenge. Like, how many beers do you drink while watching WrestleMania? Holy shit. You're going to drink 60 beers between the two nights. You've had 21 beers. You don't know that. <laughs> 21 cans right in front of you. Oh. Too busy eating rum ham to care. <laughs> What uh, other WWE needs to, WWE, goddamn, I just talked like Kurt Angle. WWE, you have to say it like that. I'm like Kurt Angle. I got to have Percocets and just fucking say WWE. WWE. I I thought about this at work today. This is how I'm going to differentiate the two from now on. When we talk about, like, the the good old days, we say WWF. Or, you know, we'll say WWE. When we're talking about modern shit, 
We say WWE. WWE. Because that's what Kevin Dunn wants. We're just saying it. World Wrestling Entertainment. Just say it all. I, you know, like I, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to say WWE. They're not wrestlers. Superstars. Yeah. Sounds better. Uh, there's no. I have no more WWE news. Do you guys? Mm-hmm. That re- dead weight from here. Yeah, I, I, I'm not interested. Like, uh, the sliver of WWE news that I liked was NXT, the gold brand. Now they're not anymore, and I just don't give a shit. So. No, that's just that's the, that's basically season three of of AEW. It's, mm. it's NXT now. Actually, I do have other news. It, it's very brief. I don't know. We'll touch on it more. It kind of transitions to AEW a little bit. Um, we'll keep Cody Rhodes relevant for another five seconds, right? Um, there are now alleged reports that uh, that Cody Rhodes did have some, some fallout with talks to return, but then maybe there's a, another chance, and the prediction is that he will be facing Seth Rollins at WrestleMania, but it's it's very speculative at this point. So that that's just something that has been brought up, but I don't I don't know. Um, I you know what? Go anywhere now? I, listen. I don't know if you listened to the other shows about me and Cody uh, when the, when he left and stuff, but he reaped what he fucking sowed. He had a chance to have somewhat of creative control with his uh, his character and be this big guy that he wants, literally be Triple H and Stephanie McMahon uh, with his wife Brandy. And then he's like, I can't be Booker anymore, and I'm going to go to WWE. And I bet you Vince is like, what do you want, kid? Star. Stardust. Yes. And, like, he's like, he's he's probably like, no, I don't want to do Star. I want to be Cody Rhodes. Okay, you can be Cody Rhodes, but then eventually you'll be Stardust. You have a split personality. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes you get mad and Stardust comes out. And, and, And I brought this up, like, a lot of people are still thinking it's work. That's why people are like, oh, it fizzled out, and now Tony Khan owns ROH. Maybe he's going to be doing ROH. But then there's news that like contradicted really right away. They're like, Tony Khan's going to be booking ROH now. And I'm like, well, <laughs> there goes the Cody, uh, uh, you know, the conspiracy theorist people where they were just like, oh, that's where Cody's going. He's uh, booking AEW then. I, I will say that 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 man was I was the child to his Pied Piper. Boy, that's a really bad analogy. Um, he did not he, he did not molest me. What I mean is, uh, what I mean is that I I really did give him benefit of the doubt for the longest time on where this was going, and then I I ended up getting lost in the woods there. It was really weird, and yeah, it's 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 definitely one of those things like well now this just is not interesting, and now it's we're. It's like keeping your name relevant for the sake of it. I, so, and I can care less if he's in WWE. Like, if you know what, if he's happy, that's fine. Great decision for you and your family. If you want the bukus of money, whatever you want to do. But I, I can't see how, like, the entire reason AEW exists is based on the premise of, of that that internal machine just wearing everyone down creatively. Like, how how is that? Like just going back full circle, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Nor do I really think it might even be the take. Like I really think he's probably pulling like the whole 4D chess thing. It's just that everyone's lost interest. Nobody really cares anymore. He's always so. he's always been a mid Carter, and I and I give respect where it's due because 
during that time, everybody was like, you, you have to go to WWE. It's the big show. I'm not, I'm not talking, I'm talking like it's the big place. Yeah, the big place to be. And when Cody left and was doing like his indie circuit, people were like, oh, shit, you could actually, this is feasible. I don't have to be in the WWE. I could do ROH when it was still running, uh, New Japan. I could do all these indie circuits and still make a decent money because let's let's just say it, he has the name Rhodes in his name. You're going to get money that way. And other people started making money that wasn't Rhodes that were doing well. Look at Matt Cardona. Even though he's doing, like, shit wrestling, uh, like, where it's hardcore, uh, he's making it work. And he's doing a great job being a heel where he put his own fucking wife through a table and <laughs> blamed it on, like, another wrestler. Uh, so he has, like, that, he has, like, that heat going on. Uh, and I, he, he's a mid-carder at best. Um, and I was big on him with the whole, we're doing a revolution here that, you know, we're, you have the alternate wrestling. If you don't like the WWE product and you want something new and refreshing and, and kind of weird and chaosy, I guess, if, if you want to put, put it that way, then come watch AEW. And then like you watch his stories in AEW and you're just like, Wow, he's talking a hell lot about WWE. He's trashing them and everything. He's doing the throne thing, the shovel thing, and you feel you feel you feel with him with the revolution. Like this is this is a big thing, and then he then he gets out of his contract and leaves. So everything that he's stand for back then is fake bullshit because he was just writing the money. If you want to put it that way, he didn't believe in that. He was just like, oh, this is kind of new. I'm going to build it up like just like another storyline, I guess, if, if you want to look at it that way. Here's the thing. I think he did believe all that. It's just that he also thought he could have this uh, level of control and stuff over himself and his own angles, mm-hmm. and it just didn't work out. And I don't necessarily agree with you saying Cody's a mid-carder at best. He has potential to be a main event. The problem is – he got in his own way and ruined it. He devalued himself with his terrible instincts. Absolutely. He is the he is his own biggest enemy. I, I will put it up that the match between Cody Rhodes and Dustin Rhodes that they had prior to the, the start of uh, AEW officially with Cannon with Dynamite, I think it was their double or nothing match. That yeah. is one of the best matches that has happened in at least the last seven to eight years. Uh-huh. It, it is an absolutely fantastic match, and especially with the story and the follow-up after. He has he has the ability to do it. He gets in his own way. My hot take with some of the stuff for the backstage, be just because there have been a lot of reports of of the, the heat and some of the, the friction that has happened, I don't think it all had to do with just him. I think that he, of course, I don't, I think he had some trouble with losing creative control, but I think it also factored in that Brandy lost a lot of creative control, and rightfully mm-hmm. so, because anything that she was touching, at least that was up front, heels, and in, in that <laughs> uh, heels, the nightmare collective, dear God, that was awful. The safe room, and, and, and again, and this is, and it's easy for for me to speculate, looking from like I don't know all the things that she's involved in, and you know, in the background. However, I do know that, at least from reports, that I. Uh, she had a lot of creative control in dictating on how the women were being booked 
early on, and some of that got moved and shuffled around, and Kenny Omega took a much larger part of it. And now what we see, at least what improved and, and grew and evolved, is largely due to what Kenny Omega and some of the others did for uh, that that women's division. I don't know how much of that has left a sour note, too. I mean, and not that I'm saying it's right or wrong to do that. I mean, again, he, it's his wife. I understand that. It's, again, I, it, I just think that, yeah, he's gotten his own way, and and I, I think it's one of those things that maybe it was a thing where I'm bigger than what I've created, possibly, or maybe like, oh, well, they, there's no way they can go on and do this completely without me. I, I don't know. I mean, the, the train's left, like. It's it's on the station. Like AEW is going to move on and thrive now with, without Cody. That that's okay. And if he comes back, great. Like he, I think that'll work. But he's going to get shuffled right into that that mid card stuff. But um, I I kind I I guess I'm kind of agreeing with you a little bit because you know take a, take a look at John Cena when he started getting booed and he started like playing around with the fans. Remember when he's like maybe I'm going to do a heel turn and he like moved his his heel. Uh, like mocking that. Um, do you think the booze probably affected, maybe not affect him, Cody Rhodes, because he knows the business, but maybe affected Brandy, where it's like she, they're booing my husband and seeing all the tweets and stuff, and maybe that put a, a damper on things? I think it affected both of them. The problem is I think Cody buys into his own hype and he gives into his own ego a little bit too. Because he, he tried to do that John Cena shit where it's like, I'm not going to turn heel, I can't. But he just can't really pull it off like him. Like, it's a different audience, too. It, it's not going to work. Mm-hmm. They, they want to hate him. <laughs> I I'm, I think I'm in between both of those points because, yes, I, I do think that it probably did affect him. I mean, there's a lot of very t- – like, again, Twitter fans, uh, wrestling fans on Twitter specifically can be very toxic. And I do think a lot of that was was part of it. I, the other thing is, um, yeah, again, I look at the optics. Like if you look back at the last few promos that happened before they left the company, I mean, you had them set up against American Top Team and Dan Lambert, and people were supposed to be booing. That like that is the very like it is very decisively the heel group in that that promo setup, and they are the group is actively hounding on on brandy um like the, yeah. the crowd is completely turned on her like that i i can see that causing some problems that being said i think cody was totally self-aware of what was going on there and that's why i bought in a little bit of it because there are so many little details that fit that like there's a he's a big fan of comic books and one of the lines he was playing on was the homelander idea that oh, i am the hero until i'm not and i mean even his his attire and stuff had very very subtle nods to homelander uh if you're not familiar with the boys. Like there, there are definitely some things there. I think he was highly self-aware. It's actually a shame now because I really think it may have paid off eventually mm-hmm. um, to see what would have happened. But now we'll never know um, unless he comes back. Maybe the ROH stuff ties into that, but we'll we'll have to see. I guess let's let's move into ROH. Uh, Tony Khan, uh, you know h- himself, you know always hyping shit up like usual. Uh, I actually went into this being like, oh, it's probably going to be nothing. Like, I thought there yeah. were, I, I thought it was going to be like, uh, and keep in mind, like, the thing that I thought is still kind of big in a way, but not enough to be, like, touting on Twitter and, and propping it up on Busted Open Radio. Uh, but if, I thought it would be like a New Japan AEW special event that would happen, 
Um, and I thought that was going to be the case, but it wasn't. He bought ROH. He, he screamed into the microphone and breathed heavily between every scream and said that he bought ROH and, uh, he's the owner. Uh, and then the news came out. Uh, the, 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 the cool thing is that the first match that they had on AEW, uh, two weeks ago was Daniel Bryan and, uh, uh, Christopher Daniels since they had their rubber match. Um, and all that stuff. So that that was cool. Uh, but then we found out more about the deal that he they own the library, which Sam Punk cried that like Vince like happy that Vince McMahon didn't get the library from ROH and it's in good hands, which I agree with because Vince would be like, you know what? Let's put it on Peacock and not give any money to anybody. Yeah, a shitty app that's hard to navigate. Yeah, is what he said. <laughs> or worse, come out with a really, really slanted DVD of the rise and fall of ROH. Like, that is 100% something that they would do, is make a documentary series and just trash another program. And like, oh, see, we're better than them. And you can yeah. just watch all their other stuff because we bought it too. Like, that's that's 100% what Punk was afraid of. Mm. And rightfully so. I mean, there's there's proof. Here's Here's what I'm wondering. Is Tony Khan just going to treat it like a separate entity and be like, well, now I just own two promotions and there's ROH, which I own, and now I have AEW, which I also own? Will Or will it be like somewhat of a second show? You get rid of Rampage because nobody – let's be real. Not a lot of people are watching fucking wrestling at 10 p.m. at night on a Friday. Friday. Yeah. Also, they gave up. They did, like – they tried to have a couple good shows, but they fucking gave up after like that CM Punk thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's like I don't think that's totally fair. There, it's definitely not the at the caliber of Dynamite, but there are some diamonds in the rough there. There are some really good individual matches that they'll show, but I think that's the thing is the way they lay out their their matches, uh, like their shows, is it really doesn't set them up to succeed. So most of those matches happen on Rampage immediately following Dynamite of the same week. So because of that, and they also prior to that will shoot dark and elevation. I know the, the, I went to one of, actually I went to the, uh, the second to last show in Jacksonville uh, prior to going on the road and they shot hours upon hours of dark and dark elevation matches. It was fantastic to be there, but it is exhausting. And the the main event that I went to was Kenny Omega versus uh, jungle boy. It was a great match. Crowd was nearly dead by the end of it because they'd watched like six hours of wrestling. Like that's a lot of wrestling to watch in in the summer heat. So that's exactly what happens, and that's why a lot of the crowds die out um, and during Rampage. So and again, your crowd is a big part of it. Like if your crowd sucks, like it doesn't matter how hot everything else is, the crowd will affect that. And it goes the opposite way too. Your crowd, if they're really into it, they'll make something that's you know kind of good look really good. So uh, I think that's a big part of it. And I'll give you my opinion on what they should do, uh, because obviously if you look at Tony Khan's list of wrestlers and talent that he has now, it's growing almost kind of like what WWE was at at some point um, in the mid-2000s and stuff. Um, So it would be interesting. Now, I know it's somewhat copying WWE, but it would be interesting to have a draft of AEW versus ROH and mixing the talent in some way. And I think that would be cool. Um, I think I think Tony Khan could do a better job than what 
the draft that they do now, because the draft that they do now is nothing compared to when Ric Flair and Vince McMahon did their draft or when Paul Heyman and Eric Bischoff did the draft. Like, those were the good old days when it came to draft. So I wouldn't mind if they mix up the roster that way. But what's your guys' opinion? Do you think they should just be two separate entities that are just, you know, owned by Tony Khan? Or should they mix it together in cross-promotion? Uh, I've, uh, I feel like maybe they should be separate entities. Uh, I've heard rumors already that there's designs to maybe turn it into a type of developmental territory even. Yeah, so that, there are actually reports in media scrum, although, again, some of it's kind of not fully confirmed, but that Tony Khan has said he will be the one directly booking and that he intends to keep it as a separate entity. Now, that does not mean that people won't cross over, um, so I think there will be spillover. Um, I'm going to give you my hot take and take this for what it is. The draft currently sucks. It has always sucked, and I don't think it belongs in wrestling at all. I think that it is a horrible idea. I think that the initial idea was good, and the execution was so bad initially that I just don't want to see it anywhere near wrestling for like 20 years, and then maybe then they can bring it back and do it right. But I just think it's that bad. And maybe that's a hot take. Not everybody thinks that way. I, I think that when they brought the brand split and stuff back in 2016, I think, it was terrible then, too. Um, that being said, uh, if it weren't for current world events, an ROH invasion would be kind of cool. But I really don't think the optics of that would fly well right now. Um, so that's that's pretty much off the table. You just that being Russians. said, <laughs> you have so many ROH legends already headlining so much of AEW as it is. CM Punk and and Brian Danielson sit atop of that card. In in a lot of ways, the Young Bucks and Adam Cole, Adam Hangman Page, and even Kenny Omega to a certain degree, they made name in ROH as well. Like several stars did that. Um, I mean, I'm missing so many others. I, I think that you could do some other tie-ins. I would actually like to see eventually some type of tie-in where people kind of like form their own faction of like representing the legacy of ROH, and they do an ROH versus AEW in Blood and Guts. I think that would be a really cool show. That's a cool idea. So, like a war game style thing. I think that would be a great way to tie them in with, without necessarily blending them too much. But again, we'll maybe see. Jay Lethal will get to do something now. I know, right? I'd love it. He deserves a world. Well, that man's what, been wasted so far. Now we have William Regal that can literally scream into the microphone. War games. War games. <laughs> so, um, I guess. That's other new. Well, actually, we'll save it for Revolution, and then we'll we'll get into that when that happens. Uh, but the day after Revolution, um, we had some heel turns happen. So now Jericho's heel again, and he created another stable. The Jericho oh, Appreciation Society. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you guys don't know this yet. I saved it. Uh, without saying anything beforehand, but I may or may not have tweeted out to Jericho directly uh, and, and gave out a suggestion. I, and I did get a reply, uh, but not much of anything, so who knows what's going to happen with it. But I definitely asked for, uh, uh, for a suggestion on something. So Jericho Appreciation Society, there's already a shirt on Shop AEW for it. Um, TK thinks you, you can send that check to me a little bit later for plugging. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, – that spells the J-A-S, or the JAS. 
I think that he should have them call the members of the Jericho Appreciation Society his jazz hands. <laughs> like, yes. but make, make sure intentionally that he says jazz hands. So my tweet actually said that, but then said not jazz hands. Like that would be a stupid idea from bad creative. And, uh, I effectively just got a thumbs up reply. Like very short and sweet, but I, I, it was acknowledged. So that, that actually made me really happy. Um, so we'll, We'll have to see if that actually happens or not. If it does, I I will be a very happy man. If he says jazz hands on TV, I will lose my shit. <laughs> I, I really hope that happens now. We'll see. Uh, he uh, he teamed up with the the two two guys or whatever they're called. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and JK are still with them, and they beat up Eddie Kingston and fucking Santana Ortiz. Yeah, it's it's weird. Um, by the way, Jericho is in, in good shape finally again. He's not fat. Yeah. In, he's not fat anymore. He's, he stopped being fat and embarrassing. Yeah, those <laughs> abdominal implants are looking really good. <laughs> did, you all hear, did you all hear that? There was like this weird theory out there that he had implants for his, no. his six yeah, pack. It's like, oh, dude, yeah, it's some stupid, like, worst bottom of the barrel Twitter conspiracy. Just absolutely stupid. Fucking retarded. It's like he clearly lost weight. Like, you can, well, you can tell he did. <laughs> yeah, you went there. I was trying to, like, be very civil. Yeah, fucking retarded is, I guess, a great way to say Unless you're just brick stupid, yeah. you can't tell. Like, yeah, he clearly lost weight. Yeah, he did. Now, he did the work. He looks good. Like, he, lo- he looks fantastic. That's good for him. And with his age, like, man, I'm, I'm jealous. But, yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to say it's probably related to that uh, non-COVID-related health scare he had. It was undisclosed what that was, but I'm going to assume he probably had like some kind of a alcohol poisoning. Maybe not, maybe not a cardiac event, but just something like it that scared the shit out of him, made him think, "Oh shit, I need to fucking get back in shape. Stop being a fat slob." It's like alcohol poisoning, and he's just like, "Fuck." <laughs> maybe. Yeah, he's notorious for uh, imbibing a lot of alcohol. Yeah, he lost the AEW title. Uh, like when the first the first time he won it, the first time. Oh, he got super drunk and left it like in a taxi or something, right? Yeah. He, yep. Yeah, he's he's even though they push like, oh, he's a fan of the bubbly. The, the man puts away the vodka like it's water. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's constantly on his podcast talking about putting them some vodka, but, uh, but yeah. I I I don't know what to think about it yet. Um, if it's gonna be like um the inner circle. Uh, it was cool in the beginning, uh, and then it kind of fizzled out and near the end. Um, it, they turned babyface, and it just, like, I don't know, Jericho's babyface kind of sucks sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's, it, he's he being heel again. So, like, now there's there's potential besides him getting back into some better shape. That maybe he could be, like, interesting again instead of fucking cringy. Because he's been cringy for like six to twelve months, as far as I'm concerned, or longer, depending on mm-hmm. how you want to look at it. Mm-hmm. He definitely has. He's a better heel for sure. And I didn't know if we were going to get into it like that. I didn't know if we were going to talk more about the that promo. Um, I will say the the beginning of that that promo before the turn actually happened was mm, that was very good. The, the Kingston talking, and then also shutting down the heckler like within the promo immediately, like didn't even let it get anywhere. Um, is actually like a great take because it shut the audience down the rest of the night. And, you know, there was another promo that happened later, which broke up another faction, um, in the pinnacle, um, Wardlow coming out and talking, giving his first big baby face promo from the turn from the pay-per-view. And that's, I don't know if that would have happened if, uh, 
as well if Kingston wouldn't have said anything because the, the crowd was ready to just go, what? Like, through everything. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's kind of touching Wardlow, by the way. He's, he's pretty good on the bike. Uh, I was highly surprised. I was like, holy shit, he could talk. He's not, he's not doing the diesel thing and just like, you know, looking like he's always smelling shit come out of, uh, MJF's mouth. Uh, and like, he'll take out the ring and stuff and look like he's mean, but we, we always seen him like lose. <laughs> so we were just, I was like, wow, that was a good promo. I, you know, good for him. Good face promo too. He's, he's, mm-hmm. he's this guy who used to be with the bad team and now, He's uh, he's a good guy, and I don't think he's gonna win the, the belt. <laughs> Sadly, I think MJF is gonna screw him, and we're gonna get a uh, a feud with MJF and Warlow. So, um, I guess we'll get to the final news unless we have any other AEW to talk about. Uh, Hardy, Eldrade, and Private Party. And the Butcher and the Blade were there just awkwardly standing there. They didn't give their vote, by the way, uh, which was kind of weird to me. So They did. They did thumbs down. Did they? I didn't see it. When I watched the clip, they did thumbs down. And then Private Party gave thumbs up. And, you know, they did the thing where it was like, no, it was thumbs down, actually. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they did, like, their own, like, evolution thumbs down kind of thing. Um, and... I it's hard that, to notice them when private parties standing across from there dressed in fucking fluorescent green and shit. And they're, like, wearing black. You just don't even notice them, really. The Matt Hardy, like, me and my kids. Uh, and I keep on thinking, like, he's actually talking about his own kids. And I'm like, oh, he's No, he adopted about- them. They had, they, were, they had no parents, so he adopted them. They're his <laughs> sons now. Not anymore. It's Eldrade's kids now. Uh, but, yeah, they, they, they all turned on him. And then... Uh, it's like the best thing it, which by the way got a huge ass pop and like the thing that like made me laugh a little bit because jeff was in the moment uh but like i'm thinking like man your brother's getting his ass kicked and you're still dancing on the ramp because he did the <laughs> i think he was just so fucking excited that yeah. he's like oh my god i'm not in wwe anymore oh my god yes it's like that meme of uh when your house is on fire but you gotta look cool at all times so <laughs> you come out of the house dancing mm-hmm. like it it looked so ridiculous to the point that it was genuinely like funny i think it actually looked better than if him he just ran out because it was it was just hilarious um here, here, here. He was getting a lot of hate online, too. People were, like, calling him out, like, hey, he looks bad. Uh, and I don't know how much of that what? is just uh, – I know it's that – it's just Twitter trolls. I, I yeah, think a lot of it's just people like, oh, yeah, we're WWE stands. So uh, he left, so. Yeah, it's WWE people just being WWE people. Idiots. Mm-hmm. Stupid idiots. Dude, what was he doing that was so great there before? They were, I mean, I thought if you asked most WWE fans, they were fucking disappointed in how they were using him. Yeah, they but were... he beat Krang. Remember, he beat Krang a couple months ago. Remember the guy Krang? wearing the fucking yeah, the guy wearing the red and shit, looking like he's Mad Max, carrying cross. Oh, you mean Poor oh, you mean Dollar General Shao Kahn? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, That's exactly. what I called him. And then they yeah. Did... 
And then they did storylines where he was like, <laughs> got drunk driving and stuff. Like they were making fun of him because he's always on drugs and drunk. Yeah, I was like, what the fuck, man? That's yeah. kind of a bad taste. Um, but yeah, I thought most WWE fans weren't liking how he was used. They were wanting him to be pushed like main event level. And it's like, okay, so he leaves, then people get pissed off that he left because he wasn't having a good time anymore. <laughs> yeah. And this is my take. It's It's been my take the whole time. The moment I saw the news about it, that whole, like, clusterfuck that happened with him leaving and, like, having, quote, unquote, a bad night. And then more came out, of course, about how they forced him to take a drug test and all this other stuff. I don't know if he necessarily faked it, but I have a feeling like a lot of that happened in a wedge of maybe he just genuinely just wasn't really happy or actually, like, in the mood of being there. And then it led to them accusing him of using drugs. And he said, well, fuck this. I'm gone. I want to say the way that I took it was he was just fed up with being there and he he just wanted to fucking leave because that's how Jeff is. When he decides he wants to do something, he'll just do it. And he was done. And you know what? More props to him. I like people just drop their shit and leave. We need more people like Tony Storm and Jeff Hardy. And Cody (laughs) Rhodes, I guess. I'm done. (laughs) Just (laughs) leave. Um, but, um, yeah. One uh, one final thing I want to, uh, and then you guys give your opinions on it, but my final thing about the Jeff Hardy thing is I think this is going to be good for him because look at look at AEW's schedule. If you're, if you're a star like Daniel Bryan, Punk, Jeff Hardy, Matt Hardy, all the veterans and stuff, you're not going to be working Evolution and Dark that much. You're not, you're not going to be working Rampage that much. You're working one night the whole week and it's not like wwe where you have to go to these millions and millions of house shows and then have to do these tv specials these saudi specials so someone like jeff hardy who's doing these crazy ass moves at 40 and 50 years old i don't know how old maybe 40 he is now i don't know his age like 40 now I yeah think. It's like mid forties, like forty three, forty four. Yeah, yeah. But having him do that, like tasking moves, because you know he's not going to change because that's his identity. Um, having him wrestle one one you know time uh, a week, or maybe just a couple of uh, times a month, uh, is going to be good for him. He's going to be happy. I mean, Matt Hardy did take a lot of fucking dumb bumps uh, when he came to AEW. But I I, I, I I think this is a perfect fit for Jeff Hardy. I think you'll not see a lot of what we saw in TNA where he came to the ring all fucking drunk and, uh, uh, you know, drugged out. Which, by the way, is funny that Sting and Jeff Hardy are now in the same promotion again. <laughs> they have, like, a, yeah. a – they exchanged looks, too. You can kind of tell, like, I think they were kind of playing off of that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, they're definitely playing off the vibe that – Darby's like, wait, who's my dad? Because yeah. he looked at Sting like, well, you're my dad, but but this is is this my real dad? Is like, this like my older brother? <laughs> is this my uncle? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, like Darby's clearly inspired by Jeff. Like, I mean, he's talking about it, so he's clearly inspired by Jeff. Like that's that's a big big thing too. Uh, well, honestly, I, I there's a lot you could do. Um, I, I even think revisiting some of the punk. Uh, and and hardy stuff but i don't they don't need to go down the same tropes or anything if anything they can almost even like bury the hatchet in a way or something and, and something like that could happen um 
I, I, I agree to your point. I think it's good for him to be there, but I think it's understated. Each of these acquisitions that happen when you get a veteran or even like a legend, they're older coming to AEW, there's a dual purpose they're serving. They, they may be on TV and they're drawing numbers, but they're there to be in the backstage area and be there after hours teaching a lot of the younger talent. And that is heavily understated. These guys are coaches because a lot of them are are also their heroes. Like these are people that grew up watching them, and now they get to learn from those very people. And that's a huge that's a huge boon for for AEW. Somebody posted a a picture of I, Isaiah Cassidy like as a kid next to Jeff Hardy, and someone and Isaiah Cassidy tweeted like, "Take this shit off. I don't want, I don't I don't want to see this picture." <laughs> your next dog collar match right there mm-hmm. oh god um, <laughs> yeah i'm just i just hope jeff doesn't get himself killed i hope maybe he reigns in just a little bit mm-hmm. he Hopefully. needs to say the fuck away from sammy guevara let's get that out of here now like that man is cursed anyone with the last name hardy does not need to wrestle him like well, that guy is <laughs> goddamn determined to end his own career as fast as possible too it seems like yeah it's I don't understand. I, I, yeah. You know, it's funny. Like, every time we talk, we just bring something up. I have to bring that up. So, on Dynamite, he was facing <laughs> Scorpio Sky. Every time he has a match, every time, a table has to be involved somehow. And he sets Did up he a... do that fucking insane shit where he leaps outside to the table? He, the... he did a 650 tumble through the fucking table because Scorpio Sky's like fuck this I'm out of here and he like got a he looked like Sonic tumbling through the the table and like obviously he's kayfabing it because they did the angle with Tay Conte is like sucking his dick or whatever coming and being like whoa yeah not really but I'm just saying like there's whoa just whoa yeah Um, so she comes to the ring to aid Sammy and now they're doing an angle with the American, I, I, the MMA group with the other blonde woman that I don't know the fighter of her Paige name. Van Zandt. Yeah. Paige Van Zandt. Which is now all elite apparently. Now you slap Tay Conte and now you're in AEW. So I guess now she's official. Um, so I, they're setting up that angle, but Sammy's got it. He's going to hurt his fucking body. Like I know that's his identity. He's pretty much. Like Jeff Hardy, he has to do these high-flying moves. But I've seen him wrestle before. He could do without all that dangerous shit that he's doing. And you don't do that dangerous shit on fucking TV. Save that shit for pay-per-view. Like what we got at Revolution, like where every match was literally, man, that person could have died right there. <laughs> what a be- But, um, yeah, I wanted to put that out there. And, and Scorpio Sky is the TNT champion. Um, I've heard, I've heard rumors that he is going to be holding it on for a couple of months. That's why it's like, I don't think Wardlow is going to (laughs) win because they want, they want Scorpio Sky to hold that and they're building up that storyline, I guess. Yeah, it should be, it should definitely be noticed that MJF was not present in any way or capacity during this, this episode of Dynamite. There is a... I would say almost a guarantee that he will find some way to interfere uh, with Wardlow, and then that will lead to their program for the next coming months. And then that's what's going to finally allow Wardlow to be free and then pursue whatever championships. I actually like Scorpio Sky holding on to it. Um, I just hate that that whole he's been undefeated for a year has been largely built on matches on dark. But 
Mm. You know, that's that is what it is. Um, yeah, matches a lot of people don't see. Mm-hmm. Matches like on being on being the elite, the Young Bucks YouTube channel. Imagine if they started doing wrestling matches on there. <laughs> you, you need to watch their show to know what's going on in the storyline sometimes, which is annoying. But uh, anything else? Oh, yeah, I got a couple more things here. These are these will be quick. Um, I found out what's been wrong with Miro. He's had a hamstring injury. He's not just lost in the void talking about his hot, flexible wife. His hamstring hurts. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so that, that's where he's been. I actually didn't know that for the longest time why he's been out. And it, there, there's been, been very little news about it. And he signed a four-year deal. He did sign deal. that. Yeah, so I was just saying he signed that contract extension for four years. So, I mean, hamstring oh. injuries are a son of a bitch. So if that's why he's been out for a while, I mean, nurse set the health. Like, that's one of the great things about how they rotate here is if you're injured, like, you have the time to heal up. Or if you want to take time off for your family, you have the time to do that. You're not just getting pushed to death. So that is a, that is a benefit. Now, the downside is sometimes the story can suffer because things just kind of fall apart, but that's, but I that's think, a different issue. I think you could run with it, Miro, and be like, I tried to be flexible, but I wasn't, but God healed me, and now I'm flexible again. <laughs> I don't hate God anymore. <laughs> I'm thankful for God again. And then maybe his hot, flexible wife will show up with him yeah. this time. <laughs> but, the Redeemer. Uh, yeah. Um, the other thing was, this is just something I saw today and I thought was intriguing. Uh, or I didn't know about this, but FTR fired Tully on Dynamite, I guess. I didn't mm-hmm. see that. Mm-hmm. And then, like, Dax Harwood tweeted Brett. He was like, hey, Brett, are you doing anything right now? I'm like, and it, it started a line of speculation. Like, is Brett going to come do a thing with FTR? And it's like, I hope so. <laughs> yeah, because FTR, they did this promo because uh, now they're face now. Because, like, uh, Dax was like, I looked at my little girl and my, my wife, and, you know, I want to be a fan. It's all about family now. And Tully's like, fuck fa- family. <laughs> we need to win. Whatever championships. Yeah. <laughs> he said, wherever gold. <laughs> of course, Tully would say that. Fuck yeah. family. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that'd be a cool combo. Uh, it's clear FTR also, bit, especially from Dax, they're really inspired by Brett. Um, and... I'd like to see Brett come in and just just tell some truths like he always does. <laughs> just be real, real frank about something again and be really entertaining in that way. He just gets on yeah. the mic and says Goldberg is a piece of shit. <laughs> that is all. Him leaves. <laughs> Hulk Hogan I mean, was it, a terrible wrestler. <laughs> just yeah. just I mean, that. it's very it's very timely too, though, that he would do that because we have the the Owen tournament starting fairly soon. Oh yeah, that's AEW right. As well. Yeah, in yeah. May. So that it actually makes a lot of sense if if Bret Hart was to come back, I I'd be all welcome for it. I was a little disappointed that they weren't able to get him to come back um back when uh Page versus Omega finally happened on the pay-per-view um and cuz I think that would have been a great way for him to come back because Bret Hart was the one that introduced the AEW title at the yeah. very first pay-per-view. So that would have been right. a great tie-in um when Page lost to Jericho. So I think that would have been kind of cool. But, hey, if they can get him now, I mean, we're not going to turn that down, right? Bret, Bret Hart's the best. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He's my favorite wrestler. One of oh, absolutely. Them. He's definitely Pop one of mine. He's, sure. Absolutely. He's on my the, the Mount Rushmore, I guess, so to speak. He's on my Mount Rushmore for sure. Mm-hmm. Right, any other news we want to bring up before we dive into the Clash of Champions? I mean, if no. we keep going, we're going to have to say, well, guys, we're going to – 
actually talk about <laughs> Clash of Champions and AEW Revolution next week or something. Uh, we just had a lot to cover. I think we're good. This is what happens when we always we, we push a week back. It's like we end up with this. A bunch of shit will happen every time we have to push it back a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we I got to play catch up. I mean, I'm going to be up all night. I'm on call anyway. So let's go. <laughs> let's fucking go. As, as uh, Tony Cole would say. I'm the fucking, I'm the fucking more than 60 minute man. I'm better than Ric Flair in terms of this. <laughs> so we have, all right. so we have, uh, Tony Schiavone and Jesse Ventura, which by the way, why is he wearing a fucking hat stupidly? What is up with that? Why does he have the hat above his headset? Because I think he's just, I think he's just wearing it like that for a gag when the camera's on them. Oh. Anyway, that's. I didn't get what he. I didn't get why what he did like later on the show where he's like, "Hey, Tony, you want to see a Sylvester Stallone impression?" He's like, "Sure," and he just puts his hat on, and looks at the camera, I'm like, "What the fuck was that?" I really think he was trying to get Tony to corpse. Like there were so many little digs throughout the show where he kept doing that, and you could tell it, he was just trying his hardest to get him to laugh. Uh, <laughs> it, it, that might have been what funny. it was. Because there's really no. Oh, go ahead. Uh, well, there's like the spot where he is just berating people uh, at the town they're at, and I think it's in Norfolk. They're, he is just talking the maddest shit, and he just keeps pushing it. And Tony's like, "Man, you just won't let this go." <laughs> like, it, it's really good. Uh, I like. I think at that point he was just really like, "I'm gonna get this man to laugh. I'm gonna say anything I need to." Uh, I was gonna say it's really funny that you say that because like when they first got put together earlier this year, the year of 1993. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like they didn't really have that good chemistry at first. It, it honestly seemed like Tony didn't know how to take him, like, on commentary. Like, he didn't know if he was just being an asshole or not. Mm-hmm. It, it felt like there was uh, some some conflict there a little bit. And then, like, slowly over time, they got comfortable with one another. I'm still trying to work on my Jesse Ventura impression. He's like, you know, Tony. Like, I can't do a fucking Minnesota accent at all. But, you know what like... my favorite maneuver is, McMahon? <laughs> a thumb to the eye. Stops dead tracks every time. I can't even say it without laughing. <laughs> anyway, first match. We've we've been me and Zach has been like, man, we've never seen the Ron Simmons match because every time we see a Ron Simmons match, like something sh- sh- fucking bogus happens. But it, it happened again, kind of. Yeah, yeah, it kind of did. Because the intro it was supposed to be Paul Orndorff versus Ron Simmons and. Does anybody know? Have any news about that? Was he really injured, or was he just kayfabe injured? I think Paul was dealing with some injuries around that time. Um, uh, I don't know if it really. Remember, his leg was wrapped up mm. before, and like he he's had he has some kind of leg injury going on. I think, but um, he's yeah he's facing Dick Slater. That's his substitute. Paul Orndorff comes out mm-hmm. with him, and I'm like, okay. I mean, I saw Dick Slater a little bit. Uh, Dick Slater is more of a territory wrestler. And I haven't really seen him, but like we saw him in a match previously, and he seemed pretty decent. So I'm like, okay, we'll see what happens. There was some um, like miscommunications a little bit because there was like some yeah. dr- some drops, and uh, it seems like Ron Simmons was kind of pissed off because when he started doing his scoop slams, every time there was like a botch. You could tell Ron Simmons put a little oomph into it. I was like, ooh, he's a little angry. <laughs> Um, I, this 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 is one of the matches that I was like, it's average. Um, Ron Simmons, 
they, they he did the you know bumping into and like clothesline and scoop slams here and there. He's really fast for a big dude, uh, way fast. And they brought up the athleticism of him, and I was, you know, it's just an average match. I don't have a lot of notes on this one. What about you guys? Yeah, I think it, it, for what I think it was supposed to be. You know, you kind of show that Ron and Paul clearly have this kind of grudge that's being bubbling under the surface, like it's still just being held and pushed off. Um, and they kind of talked about that briefly. Jesse kind of touched on the fact they, they debated, um, he and Tony, that is, about how Paul keeps getting away with these matches where he keeps getting himself DQ'd or he keeps getting himself counted out and he keeps finding a way to hold on to the championship or he doesn't want to wrestle, so he'll get someone to substitute. And Jesse's like, well, yeah, if you're – if you're the champion, you get that right. That's the champion's right. You, and then, like, I guess they talked briefly, which maybe you guys can talk about this. I guess that he had some type of stipulation where in his matches, if you didn't beat him in 10 minutes, you didn't win the title. Yeah, where that's, that's the team yeah. title rules. Right. So, well, and that's, I, to me, I, maybe that's just something that's back, lost on me and forgotten. I mean, I, as a kid, yeah. I, I don't remember anything about that. But, uh, but yeah, that was, uh, that was something that I had missed, uh, at least in stipulation. So when I heard that, like, they, they touched on that a bit. So um, I do think, yeah, they, they used it to briefly highlight Ron Simmons' uh, um, athleticism. You know, they brought up the fact, I mean, he was an excellent defensive uh, tackle at Florida State. Like, probably could have actually played pro instead. Um, some injuries kind of held him back from there. And, and again, it worked out. It's kind of that classic football player can't quite go go to that level, so they become a wrestler and, and make it work. Um, but, yeah, definitely underrated. Uh, and, yeah, he was stiff, especially that final, like, scoop slam, that power slam that he gave at the end to win. Stiff as hell. Um but uh, I agree. I, I gave it a little above average, but not not a nothing too crazy. Zach, what do you have? Um, I didn't go too much into the action because they did. I mean, they did some. I won't I won't say basic stuff, but it wasn't anything like really complex. I like the really big atomic drop he opened with. That was great. I, I popped we're, we're all fans of the atomic drop here, especially Dubs. Yeah, I on WWE 2K22, at least five of my moves involve atomic drops. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> a man of culture. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we I, all have I, our favorite maneuver, I think. I, I love me a good old-fashioned Bret Hart inverted atomic drop. That is that is some good shit right there. I love it. I like That's good it. shit. I like when Rick Rude gets hit with an atomic drop because he sells it the best. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, like there's a thing where Slater tries to wrestle Ron down, but he's too strong, and he monkey flips him, and he does the flying shoulder tackle, and that sends Slater out. And they do a they get back in, and they do a Greco-Roman knuckle lock or the test of strength, as some people call it. <laughs> and I fucking love that. I always mark out for that. Mm-hmm. Um, such a simple thing. Nobody really does that anymore. I think I've seen, like, Hulk do it with some people recently, and I maybe MJF. And, you know, MJF usually cuts him off or some shit when he does it. Yeah, he's a heel. But, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jungle Boy will use it as, like, a transition. It's far too quick and fleeting to really appreciate what it is, but he just uses it to set up the, the Owen Hart um, move where he'll kind of flip off of the rope and then uh, give them the, the hip toss uh, over. He needs to slow down with uh, Fuzz. 
He does because if you go, it's a callback to an Owen Hart move, and Owen Hart almost always started it with a, a classic knuckle lock test of strength, and then overturned it. It, it would be great if he was able to in, use that a little more, but it is yeah. what it is. You should watch some Owen Hart matches. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, they do a thing where Ron hits sunset flip and Dick slaps him, and Dick slaps him in the corner. <laughs> yeah, Dick, he gets Dick slapped, and then like. He gets he gets Dick in the corner, punches Dick, and then he deals Dick out across the ring. And Ron gets a three point stance, and then Paul grabs his leg to distract him, and then Dick blindfolds him with a Dick clothesline. <laughs> oh man! Dick Slater hits a swing neck breaker, goes for the pin. Ron gets his foot on the ropes, but then they think they've won stupidly uh, for some reason. <laughs> and then Ron gets the power slam and wins. I mm. thought it was a decent opener. Uh, still a little disappointed because Ron Simmons can't seem to have a match of much substance. Mm. And it's been months, and it's kind of aggravating. <laughs> I, I gave it a 5.5 5 out of 10. What'd you give it? Uh, I gave it 5.25 chances. <laughs> okay. I gave it a, a 5.7 out of 10. Nice. Yeah, so the, 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 I guess I guess I would say five and a quarter chances. Five okay. Yeah, I'm rolling with the quarter system. I'm I'm, I'm giving my my nod to my my autistic buddy Meltzer. That's okay. I I did that too for a while, and then like I got over that hill. I, I, yeah. I actually I actually got more autistic and realized I needed to go to the 10.0 scale fully. Um, 5.2 chases just doesn't seem like it rolls off. But five and a quarter chases. If if we ever get big, we're just gonna have like a a seal of approval of Chaz. Like like uh, review. <laughs> Chad seal of approval. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I have to come up with something. I got, I'll make a stamp. <laughs> um, up next was uh, the Beach Blast announcement for July 18th. That's, that'll be the next WCW premium live event. I can't wait. I can't. <laughs> I can't wait to see what happens. For this. I hope I can order a video cassette of that premium live event. God, this just sounds weird. I like the phone <laughs> numbers blocked out. Don't dial this. It's, it doesn't work. Sometimes they're not blocked out, though, which I thought was weird. It's like they did it on that one, but then in later ones where they show, like, when you can order the video cassette of this event, mm-hmm. it wasn't blocked out. Can't it's, confirm. That number does not work anymore. I called you, it. You called it. You wanted a copy of this. Yeah. 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 Um, my, my squirrel brain said, yes, we need to see if this is actually real. So I have to eBay it, I think. Yeah. Uh, then Uncle Eric is with Larry Zbysko, and they're talking about Too Cold versus Barry Windham, and Larry hits us with some Polish proverbs telling us more or less that Too Cold lacks experience, brother. And then, which is, that's a cool little bit. And then Michael Buffer is there, and he tells us about how wrestling is different from boxing and mm. stuff. That was so awkward. Like, I know this is like the beginning of Eric Bischoff and, and Bruce Buffer, but, like, listen to Bruce Buffer be like, I like uh, Too Cold Scorpio. He's kind of cool. Like, I don't know what I'm talking about, but I'm just going to say these words and stuff. Like, that's how I felt. I, maybe he's a big wrestling fan. I don't know. But, like, when Did I you was... you call him Bruce Buffer? That's Michael Buffer. Michael Buffer. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, am I... Did I... Did I have a stroke and his name was Bruce? I thought it was Michael. He had a defense for a minute. Chaz, yeah, he actually gets really mad and he yells into the microphone. Let's get ready. And he just like just gets really enraged and large and turns into the Hank. The Hank. 
<laughs> yeah. But I was like, is this the beginning of the Buffer WCW relationship? I think it is. It is, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I was like a little weirded out. I was like, this, this doesn't seem genuine at all. It feels forced, but that's just me. It's well, my... his introductions don't feel forced, I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah, I, I'm pumped up every time. Well, let's get ready to rumble. And I'm like, hell yeah. Did we get Marcus Alexander Bagwell? You have to say his full name until he becomes buff. That, that's the gimmick. Because they say he's a full name all the time, and it's weird. <laughs> Versus Lord Steven Regal. And who is his, like, manager person? Oh, that's Sir, Sir William or something, I think. Yeah, do you know who his manager is? Yes, yeah, sir. I think it's Sir William or, or something like that. Yeah, but I'm not. I'm not sure who the actual person is after the fact. It's superstar Bill Dundee. Oh, that's that. Wow. Okay. And I can't. I can't tell because they make him look like such a fucking dork. Yeah, you can't <laughs> I tell have at no all. Idea. I was like, that's Bill Dundee. What the fuck is he doing? <laughs> but he's not like. Remember when we first uh, went in that WCW Saturday Night? Like he came out and he interrupted like. Uh, uh, oh, who's the who's the guy? Who said we're gonna make this a tag team player. Uh, holla, holla, holla. Who's that guy? Ted, Ted, uh, Teddy. Yeah, uh, Teddy, Teddy Long. Long Teddy Long. Holla. You you go one on one with the Undertaker. <laughs> holla, holla. Uh, he was doing like an interview about like how the streets there's too much drugs and violence and stuff and like the uh William Regal's side guy comes with like a scroll and he's like medieval times and stuff. And he's reading yeah. about like how William, Sir, uh, uh, Lord Stephen Regal is coming or something like that. That that was a different guy though. Oh, uh, that, that was not uh, Lord Alfred, whatever the fuck they called him, oh. Lord William. Uh, this this got me. They actually announced Regal lives in some kind of forest, <laughs> and they say he's residing in his summer home from the Tower of Blackpool. <laughs> Like, what the fuck is this shit? Is this like 80s WWF or what? I'm confused. They were actually planting the seeds for whenever he would eventually become the man's man, William Regal. There it is. Vince saw this. Yeah. This is the yeah. only part he ever saw of his career before. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta buy into the lore. What's weird, though, is like Regal's been on TV intermittently for a few months now. And this is such a huge contrast from when he first showed up. He was like this kind of wild-haired, blue-chipper, British babyface guy who could fire up good. And, like, now he's just – now he's, like, kind of like the regal we sort of know now when he was a heel. Mm-hmm. The, the, blue out, the, the, sh- the shit-sniffing face, the disgusted look of, of being surrounded by peasants and reprobates. Yeah, with his, like, one hand behind his back, and he's like this, and then he, like, flips him and stuff. Like I, He does something in this match. I forgot what he did. I think he, like, did a snapmare or some shit, and then he just gets up with his hand behind his back in, like, a really smooth motion. I'm like, that was... <laughs> mm-hmm. you, get, you get an A-plus for that. <laughs> I, it was It was very good, yeah. So, um, I, I have to bring this up, because... One, I love Regal. And how he works the match, it, he puts intensity, he knows how to put his story together. The the one match I always talk about, and uh, I may be off on the WrestleMania, I think it's WrestleMania 18 or 17, where he faced Jericho for the yeah, inter- 17. 17. That match yeah. was great with uh, Jericho. And same same goes for this match with uh, Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Um 
But the thing is, we've seen Marcus Alexander Bagwell get like kind of pushed to the moon, like looking strong, and then he faces Steven Regal, and it's almost almost a squash kind of in a way. I think this push is. I think it's because they want to push Regal as like a strong mid card heel right now. Uh, it's like somebody fixed all Regal and figured out, let's just turn him heel and see, like, you know, put, try to push him, see what happens. Mm-hmm. And something happens. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, I thought the match was all right for what, for what it was, you know. They, they trade some holds and there's some arm bars, some hammer locks. And then there's some stuff where, you know, he's, he's getting into the ropes trying to get away and all that crap. And then Fitness Regal starts doing snap mares into the ropes and his leg bounces off the rope, like that kind of little small detail a lot of people don't really do. But Regal's really good at that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. He, he does moves or does certain actions in a specific way. It's like these little things that nobody thinks about. Like he stomps on people's hands or, or shit like that. People don't really do that that much. Yeah. No, it's a, it, those little details make a world of difference, though. And I actually think that's what actually helped this match because – uh, at least in my opinion, I know it's he's still pretty early in his career, so he's somewhat green, so to speak. But uh, Bagwell is man, he just it doesn't look the best. He he looks great. He has like the what would be the uh, as Vince would say, like the the five by five or or so to speak. He looked good. He he looks great. He just in the ring technically, and I, I think that actually that that even shows like. Regal's just wrestling circles around him, and uh-huh. I know that the booking-wise, that's how they wanted it, but honestly, I think that if they actually put this in Bagwell's favor, it would look much worse optic-wise because Regal's cir- wrestling circles around him. Uh, so um, I-, I think that his little details and antics actually help what was otherwise just a, a, a decent match. I mean, I-, I think I was pretty generous on my score for it, but um, definitely uh, – could have been a little better. They also just very slightly, at least my thought was the timing on the pin was a little off. Yeah, um, it, it was it was definitely botched a little, um, but they made it work. Like it, it, it worked out in the end. But I think that was a little off, and that that definitely took some wind out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the ending kind of ended a little bit with like a wet fart, and I was like, and I was yeah. like, I was like, ah, it was a good match, Regal. You know, I I will say Regal carried it. Uh, I, my, my brain worked weird because the whole time when I see Marcus Alexander Bagwell, I go, man, that's Buff Bagwell. What a shame. Oh, right. Yeah. It's so weird. He looks like a fucking, like, fireman calendar boy or some shit. I don't know. Like, like the calendar women buy it when they see hot firemen. That's what he looks like. Cause, it's like um, going to... It's like going to someone's high school graduation and seeing the valedictorian stand up on the stage and, man, you're going to be a meth addict in five years. Like, <laughs> it's, sorry, it's, it is. Like, he looks good and he's promising, and you're like, oh, fuck, this is not going to go well for you, buddy. Oh, no, he's going he's to change. But, um, yeah, I think in this match, too, you can kind of tell, like, but, uh, Marcus has had limited singles matches. Uh, sometimes he's looked better in certain ones than others. And this one, I think he got lost a little bit. Because, you know, Regal works the European style, the world of sports style more, and he's not as familiar with that. I think that's why he got put in a tag team with two cold Scorpio for a little while, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I did um, love the uh, the the sell from uh, 
uh, Jesse Ventura. Yeah, that's the European uppercut. I <laughs> really like that. He, he really made sure to put emphasis like that uppercut's different. <laughs> so I really appreciated that. Yeah. Um, the finish was, uh, I think. A roll up, wasn't Marcus, it? Marcus, yeah. He, he breaks it free from some wrestling stuff and he does come back, does like a forearm, a big clothesline, and then he rushes Regal in the corner like he's behind him. And he goes for the O'Connor roll, you know, that reverse backwards roll thing. But then Regal pulls his tights and gets the three. Yeah, the timing was a little off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I gave it a 5.6 out of 10. Chaz? What was the Chaz? Oh, sorry. I, so I, I gave it uh, five and, and three-quarter Chazes. Again, I, more of a probably an extra bump of, of a half Chaz just for Regal. Sake, but. Yeah, this was on a, a little bit of a scale because of uh, this is okay. Uh, this was more to get Lord Stephen Regal's royalness over. Um, and Bagwell did okay at selling at first, but then he stopped selling later in the match. Like when he was working his leg, he was like, "Oh shit!" and he actually stumbled around a little bit after that. But it's like when it was time for him to come back, he stopped selling. Yeah. I, I will say, and I know we're going to talk about the Revolution other stuff a little more. It's coming up. There was something really cool about watching Revolution, then watching this show and seeing Regal, and then watching Dynamite and seeing Regal come out and even do the same, like, sneer that he does with his face and then talk. Like, that, it made his promo so much better for me, too. I loved it. Um, his his so Dynamite promo was awesome, points. by the way. I saw oh, that. it was. It was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. We'll, 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 talk, um, we'll talk about that later. He had to make an apology, but we'll talk about that later. I, I don't know why there was an apology about his promo, but we'll get to that later. Yeah, I, gave this, I gave this a 5.7 out of 10. Okay. We're all around the same, yeah. Okay. Uh, so now we're going to get goofy and shit uh, because Max Payne is coming out. Um <laughs> So yes, yeah, you've you've, been, you've missed it. You, he stole his bad blaster. <laughs> I didn't miss anything. <laughs> I didn't miss goddamn thing. thing. It's like when this whole action started. It's like everybody knew it was bullshit right off the bat, and nobody's into it. Nobody, even the people performing the angle, you can tell like this is fucking stupid. <laughs> We're just doing it. Yes. So. Yeah, er- Uncle Eric is there with uh, Max Payne, and Max Payne is wearing some goofy shit like usual because his gear is always fucking goofy. Um, it, there was there was one time I we were just like, oh, he's actually wearing some wrestling gear, and now he's like, I'm just going to wear oversized shirts under my wrestling tights and shit that look weird. But anyway, I digress. So Eric Bischoff is on the mic, uh, and then Max Payne is like, I was in my lair or whatever, uh, which is is his mind. Um, And he, like, takes out, he's showing the bad blaster. Johnny B. Bad comes out of nowhere and, boom, shot in the face. (laughs) And he's he's rolling around like his eyes are lost uh, because, I mean, yeah, an explosion came out of that thing and hit him in the face. He got shot in the face with a T-shirt gun, basically. Yeah. <laughs> and a glitter cannon. He got shot with a glitter cannon. Yeah, and like, okay, I'll I'll give Johnny B. Bad credit. He he tried to sell this like he was dying, like his face was melting. Mm-hmm. And then it especially helped Air, Uncle Eric's reaction. He was like, "What? What? What are you doing?" And he's like freaking out. <laughs> and then like, 
They're like, get some better, get some help out here. Like a bunch of guys rush, and some some guy has like a towel, and he's like trying to help him, and then they cut away. And I'm like, all this reminded me of was like, you know, like, like both companies lately when they'll do like an angle like this, where oh my god, somebody's getting assaulted or somebody got attacked heinously. There's always like this fucking bipolar reaction. It's like either nobody will come out to help anybody and somebody's getting their ass kicked and some guy's trying to end their career or like somebody will get shoved or something. And that causes like 20 guys to come out of the back. And mm-hmm. it's like, it's like the total opposite reaction. <laughs> yeah. It's super weird. I, I like to think the, the uh, time, the time traveling uh, wrestling fans that we are that uh, in hindsight being 2020, that, Hogan and Warrior saw this and thought, you know what? We we need to do a tribute to the Bad Blaster incident uh, at Halloween Havoc, and this was what led to the fireball because it was it had that fireball vibe. It, oh, it was so terrible. <laughs> oh, we'll break her in. So. Oh. Since Johnny Bibad uh, got shot in the face by a t-shirt t-shirt uh, blaster, uh, yeah, he is not able to compete, which means that Max Payne defeated Johnny Bibad. That's what he says. Yeah, he had to forfeit. He forfeits, and then this guy comes out with a mullet and Zubaz pants, and it's the Z-Man, mm-hmm. Tom Zink. <laughs> Before he gets addicted, no, he's he's addicted to weed right now. I forgot. But anyway, he's like, "Hey, why'd you do that, man?" And then he just he decides to fight for his boyfriend's honor or something. I don't know. <laughs> and he kind of gets his ass like he gets he surprises him, and then he sort of gets his ass kicked. He just gets put in the pain killer immediately. And he's like, "Oh fuck, I got my arm. I'm done." <laughs> and I'm just like, you know. This is like a second attempt to try to get Max Payne over again after the first botched attempt. And I guess it's working a little better. Like, I, I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> um, he had a lot more momentum uh, until, like, when Dustin, like, ended it for him that time. And he all of the momentum. Yeah, and then he, like, brought it back a little bit when he was, like, doing the guitar gimmick, where he's like, I'm just gonna do uh, some American song. Amazing Grace, maybe. It was played on the guitar. Played the national anthem on, on Norma Jean, his, his guitar. Mm-hmm. And, like, they, they had a good thing going then, uh, but then it got stupid where he's talking about, like, the, his lair and deep inside his minds and stuff while all also looking goofy as fuck. So I was like, I didn't believe that he was deranged as they are trying to push. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't think so. I think this, I think this harmed him more than anything. The best part of this whole little set sequence was Z man attacking him initially to get a little bit of that hype. And he hit him with like, I think it was like a drop kick. Yeah. And and he gets up and he tries to rip the shirt off and he's like, oh, it's tucked in, I can't do it. And then, and then they basically redo. He basically redoes the entire spot to get his shirt off, which I thought like anyone that's got their their shirt tucked into Zubaz pants enough that they can't get it off must be high. 
Totally <laughs> poor Lex Luger. It was really funny. That that's the only thing I even thought that was like relatively entertaining about this. It was like to me, I just I didn't even like bother with it. It's like okay, and he didn't even write that part down. Where he fucking tried to get his shirt off and failed. And then he was like, yeah. oh, "I still gotta get the shirt off because the pop happens when you get the shirt off." He, I knew what uh, he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> then we have uh, Too Cold Scorpio versus Barry Windham, champion mm-hmm. for the NWA World's Heavyweight <laughs> Championship. How did this come together? Like, I on TV, this was not like advertised at all. Now it's like, holy shit, Too Cold Scorpio is facing Barry Windham. Yeah, you, you brought that up in the chat, and I think they did say something about it the last Saturday night we watched. Mm-hmm. But it was, it was really it was brief. Uh, this is where Michael Buffer does his first intro, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know. It's like he gets the wrestlers over more in his his introduction. It's interesting. It's uh, like he said, two Cold Scorpios wrestled like over four hundred professional matches, and he just got back from a tour of Japan. And he weighs like uh, two hundred and uh, twenty-one and a half pounds. And I was like, okay, like I don't know. You, you, even if that's bullshit, that he he's wrestled over four hundred matches professionally or whatever, it just makes it sound more legit somehow. I don't know. <laughs> just bring that kind of stuff up. Michael Buffer just brings that main event appeal. Like he really does. It it, it actually adds to it. And it, again, you can tell this was a championship match right from the start. Mm-hmm. Too cold, Scorpio. I I have. He's not just this flippy guy. Um, he he could actually wrestle. Like I was impressed with this. And Barry Windham, um, contr- you know, controlling the match where he's not doing that flippy stuff uh, was cool. And by God, do I love. Bear- When's the last time wrestlers today know how to throw a punch? Because every time oh. Bar- Barry Windham throws a punch, I feel like it hurts. I think you need to Google Shane McMahon. I'm pretty sure that's what you need to do. (laughs) (laughs) The exact opposite. (laughs) How not to throw a punch. Uh, I I totally agree. And this was a clash of styles, I think, in a way. Because, again, I agree with you. Technically, Scorpio can wrestle, but he is known more for that that acrobatic flying. And I almost like to think that when they brought in the Japan stuff, like they even talked about that through the narration that – Okay, he he's bringing some of that Japan style here uh, in this match, um, where in Barry's just like beat down, just really trying to to grind him down and and, and wear him out to to finish the match, uh, and just so fierce and intense with each strike. I, I agree. Like it, this this match was a clinic. I, it was my favorite match, and I know that's. That's probably not as popular because, again, the main event was great, but I, I actually rated this the highest match of the night. Oh, shit. Um, I I was surprised with the length of how long it went because, again, because yeah, yeah. me, me and Zach have been watching WCW Saturday night, and, yeah, he does have long matches when it's a tag team with, like, Marcus Alexander Bagwell, but most of – uh, two cold Scorpio matches are him, you know, quickly doing his spots and then hitting his finisher and wham, bam, see, ma'am, and he's gone. Um, and then seeing him and like Barry Windham going at it, going at it at twelve minutes and fifty three seconds. Yes, I I timed it. Um, I was impressed. I was like, Barry made two cold Scorpio 
look strong. Um, and, you know, made too cold a, a contender and, and buffed them up a little bit because he went toe-to-toe with Barry Wyndham. Not a lot of men could do that back in the day. He had the right kind of a match. And, like, that, that's something else that gets lost on people. It's like fucking nowadays it's like, okay, if you watch WWE, it's like, or, or AEW is really bad about this too. Like, people of a higher status going up against a wrestler of a lower status will have a 50-50 match. Or, like, the guy who should be better than the other one because of his higher status has a harder time beating them, and it kind of makes no sense. It's like when – it's sorry to interrupt you, but it's like Nyla Rose losing to Rio. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, I wouldn't say neither I, – I feel like they were kind of maybe on the same playing field, but that's a case where, like, it's a much larger wrestler, like, selling somebody, like, that is a fraction of their size, literally. Not losing to Rio, but also losing to the other uh, Shakira. Uh, I almost said Shakira. Uh, <laughs> uh, what, what's the one who's always cosplaying as Tifa? The one that won, uh, held the belt for a long time. Oh, Sheeta. Yeah, Sheeta. There you Car go. Sheeta. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah, she, now, you also be there with the Tifa. I was like, huh? Yeah, I, I know what you're talking about now. <laughs> yeah, she she cosplayed as Tifa. If you look at her gear, it's very Tifa-like. Um, But, like, in this match, it was just like Barry controlled the match most of the time. Like, yes. he grounded Scorpio. He beat him down. And Barry always does this thing, too. I love this, where he's, like, he's never in a rush in the ring, but not in, like, a boring way. It's just, like, he's totally relaxed. Mm-hmm. It's like, all right, I fucking just like he, he the, like he he beats Scorpio down a little bit. And he just goes to the top rope and hits that big top rope clothesline. He just very casually gets up and picks him up like it was nothing. It's like holy shit. And he's like slamming him and he's just like all oh, two. Okay, they didn't get him. And then he does another move. I think is what he does that float over suplex. It's awesome. And he gets kind of pissed that wasn't three. And that's when he starts getting vicious. He's like clawing his eyes and shit. Well, yeah, th- th- that's my favorite segment of the whole match is, like, Barry is trying to put him away, uh, but because too cold, he's, you know, too fast and all that stuff. Yeah, like, he, like, gets out of the move. So, like, there was many times where, you know, he hit the float over suplex, and then he would try to get the DDT, but, like, too cold would get out until finally, he- oh, my God. I- here's the thing, Chaz. I, I, I... I coom for atomic drops, and I coom for fucking sweet DDTs that end matches. Uh, every mm-hmm. time that Barry Windham hits a DDT, I'm like, ah, and it's it, it's amazing. Better than sex. Sorry. I'm 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 all about I am all about some some good DDT. Uh, all uh, Jake the Snake or um, mm-hmm. or Barry Windham. I, I also say, and it's actually it's almost like. It almost seems criminal to even have to make the statement, but Barry Windham is one of the more underappreciated wrestlers of his generation. Oh, he really is. A lot of people he, I feel like, like my him. goodness, he did not get his due compared to his uh, his counterparts. I, I I really don't think he did. He is such a good wrestler. Like there's so much story with him, how he moves. Again, the frustration. It, it like again, think about like what we watch now. A big problem with AEW or any other wrestling. What happens when someone gets a near fall? What do they do? They stare up. They look right into the hard camera and give a shock face, like oh, they weren't supposed to kick out. And then they just stand there for ten minutes with their their thumb up their ass until that person has time to recover. They don't go right to okay. Well, now I'm going to make you pay for that. 
Like, that is such a big deal. It, mm-hmm. I mean, I thought it was a fantastic match. And, and I, I didn't mind that it was a little longer. I'm a sucker for the whole suspension of disbelief. If you can draw me into something and I am just captivated by it and, and even have that belief, like, I know who was going to win this match, but if I have that moment where I think, oh, maybe this is going a different way, and I'm just caught and time kind of just freezes, I'm okay with that. In fact, that's what I want. I want a match. I would rather have a match that goes 30 minutes that ma- tricked me into thinking it was 10 minutes than a 10-minute match that felt like it went 20. Yeah, I agree. So for me, that's why I rated this so highly. Again, and that's not to be lost on the main events great too, but I, I had I had high, high rating for this. Um, there's a – I like that there was a part in the match where, like, uh, Too Cold tried to do a comeback. I think he did, like, a springboard Dez press from the outside. And then, like, Barry kicked out it, too. And then he just gets up and starts punching him in the face. <laughs> does, like, a big back suplex. And then Jesse says something. is like, he's out cold, Scorpio, now. Because he's, like, <laughs> it's like he's literally stunned from all those punches. And he just can't. Like, he's wobbling around. He can barely walk. Um, and that's when the comeback starts blowing off. Uh, Barry gets mad. And he tries to back suplex him again. But Scorpio does the backflip. And he back suplexes him. Mm-hmm. And then... That's this is where the comeback happens. He, he hits Hurricanrana, and then he goes to the top rope. He does like the rotating splash for two. He, he's done that occasionally, and the, the crowd starts getting hyped. Mm-hmm. Super check. He runs Barrett. He does like this weird victory roll from the bottom. That weird twisty victory roll variation. That gets two. Scorpio does a body slam. He tries to do a slingshot splash. And he gets two, and then Barry throws him out of the ring. And I think he tries to do that same, some other springboard move again. That's when he gets punched in midair, which takes some good timing. And Barry hits him with the implant DET for three. Put him away. Mm-hmm. I, gave it, match. I gave it a 7.2 out of 10. I gave it eight chazzes. Eight chazzes. I, uh, Bumped it up slightly uh, from this discussion. I gave it a 7.4 out of 10. Okay. Good stuff. Good shit. Um, Actually, good shit. <laughs> it, was, it was very good shit. I forgot, was there a segment before we get into the, the six-man tag? Yeah, uh, they're in the back. Uncle Eric's with Sting and Dustin and Bulldog. Oh, yeah, that's and right. It, it's not really, like, anything... Right? It's just like Dustin kind of does a short promo, like short 15-second promo, and then Bulldog says some stuff, and then Sting yells. And he's just like, let's go! And he's like hyped. He just wants to get out there. I hate Colonel Robert Parker. Yeah, we hate Colonel Robert Parker here on Getting Some Color. He's fucking (laughs) awful. I know he's like Robert Fuller. He's like fucking from famous fucking Fuller family from Tennessee and all that shit. But like, he fucking sucks in this role. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chaz, do you like Robert Fuller? You just seem kind of like nonplussed about that. Nah, I mean, I, it was kind of inconsequential. But yeah, I mean, I can get on the bandwagon here for the sake of it. Yeah, fuck him. We'll see. <laughs> like, I, I just thought it was kind of like he need to be there. If you continue with us and you start seeing promos on Saturday night, you're going to turn fast. Yeah. Okay. To 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 kind of go like back to one of the promos that made me just like, what the fuck is he doing? So I I dialed Elvis, Elvis Presley, and he told me that I need to find a star. And I was like, <laughs> who 
he cuts his brothers like he's always running out of breath. He's like, I went to my plantation, uh, and I, I dialed up Elvis, and he told me I needed to find a wrestler. Uh, and I, I knew just the man for the job. Uh, and I saw him. And it was like a bolt of lightning hit uh, in my front lawn. And he looked like a Greek god. You were talking about some visual. He said this is not like a weird Greek figure. Yeah, it's that's fantastic. It's like a like a free will Baptist preacher, just like sweating his ass off. <laughs> I think maybe the, you know now that you bring that up, maybe that's what he's kind of going for when he's doing that weird shuddery breath thing. But yeah, and oh shit! So sounds like Big Van Vader, Rick Rude, Sid Vicious with Colonel Robert Parker and Harley Race versus Davy. David, David Boy Smith, Dustin Rhodes, and Sting. So, Zach, I know you're the one who keeps track of all the moves. Do you? What do you got to say about this match? <laughs> okay, I'll try to recap the match as uh, succinctly as I can. Um, Sting and Rude starts off, and Sting gets a headlock on Rude, and Rude tries to power out, but he can't, and then he starts doing hammer locks to him, and he can't get out of that either. And then... Sting elbows him and get get in the corner, and then Rude elbows him to get out. And he kind of has advantage for like a second, and then Sting just starts to press slam him. <laughs> I like this spot. Sid Vader come in to try to stop it, and he just throws him at both of them, and they just catch Rude, and they're like, "What the fuck?" And he just throws right. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and Rude's like, "Oh my back!" <laughs> Start fighting, and um. Oh jeez. Oh god. He starts he starts fighting everybody. And then like Rude tries to sneak in and do a body slam, but Sting reverses it into a small package for two. So it's like Sting's just fucking whipping all their asses right now. What would um, you would you think of Dustin Rhodes like stomping a mud hole on Vader? Like I was fucking off. Awesome. It was awesome, but I was surprised at it at the same time. I'm like I know they're like propping Dustin to be like the next Dusty, but at the same time I'm like He's stopping a mud hole in fucking Vader. And like, I was waiting for Vader to be like, who the man? I'm the man. And, like, power slam him or something. I think Vader likes to do that spot with certain guys. Because he does it with Sting a lot. We're like, you know how we've seen Sting wrestle Vader? And, like, you do the thing where Sting gets him in the corner and he just starts hammering him. Mm-hmm. Like, hitting him with these punches over and over and over while Vader's like, fuck, shit, fuck. And he, he can't get out. He did the same thing here. But Dustin, like, went fucking ham on it, and it was great. Yeah. Um, like, jeez. Oh, uh, at some point, I think that Dustin, just, yeah, he just starts going ape shit on him, and he hits, like, several elbow drops, a suplex. He suplexed Vader. I was like, shit, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he does like a low elbow, then he tries to go for a top rope elbow, but he misses because he takes too long. He's like, oh, awesome, and he missed. Mm-hmm. And then Vader just hits a Vader bomb for two. And then he tags Root back in, and he hits a Gord Buster and elbows the fuck out of his back, but then he's taking too long, and Dustin Gord Busters him back. Uh, Rude tags Sid in, who starts slamming Dustin into the corner, which is like this thing where Sid grabs a guy by his head and just shoves him into the fucking corner. Dustin didn't do it very good. I've seen it look a lot better than that when he would do that. It's mm-hmm. like he wasn't whiplashing or anything. My, that whip, I think it's because Dustin's too tall. My favorite part of like Sid going in the ring, like he's 
he's getting like out punched and outpowered. Uh, I forgot who it was. It was either Dustin or Davy Boy Smith. Um, it's Davy. Yeah, yeah Davey Boy. but like Sid is about to like get out of the ring, but Sting like takes the rope and like tries to like use the rope on his. Nuts on the yeah. rope. I forgot about that spot. Yeah, yeah. he's it, like, oh. the <laughs> and then he like clotheslines him, mm-hmm. and then Sid gets up on the other side, and then I think it was like Bulldog clotheslined to do or something. And then he goes to Dustin, and I think he gets like slammed. But um, yeah, let's see. Uh. This part was crazy. Like, Sid hits, like, a weird side leg headlock takeover, which I've never seen him do. And then, like, Dustin gets a leg scissors on him. But then Sid nips up like he's fucking Shawn Michaels. And he clotheslines Dustin. I've never seen him do that either. Mm-hmm. The fuck? That was great. And then Sid tags Vader, and he starts hammering him. You know, he says, Vader does the shit where he pushes you in the corner and beats the fuck out of you, and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, Snapmare's Dustin. And then he does to do the top body block, but Dustin reverses it to the power slam. Vader tags Rude. And this I love this spot. He goes for a tombstone power driver. Dustin reverses it. They do it the right way. Because a lot of people, I see a lot of people try to do this spot, and they fuck it up nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> like, they, they wiggle too much, or they're not strong enough to hold each other, and they, it just gets fucked up. Uh, Dustin gets <laughs> when he drives Rude to the mat though. It's like Rude does a split. It's like his legs split apart. And he's flops. Rude, uh, he Rude, goes for the Rude, Rude sells really well. Like that's the, the the one thing. Like people like he's good at wrestling, but when someone hits him, he makes it look like it hurts. It might be a little goofy at sometimes, but at least it's goofy enough to be like. Ah, that hurt my dick, or hurt, that hurt my neck. No. It's only goofy on like big spot moves, like an atomic drop. It's like, well, he sells it correctly. It's like, what's an atomic drop do? It compresses your spine. Mm-hmm. So he's like, oh shit! And it's like you can barely walk. And then, in the right. case of a tombstone, what's that? You drive a dude's head into the mat. So it's like, well, if I drive my head in the mat, I guess I'm basically unconscious. So I just flop, just die. So- I I think it complements his his character very well too. Like, arrogant prick that just sells like a dead fish. <laughs> like, he just falls yeah. over. Like, it's fantastic. It's it's great. It's like classic old-time heel selling. Like, the heels would usually kind of oversell a little bit when they, they'd get their ass kicked. Mm-hmm. Um, this is where it breaks down, though, because he goes for a pin, and then, like, Sid comes in and breaks it up immediately before the ref can even count. <laughs> and everybody starts fighting. And the sting gets flung into the security railing, and it looked like that fucking hurt when he did it. Mm-hmm. And then Dustin gets hit with the Halliburton briefcase by Vader. He picked up that damn Halliburton briefcase, and then Sid's beating on Bulldog in the corner. And during all this chaos, Rude just hits Dustin, and he wins. That that's my fa- like, that that's my favorite part of the match because. You watch wrestling these days, and it, it falls on NXT, it falls on WWE, it falls in AEW. They always have to have this grand finale at the end. What I love about old school is, like, they have this chaos, and Brood is like, wow, everybody's all fucking beating each other up, and Dustin's just laying there? I'm just going to go for the win. It's a smart thing to do. And that's what I miss about wrestlers. They they don't take the psychology uh, well, like, the, you know, they did back then. 
And I think, I think he was still, I think he was still selling too at that point. Like he just kind of saw, he was like, oh, he's down. And he just kind of flops onto him and gets the pin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what's, I mean, Chaz, do you have any thoughts that you want to bring up about this match? No, I mean, I think it's, it's kind of funny. Like the play by play really helps the sell the fact that it, it was just, there was a lot going on in this match. And it, it was a bit exhausting in a good way. It was, it was, it was a good match. I mean, I, and again, I was a little stinger. So, I mean, of course I, I marked out, like I'm fine with that. Uh, I always love me some early 90s sting, but, uh, but yeah, no, I thought, I thought it was really good. I, I also appreciated the subtlety of the way the match finished. You got all of this stuff going on. And I mean, these guys are just like hitting each other. Like they owe each other money right from the start. And then, like, you get that subtle, like, oh, I'm just going to climb over and give him the pin while all this other chaos is going on. <laughs> like, it's it's perfect. I, so I, I thought I thought it ended pretty well. I mean, I, I didn't, like, give it, like, anything, like, crazy. And I think I was coming off the high of the, the Wyndham-Scorpio match. So, to me, that was, man, I'm tired. Like, this is, all right, let's end the match now. That was the only thing that got me. But uh, I gave it uh, six and a half chances. I gave it a solid seven. Um, these guys, when the craziness happened, I was like, oh, that's kind of the chaos we deal with today, but it's like structured to the point that it's, you know, makes sense. Uh, so like when the chaos, yeah, controlled chaos. Uh, Mm -hmm. and like the referee in a sense during that chaos was still kind of putting order a little bit where like. The stuff that was happening on the outside, he can't literally fucking do anything about that. But the stuff in the inside, he was like, you got to get back into rope. He was, like, pushing the guys, and then that's when he saw, you know, Rude pin Dustin and got the one, two, three. So I respect that. That's why I gave it a 7 out of 10. Uh, it was fun, and the crowd was hot for this match, especially, like, when Sting or Dustin. Like, when Dustin started teeing off on Vader and hitting all those big moves and shit, they, they lost their shit. Mm-hmm. Um, it was fun. It was just good fun, kind of main event. All the main event guys currently having a match, kind of a thing. Uh, I gave it a seven point one out of ten. Okay. Um, afterwards, they're power bombing Bulldog, and then Rude is going to cave Dustin Skull in with the Halbert briefcase, but Sting stops him. He chases the heels off, and this this extends into Beach Blast. Yes, I know this. I've seen the promo. I can't wait. I'm I'm super excited. You know what? I'm wearing fucking bathing suit for the that episode that we're gonna do. We're gonna wear like sunscreen. <laughs> yeah. You know, do all that shit. So it's gonna be great. Main event time, huh? The match that we've all been, it was built up on the Flare for Gold uh, show. Are you familiar with the Flare for Gold, Chaz, on WCW Saturday Night? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so they built up the whole thing where the Hollywood Blondes came on there and pretty much called Arn and Ric Flair old, uh, which is pretty hilarious because, like, the whole time they were, like, making fun of how old they were. I'm like, Ric Flair is going to wrestle until pretty much, you know, like, 2008. <laughs> and, I'm just, mm-hmm. and I'm just like... If you're calling him old now and he's, like, 40, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's not that old. Like, settle down. Yeah, but uh, I, I'm going to give you my thoughts on this match uh, real quick. I was really confused 
midway because Buffer was like, and the new champions are. <laughs> and he fucked it up after that first fall. He's like, oh, new champions. And like, it just kind of fades out. I'm like, oh, he did it wrong there. Mm-hmm. He didn't he know it was two out of three falls. He said it was two out of three falls. He forgot. That's what happened. Stone Cold. Amazing. I, I see Stone Cold. Uh, stunning. Stunning Steve Austin. Stunning Steve Austin. They were doing this in the match. They were trying to get on the fans. They were just like, <laughs> I'm doing such good heels. Yeah. And uh, I've, I've always said so, uh, stunning Steve Austin. He's uh, his, his intensity can go up. His punching is great. Um, when he hits a suplex, it, it has uh, an oomph to it where I'm just like, yeah, fuck yeah. Do that shit. And then Pillman with the whole uh, – Trying to give the towel thing. I, I enjoyed that. <laughs> he knocked him on his ass uh, for the towel. Uh, Arn Anderson. One of the best spine busters ever. If I had to choose top three spine busters, fucking Arn Anderson, Batista, and Triple H. Those are my top, top three. Top three spine busters, go chance. Yeah. Uh, it's there. Are, there are just three different generations of Arn Anderson, and it's not even close. <laughs> like, like Arn Anderson's Spinebuster, where he's like hobbled around sixty foot carrying the the goddamn Waffle House playbook. <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Like that. That is still in the top three. Like it's that good. <laughs> like seriously, fantastic. Like. And, I mean, when he hits the Spine Buster, like, it actually lives up to its name. How many other people actually hit the Spine Buster and you think, oh, man, that, that person might be hurt? Like, mm-hmm. oh, my goodness. It is fantastic to watch him. It's all, every time I see it, it's like, hmm, am I, I might be erect. Like, it's it's good. So, yeah, I, in all seriousness, I, I would agree uh, Batista. Batista's high up there for me. Um, and then, yeah, Triple H's got a fantastic Spine Buster. I will say, not that I, I mean, I guess I got to pay to my AEW shill. Uh, tendencies. Powerhouse Hobbs has a really good spine buster. I don't know if he's that's, in that top three yet, but it's really good. That's his finisher sometimes. He's just oh, beats the guy with spine buster. I really love the ones when he gets on uh, some of the smaller guys and he does like the full 180. Like, yeah. you know, there's something stated about being able to just land it and hit it as it is, but to actually turn it the way he does, oh man, it's beautiful. Mm. Yeah, he hits a good spine buster. Uh, I actually, I was live, uh, and uh, one of the dark matches involved him, and he had a spine buster, and I swear, like, the boom from hitting the, the mat, like, I thought, he, like, the ring was going to collapse. Like, it was the loudest sound all night. Like, <laughs> it was great. Awesome. Dude, I'm still yeah. fucking cracking up with the carrying the Waffle House. I can't. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he would care the stupid thing he's called place. Like, I know he's cracking me up anyway. It's like, why the hell are you doing that? What are you telling him that you're covering up? Like, this isn't college football. I'll take that shit it's out code. of <laughs> It's a code. You tell Cody, like, uh, smother, smother, covered, whatever the fuck that means. Like, you need to, like, uh, headlock, uh, side headlock takeover. Um, uh, transition into hammer lock, pick him up, do the hammer lock uh, back suplex, uh, uh, put it in the arm bar. That's what he's telling him. He yells out, Omaha, Omaha, and then Cody puts him in the figure four. Or, or, <laughs> he's, he or he's like, yeah. after Dynamite, why don't we get some eggs and fucking pancakes at the wall? Let's go. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, that, that, that was legitimately Orange playbook. It was all code. Yeah. <laughs> 
And then when he lost it, he said, fuck it. I just guess I'll bring my gun. I'll get my Glock out of my car and shoot everyone. <laughs> best promo. Your best great promo, too. <laughs> Jesus. Okay, so our Pillman start out, and he's mocking Flair. He's doing woo. When Pillman doesn't woo, it's hilarious because it's so terrible. <laughs> And then, like, Arm shoves him after they lock up, and then they get in the corner, and then there's chops. Pil- uh, Pillman has great chops. Mm-hmm. Loud as fuck. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Arm gets – he gets in his face, and then Arm spits on him and starts throwing bombs and kicking him. And then Pillman retreats like a little fucking shithead. And, and then the, he's, like, in his corner, and he's like, tag Austin He's like, ask Frost, so he tags in. And then they exchange a little bit, and – Gets shoulder block, you get up, but then Arn puts his hands up. He's like, whoa! And for some reason, he actually stops, and then he like, he tags Ric Flair in. <laughs> one of my favorite parts of the match. It's like the Three Stooges. Whoa, 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 whoa. I, just, yeah, I, I love that. It was weird, but at the same time, I didn't get hated. I don't know. I just thought it was kind of funny that Austin was like, huh? And he just stopped. <laughs> let him die. <laughs> um, Flair comes in and immediately pokes Austin in the eye, which, which, Popped me. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he starts chopping him, fish hooking him, breaking the eyes. You know, doing cheap Ric Flair shit. Even though he's baby face, it's awesome. I have to ask a question though. Do do these guys like really poke the eye? Because I, no. I I always like imagine if like somebody really really fucking poked the eye so hard, like <laughs> like puncture their eyeball. So like what they do is they kind of get around the eye, sort of like. Around here, like underneath the eye socket. I'm sure there's been some, oh shit, sorry brother. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> after they actually poked him in the eye a little bit. Cause Rick Flair is like, <laughs> I always love that little, uh, my favorite's Roddy Piper. Cause what Roddy Piper would always do is in the middle of a match, he'd just grab you by your chin, pick you up, and just go like that in your eye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, yeah. slow eye poke. Um, it looked rough too. But, it did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, then they're, they're chopping, and Pillman and him are having chop-offs. And then uh, he manages to tag Austin in, and he's fish-hooking him again and punching him. And then Flair shoots Austin in the corner, hits reverse elbow, and he goes to do something, but Austin pokes him in the eye and escapes. <laughs> Just desserts. Uh, they keep going back and forth for a while. Uh, and eventually Austin and them kind of start getting heat on Arn. Uh, working his leg a little bit stuff. Uh, suplex, uh, yeah. Here, here, I love this spot here. Um, it's like they're, he's got Arn in the corner, Austin does, and he's like struggling to get up, and he just manages to punch Austin enough to where he stuns him and he kind of falls down or some shit. Mm-hmm. And then like, he sees Arn struggling to get back over to his corner to tag out, and then he, he realizes it, so he gets ready to cut him off. He launches himself to the ropes like he's going to fucking, I don't know, knee him in the face or some shit. But then uh, Arn dodges it, and Austin lands on the ropes with his ass, and you think, like, oh, shit, he's going to fly through the ropes or something ridiculous is going to happen. But he actually bounces off, and he goes, like, oh, yeah, he does, like, the fucking camera thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Arn just takes him. <laughs> It oh was my great. God. That was a great spot. Um, then he gets Flair back in. He starts fighting them both. And uh, Austin clips Arn outside on the floor somewhere. 
he's fucking me up some more. Like I didn't, I didn't catch that. I must have been right, and then it happened because it was must have been a split second thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they two on one uh, flare because of that, and then like they're running, they're both running like they're gonna hit flare with some kind of double team move. But Arn manages to grab Austin's foot. I think it was Austin. And Flair runs back and hits Pillman with like a flying forearm and gets a pin. Fuck! <laughs> I was just like, okay, he's winning with a flying forearm. One one fall. Yeah, there on. was. Uh, what you guys? You guys have anything to say about that first fall so far? No. Uh, again, it just con- it confused me a little bit because after the match, I was like, wait, are they doing like, hey, they're the champions now? Like, and then, like, a tie, but it was just a confusion because, you know, Michael Buffer just didn't know. Didn't know. He thought it was, he just want. he thought it was just one fall. But he said yeah, it was two I, out of three. I, I think that, yeah, my, what, my, my biggest, like, critique of the match was related to this fall just being so abrupt and it just seemed kind of anticlimactic given where the match was. Um, not to mention the ending, but we'll get to that. It just hits one of my peeves in wrestling, but that's that's a whole different thing. I thought the first fall was kind of flat. Like, for, mm-hmm. okay, Flair, it's flying forearm and he beats him. I was like, oops, couldn't have done something a little crazier? I don't know. <laughs> uh, the second fall uh, goes like this. Uh, Flair and Pilbara start chopping each other in the corner. Pilbara shoots Flair off into the opposite corner, and then Flair does the crazy corner Flair spot. And if you don't know what that mm-hmm. is, that's when Ric Flair gets flown in the corner, and then he flips over the turnbuckle, ends up on the apron, and he runs across the apron at top speed and either gets hit if he's a heel or he goes to the top rope and tries to do a crossbody or it gets thrown away. Or if he's a baby face, he actually hits both guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Darn Yeah, it's either or. Um, and he knocked Austin out on the floor, and I, I think he got pulled down there by him or something. And he gets suplexed on the floor. And then Austin's bashing his head into the railing, and then Pillman starts getting on him, and he fucking hot shots him on the railing. He does the flare flop. No, <laughs> if you've the ne- flare flop. That's- if you've never seen the flare flop, it's just Flair flare gets hit, and he stumbles a bit, and then he fucking falls forward. It's great. Oh, it's, so, it's fantastic. It's one of the greatest, most legendary sales ever of just delayed, oh, that really hurt, and just cartoonish fall like it's fantastic so great uh they they this they start working flare over choking him with the towel and then austin hits a good superplex for two and then he's still beating on him in the corner and then brian comes back in they're just doing that thing for a little bit uh and then arn manages to get tagged back in because he's, he's doing his comeback he goes backdrop big boot after gut punch, then he does a spine buster, and then, mm-hmm. then Pillman breaks it up. He's like, fuck. Flair comes back in to do something. The ref's distracted, and Pillman clips Arm's knee again, and they start working his knee over again. And they get heat for a while, and then there's this weird spot where Brian gets Arn in a single leg crab, and Flair's argued with the referee because they're cheating. <laughs> it's like, Austin's pushing down on his head while he's in the hold, and they're like saying, "Like that's that's putting more pressure on." I'm like, "How?" Yeah, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. That doesn't work, okay? Like, now, you know the thing where like they grab the rope or something. You can kind of buy that a little bit, 
or like mm-hmm. if they the tag partner's got a certain hold in and like the other one reaches over and grabs his hands and pulls them to, to him. I could kind of buy that too. I couldn't buy the pushing the head down thing. Yep. Say so I added, I didn't add it tight either. I agree with you. That's, that's a little weird. <laughs> uh, Arn gets out of this by hitting the Gary, which I've never, I didn't think I would ever say. <laughs> and then, uh, tags Flair in and he starts going at it again with both of them. And he hits a big back suplex on Austin. He goes for the figure four. And then Barry runs down the fucking ramp, gets on top rope, and hits an elbow drop and breaks it up, causing a DQ. Here's what I don't like about this. So I yeah. understand they've been building up about, like, what do you think about Flair? And he gets, like, pissed off because during, WC, so, d- during WCW Saturday night, uh, when Barry Windham won the NWA championship, like Tony Schiavone, Jesse Ventura, and I think Larry Zabisco uh, interviewed him as well uh, to see like what his thoughts about Ric Flair coming back, and they like built up this storyline. And then like there was a promo before Clash of Champions where he's like, "There's only three things I care about: my belt, uh, my bike, and what was the the third one? Money. Money, I guess. Yes, and money." <laughs> And he's he kind of like had a promo where he's like I'm I'm doing my own thing I'm not the four horsemen anymore uh, I'm not Ric Flair and then like this spot happens and I'm like why like it doesn't make any sense to me I understand that he hates him but if I guess again that that promo was fake he actually did <laughs> care about what yeah it's like. He spent months basically saying he didn't want anything to do with him, stop fucking talking about Ric Flair. And then he comes out, ruins his match, and just does this rant promo where he's like, uh, you never had the guts to face me, and I was always better than you, and you knew it. And, 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 and then Ric Flair jumps on him. <laughs> they yeah. start fighting, and it's chaos, and that's how the show ends. Well, and it's almost like a tie-in like comparison because Flair's involved in it. This has a lot of Black Scorpion vibes to it. Months and months of, of planning on something else. And then, and it's like, there's a, clearly a narrative and we, oh, let's just take a complete turn and go the other way mm. for, for sake of it. It's like, it doesn't seem like they really did want to tie in anything at all. And then all of a sudden they were like, you know what? Actually, Barry Wyndham does care about this. Um, I, I talked about it earlier. I have a big pet peeve with DQs that are very meaningless. Um, especially. Whenever like angles like this again, it kind of comes out of nowhere, you know, type of thing. I mean, again, they can tie it in with a story versus just one that just doesn't make any sense at all. But um, again, a DQ can be done the right way. I, I thought this was very weird, especially for the type of match it was. Like being a two out of three falls match, the length of it went. Like I, I thought that it was just not a good finish, especially because the first fall was already kind of flat anyway. That that really like to me turned me off of the match a bit but aside from that it was a fantastic match so it's like it's really hard to argue it's like oh it's still a really good match but this match could have been i don't know i could have held it in a much more revered status if it didn't have those those uh fall finishes so finishes were just kind of flat so Mm -hmm. how much chaz points did you give this match I ended up giving it seven and, and three quarters. I mean, again, it's still pretty high, but like I, I easily, this could have been much higher uh, had had a finish and, and something been uh, developed as a little better. Okay, I gave it a seven point three. Uh, it was good. I mean, wrestlers were great. The the ending kind of ruined it for me uh, because I think they should have had uh, 
the Hollywood blondes win, but like obviously by cheating because that's what they are, are heels. I don't. Yeah, should have got a fall. Yeah, I don't think Barry Windham should have came down to the ring. I think Barry Windham could have, after the pin, came down to the ring and beat the shit out of Ric Flair and then done that promo. And then Ric Flair always, always when Ric Flair like gets up and he's like in a heat, heated uh, exchange, he always just like lunges into the camera view. And I always love it. <laughs> <laughs> he did that with Mr. Perfect, remember, before he left Raw? Um, God, great. He just went fucking nuts. <laughs> But uh, overall, uh, it was kind of like how we call premium events on Peacock. It was kind of like that. It had like a mixture of TV and pay-per-view. Um, the final three matches had a pay-per-view feel. The beginning, uh, I was just like, uh, you could you could put this on Saturday night, and I would be okay with it. So. Mm-hmm. I, the whole show, I gave it a seven out of ten. That's I seven chazes for the show overall. So we matched there. All right, Zach with you. Oh, skip me. I didn't get to rate the match. Oh, sorry. Oh, whoops. Uh, <laughs> you don't get to rate the match. <laughs> sorry. Uh, good, good match. Uh, except for yeah, the endings a little bit. I gave it a seven point three. Uh. Little notes I had, uh, Michael Buffer was a good addition other than him fucking up the, the first fall. <laughs> uh, good crowd. The crowd was really good throughout the, the show. Uh, I like how the Norfolk scope looks. It's very well lit. It's like weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never made that note about a venue before where it's like the lighting is like really nice. <laughs> um, something about WC, some scope arena. <laughs> Yeah. Something, something, something about like TNT and PBS, their production company. Like I always notice with WCW Nitro compared to WWE. Like WWE always looked like smug. Like then you had WCW, which had good lighting and stuff, and I was like, this is kind of like a movie a little bit. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, they have like production philosophies. I think. Hmm. Uh, and I was like, yeah, I guess we're getting Flair versus Wyndham now. Uh, Barry has no feud going, so this must be what's going to happen at Beach Blast. Yep. Or something. Uh, I gave the show a 6.7 out of 10. Okay. A little bit under the, me and Chaz. But we were. I think we all came out with the same main event, uh, what do you call it, around. Same. School. Yeah, did pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, guys. Still good show. Good show. Yeah, it was a good, you know. decent show. King of the Ring was a little better. Yes, King of the Ring definitely did beat Clash of Champions. Uh, But time to go into the future, because now it's the AEW Revolution. Uh, Future sucks. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. Uh, I'm going to touch up on, like, quickly, um, the the buy-in. I missed the buy-in. Chris Statlander is good. Layla Hirsch is a midget. And I just want everybody to know that. Um, She's a Russian midget. By, yeah, and I mean, I mean, he technically, by by true definition, she she is uh, an LP, as as they would say. Yeah, well, she, 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 she's she a dwarf, or is it less? No, she's less. She's like four nine, I think, or four ten. Like she, oh she, she truly is like dwarf. Like, it, yeah. 
Like uh, she's trying to she's trying to play off and keep in mind you could still be tough, you could still fight. Uh but it's kind of silly when you're like looking up to your opponent and be like I'm going to crush you, but then I'm like but you're little. I don't buy Listen, it. I don't buy this at all. <laughs> do you know who Puck is from Alpha Flight? No. Chaz, you know who Puck is from Alpha Flight, don't you? Yeah, I'm familiar. Yeah, like just right, so she's like free. female Puck. She has like this really low center of gravity. She squat. She but she has enough weight behind her where she can like you know wrestle a bitch down because some of these bitches are skinny. Yeah, so, except whenever she fights like someone like Nyla Rose, and you're like, Nyla Rose's Adam's apple is larger than what is <laughs> Like, I, I ain't saying that way. I, I, I'm not. I, I, almost, to... I almost like I was almost going for my monster. I'm glad that I delayed for that. <laughs> I've got a couple more zingers for you. you be ready for it because I had a couple that I'm ready to like deliver. <laughs> I, that one was more impromptu, but. uh that being said, I'm I'm not anti-LGBTQ uh, in any way, but that that all being said, seriously, she is just really small, and it is really hard to sell the true like David versus Goliath. Like put her next to like Jade Cargo, for instance, who is like this like ebony goddess basically in terms of like she looks like she's carved out of obsidian, like she looks ridiculous. And then you've got Layla Hirsch, who yeah looks tough, but she's like the size of her thigh. Like it's it's kind of ridiculous. A little bit, yeah. I want to point this out too. Keep in mind, who cares? Like Layla Hirsch beat uh, Statlander, and I'm just like, okay. But every time I think that Chris Statlander is going somewhere, they like peg her down to like, I'm gonna lose to this uh, Layla Hirsch, uh, you know, and it's gonna be believable. So Layla wins. I don't know if she'll ever be technically in the main roster, the main pillars of the show. Uh, but she does try to put on a, uh, we call it a good promo sometimes, but I just don't believe it. Uh, but one thing I want to bring up, and I'm, I'm not saying that people should not, you know, care about their nationality and everything, but can wrestlers stop bringing out the flags of their countries? <laughs> at least a lot of a lot of wrestlers now is like I'm from France and I'm from this. I'm like, okay, but what about you? What is your character? Who are you? I don't want to know about your country. I want to know how you're going to act in the ring and is it going to be engaging at all? Because if you're just going in there doing Mexico versus Chile and stuff, I just don't care. I I'm not watching World Cup. I'm not watching soccer. I'm watching a wrestling match, and I'm not watching Olympic wrestling because if, if if that's the case, then I'll watch the Olympics. But that's just my point of view. I mean, people could care about nationality. They they did it, you know, in WWF with you know Brett and Shawn Michaels. Um, but at least they had an engaging storyline where Shawn Michaels takes the Canadian flag and flosses it with his ass. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't necessarily mind the, the idea of bringing the flag. I agree with you. If you let the flag literally just stand for your entire gimmick or identity, yeah, that, that doesn't go anywhere. Like, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. you got to have character development behind it, um, but um, I don't necessarily mind it. I think another thing is that it's also a common thing within other realms of, of combat sport, um, yeah. especially in MMA and kickboxing. Like You represent the country that you're, you're fighting 
uh, or you know, represent your country in each fight. So like, I, I, I don't mind it, but I agree with you. Like, it, it you cannot just be like, oh well, I'm I'm from Brazil. That's 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 me. Yeah. So, I I'm literally from Street Fighter. Just I have. <laughs> exactly. Uh. The, the the impressive buy-in match that I liked was Hook versus QT Marshall, because uh, QT Marshall sold the fuck out of everything that Hook was throwing at him, uh, and they tried to stick the factory on uh, QT, uh, not on QT, that would be kind of weird, because that's his own stable, um, <laughs> but he, he'd stick them on Hook and all that stuff. Do you think he's going to – because every time I think of AEW, I think of Darby Allen, right? Because everybody thinks about Darby Allen when it comes to AEW. He's one of the pillars. Do you think there – Yeah. Do you think that Hook is going to be a star in AEW? Yes. I think he's got potential. He's got something. And it helps that Taz is his dad and probably showed him a lot of things. I hope he doesn't get – injured like his dad and has to end early but yeah i i think that he has he has every everything t- he needs to be a well-equipped well-rounded wrestler um he has the it factor he's cool like crowd absolutely loves him that's the number one thing you need to have and i think it's one of those things where as long as they keep the ball going down the court he's gonna be great and I trust the process in AEW, so I I don't think they're going to screw that up. I, overall, at least. I mean, there are definitely some things on the show that are just like, uh, I don't know about that. But this is something I think will be good. And it's in good hands because, again, Taz is there. I don't think they're going to let that get steered the wrong way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I like Hook. He's different. He comes out different. He acts different from everybody. That's that's huge plus. Oh, it is. That swagger is just unreal. Like, yeah. man, he – like anyone walks in the room and is like, man, that is a bad motherfucker. And he's, a, we're talking like about a 20 year old kid with hair, with like the, the flock of seagulls hair. Yeah. It looks like fucking Vegeta's child walking out here. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he's such a little badass. It's great. Oh man. I, I absolutely love it. He's like Adon from uh street fighter or, uh, Edon. No, he is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. he has a kind of like, like the salt off. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's going to be interesting to see how he uh lands in dynamite and see who, see who he feuds with. I I think it would be pretty cool if uh, maybe CM Punk could wrestle Hook and stuff. Hey, he said said Hook. Yeah. And they never said Hook after him. Yeah. yeah, it will happen. And actually my conspiracy theory and it's actually revolving around Hook is that uh with Cody Rhodes is that Take a hot take. All of the stuff going on right now is a work. Nobody cares anymore because he's exhausted it to death. But it's the entire thing's a work. And the next time they are in, uh, when he inevitably comes back or if it's a surprise, he's going to wrestle Hook in, I think it was Greensboro, because they cut that huge promo at the end of the night or after. And he talked about specifically how when we come back to Greensboro, Hook and Cody Rhodes will have an all-time match in this ring. And that was like, it was off air. It was like, you know, after it was a very, very, very subtle thing. And, and that's where we're at now. So I, I, I'm going to just put my, my tinfoil hat on and say, for the sake of selling Hook that well, Cody Rhodes will come back as a surprise uh, when they're back in Greensboro eventually. 
I'm going to eat my words there. I'll be totally wrong. Well, you just got to look at the stage now. If the stage is a little bit back, that means there's a little fucking elevators there. And uh, so. <laughs> that's how we'll know. That's how we'll know. Shit. So uh, why is there a throne here? <laughs> yeah. Why is there a shovel? Um, so the last buy-in match, I, I'm not going to go. The only question I have is why is uh, Eric Rowan with the – death triangle like what is his is is he feuding with the house of black in some way so well they, they tied in and this was on rampage so the whole promo was that they were outnumbered they they brought out uh death triangle came out alex abrahantas comes in looking like <laughs> fucking grandpa monster <laughs> yeah uh, like looks like an absolute goon like please get him off of television like i i hate it i hate it so goddamn much like i don't need count chocula cosplay like get the fuck off of my television it's one of my least favorite things on he looked like a druid zach he was wearing druid shit he did uh yeah alex upperhantes you know he was doing michael jackson cosplay a year ago wearing gloves and shit you know and like and now he's he he's dressing like the fucking crypt keeper that's because went to a graveyard and then came out of the graveyard changed yeah, funny was... enough, we talk about shovels. Yeah, Penta has Cody's shovel. <laughs> he has a golden shovel, which is actually kind of funny. But uh, anyway, it, on Rampage, they had this segment with where they had a standoff, and they challenged them three-on-three, three, and House of Black accepted, thinking that Alex was saying he would be the third person, and they said, no, we have a third person. You brought a monster, so Pac uh, found a monster from his past, and that was how Eric Redbeard officially debuted. Um, the only other time he was on the show was during the tribute show for Brody Lee. So he's actually never had a match in AEW. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like literally a last minute tie in. Um, but then, uh, they had this match. So it, it, again, it was more like, we'll explain why he's there, but he didn't have any specific feuding with them. Oh, um, it was chaos this match. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I was actually, I thought this match was going to be a complete turd. It wasn't that bad. Like I guess it was my expectations were low because I it's one of my least favorite things going on right now and I hate that because I'm I'm a very big fan of Penta, uh, I am not a fan of what they've been doing and the House of Black stuff is just I don't need this shit on my television like go it's to not work. control your narrative I don't need this shit here like I and that's saying something because I actually really like uh, Malachi Black in terms of like when he initially came in I, I didn't mind a little bit of that like eerie like I, I think like it's uh it's okay to do some slightly supernatural eerie mysterious enigmatic stuff you can't go too far like we 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 don't need that here we don't need the fiend in AEW. you need to be a vampire (laughs) (laughs) i I liked it better when he was by himself and he was you know coming out he'd say some cryptic shit and he'd beat somebody's ass Mm -hmm. uh and yeah, some of his super. They need to stop that turning the lights off, on and off shit. That fucking shit needs to stop, please. Mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for that. I'm mean, as, as an ECW fan, like I, I, I'm a sucker for lights off, lights on. However, yeah, they what they're doing, it's kind of dumb. Uh, they're totally killing, it. and it happens in like angles that don't involve somebody supernatural, even. Mm-hmm. Like the lights will come off, turn back on, but this is like, god damn it, it's dumb. But it's like. So what happens if they go back there and talk to the guy? Hey, when I, I'm going to give you the signal, and somebody's going to let you know that I gave somebody gave you the signal, 
and you're going to turn the lights off and you're going to time it for 30 seconds and you're going to turn it back on. Actually, that's just like, that's more offensive than the other one, which is like somebody always has to come out and save somebody with their music playing or some shit. It's like, yeah, versus coming and running out. Like, you don't need, you had time to tell someone, hey, go ahead and play my my song. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's why Jeff Hardy was confused. He's like, I'm a dance. (laughs) (laughs) He was a dance mode. But now it's just, I don't know, it's like, so these smooth brains know I'm coming out, play my music. It's like, no, you don't. You should be able to tell looking at somebody. That, I, oh my God, that's X. I will say, when shit hit, went down during the Attitude Era, when you heard that Stone Cold Glass, it was like, oh shit, shit's going down. And that's the exception. Yeah. Um. Anyway, um. I. It was. It the match was won by a uh, Brody King pile driver. And his pile driver is fucking cool. Um, so, yeah, kind of like a um, the uh, the drill claw. Or what's the what was Scott Steiner's version of it? What was it called? Screwdriver. Mm-hmm. Screwdriver. Yeah, it was it was a screwdriver. It was really cool. I I was a big fan of that. Uh, I I like that finish. I, and I I actually thought that the match itself actually played out a little better than I expected to go. But um, did you all give any ratings to buy? And I know Zach no. you said that you had anything. So, yeah, I mean I have some, but I mean that's it's trivial. So. I get it. I, the buy-in was fine. Uh, there was another segment in between where um, they briefly introduced um, – looked like they were going to introduce uh, Kenny Omega coming back. Don and Callis. his music played, and, yeah, and there was a big, big, uh, like, pop and everything. And then Don Callis came out and cut a promo basically saying, all right, well, the Elite's great. The Elite's going to win the tag titles tonight. And then Adam Cole's going to bring the, the world championship back to – to the elite, and he's going to be a, basically he's a great placeholder. But when Kenny Bygod Omega comes back, he's taking that title back, um, and you piss everybody off. But that's that was pretty much it. Uh, so it got some good heat, um, and then the after that was between I think um, I think that was between the the Statlander and Hook match. I think it was pretty early on in there. Um, but yeah, so I think that was that was the rest of the buy-in. Mm-hmm. Then we start off. With Jericho versus Eddie Kingston. And by God, was this match really fucking stiff to the bone? Because Eddie Kingston literally drops Jericho on his head in the beginning of the match. And I got a little scared on that, that first fucking what, Saito suplex. It's some kind of weird side suplex. I'm like, fuck! Relax! <laughs> oh, yeah. The, they, they call it the half and half. Yeah. he That was a. Uh, that was a. A spot, if you go back and watch it, I, and I like doing this sometimes, I'm a big dork for this, but I'll go back and watch these spots where they look like, holy shit, how do they not break their neck? I do this a lot when I would watch uh, matches with Pac, because he could sell certain suplexes like that. And there's something about how a guy will land in a way where it looks like they hit their head, but actually a lot of the shock is actually taken by their arms right at the last minute. And if you watch that, it, it, again, it, it, that one's a little harder to tell. I but it, it does look like a lot of the shock, whether it was intentional or not, was actually taken by Jericho's forearm, um, which is great. Like, so to me, like it, it, the way they sell it, like they intentionally did it. What I wonder is if Jericho just told Kingston at Gorilla before you know, they both went out, he was like, "Listen, right when we come out, I want you to suplex me on my fucking head. Like, we're gonna make this look real." Because um, he seems to me like he would do that. Um, he really wanted to put Kingston over. Um, but yeah, this was a stiff ass match. It was a great way to open the show. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I have to say this, like, and this wasn't a long match, but I think it was long enough for Eddie. Uh, because there is a point, and I don't know if it's selling or if it's just because he's a little heavy. He gets gassed out, like, at 70% of his matches. Um, and it's usually near the end where he just, sweat is drenching. Uh, it's starting to, like, seep into his crack of his ass and shit. And, and like, you could tell he's super out of it. And this had a surprising ending um, because I was surprised that uh, Eddie went over. Uh, but at the same time, I'm like, and I know Eddie's talked about this on Twitter and in interviews he's been in, that he's trying to lose the weight and buff up a little bit. Uh, kind, kind of like trying to do what Jericho's doing or has done. Uh, to get skinnier, but I think he needs to do some cardio because, and I, you know, I'm a fat man. I, I would say this, and I shouldn't be, you know, critique, critiquing or judging how a, another fat man is doing. Um, he's way skinnier than me, and I get that. But like, in order to put on a top tier match, and Jericho was getting like that in some of his matches that he, he was doing, you could tell he was. Zonked out, and when he does a moon salt or a lion salt, it was very sloppy um, because he's gassed out. But I, I truly think he needs to hit the gym and cardio more to you know last matches longer. What is your guys' opinions? No, um, I'll go ahead. Uh, to... Oh, um, in terms of Eddie's conditioning, like I was gonna say, I don't think because I've. I, we saw him wrestle a little bit before in like NWA when we were watching that. Mm-hmm. Um, he doesn't come off like a more than a fifteen minute match kind of guy anyway. Yeah, I, mean, I honestly think with him, expecting him to go fifteen minutes is kind of pushing it anyway, just for the kind of wrestler he is, the kind of work he does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like maybe if he does kind of turn the corner a little bit and get in better shape and stuff. Maybe he could do that 15-minute match. Right now, I think 10 minutes is perfect for him. Um, that's got more to do with just how he works rather than what his condition is. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Even if he's in better shape, I, I agree. The start of this match shows exactly what his best quality is. He is explosive. Like, mm-hmm. he his his style of wrestling and, and brawling, it's, it's that. Um, so I'd actually uh, – listened to a preview uh, about Revolution, and one of the takes was a spot I agree with, too, that I thought may happen was uh, how, how it ended, actually. Um, but it took a curveball. I, I did not expect the, the submission. Like That was actually – that threw me off completely, which I really liked um, even more. But uh, the, the idea that he would uh, – the Jericho would go for the Judas effect and that Kingston would duck under hit the back fist and when he first picked him up, I thought he was going to hit him with another back fist and then just pin him. Nope. He said, no, I, I'm actually going to embarrass you. And he put him in the stretch plum of all things, um, which, again, it's one of those things that it is as devastating as it is subtle. Like, it doesn't look as devastating as some of the submissions, but then it's also horrible. Like, it's it's rough on the neck. Um, so I, I thought it was a great way to finish it. Uh, it definitely caught me off guard. Zach, you have anything you have to say about this match? Um, yeah, like I get what they're trying to do. 
they're trying to do like one of those Japanese high spot matches. And I don't mean high spots like you fucking jump off ladders and shit and people go through tables. It's like people hit big moves. Big moves are high spots. Mm. Like these big high angle suplexes on each other and shit, doing that kind of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's like, I get what they're doing, especially because Jericho was kind of in that scene in the 90s a little bit. And Eddie's a big fan of it, but it just didn't quite have the same impact for me as like what they were trying to go for. Uh, and it didn't help that Jericho's strikes looked fucking terrible in this match. His punches just straight up looked like shit. When he get, when they did get close on him, you could tell he was just really pulling his punches. They didn't look good. Um, uh, Eddie, the, the finish did surprise me. Him doing the back fist and then the stretch plum. Is that what that move's called? Yeah. yeah, stretch palm. Yeah, I've never. Yeah, I've, I've never. Uh, I guess I've seen that move, but I've never heard it called that before. I just didn't know what it was called. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay. Is that, oh, he beat him with that? Is like, is that a new finisher he's starting to do, or is he just finished the match with that? Um, I don't know if that's his finisher. I know he's done it. Um, in Indies, I've seen some of his matches where he he would go to that for a finish, uh, okay. and, and that's what I I like about him is that he's not afraid to have a submission as a finisher instead of just having a finisher move. Uh, it makes sense. He's a big guy. He could probably choke you out. So Sure. It's hard to get that, that dude off of you if he's got a submission in. Um, yeah, I thought it was just okay just because, like, so, like I said, some of the stuff executed wasn't, like, I get what they were trying to go for. It just didn't come across that way for me. Uh, I gave it a 5.6 out of 10. I gave it a 6.2 out of 10. Okay. Yep. Uh, I, I gave it a, a solid seven and a quarter chazzes. That's good. Yeah, I was, I was, I was pretty big on it. I, again, I, I have maybe part of that's bias from, from big, big on Kingston. Um, I, and I think part of it is I don't think the man believes, like, I think he believes everything out there is, is a straight shoot. And uh, again, he is, he, he gets gassed. He does. I just part of it, but I, I think that's his only thing really holding him back. Um, you made a point, uh, Zach, it, it actually makes a lot more sense. Like Jericho strikes, like his strike work seems to, to be a little on the decline. And I noticed that in that, in the same extent, the way he was trying to sell some of the strikes, like how he would hit, uh, on the dynamite segment with the bat. It was kind of like it looked like he was just like tapping them, and yeah. it, it looked pretty weak. So I, again, I, I think yeah, if I'd have taken that into account, I, I might have ranked it a little bit lower. But I'm still very hyped. Plus, I'm I'm big on Eddie just going over. I want that man to hold the title. I, in the I'm year. glad that he won, and I, I like him too. Uh, it's just I, maybe the Jericho part of the equation dra- dragged it down for me a little bit. Not that I hate Jericho, I just feel like his work's gotten sloppy. He might have gotten himself in a better shape, but he needs to tighten up some of his shit still in terms of work, I think. I, I, I got to ask this question because I know, like, some of the – and this goes – it's not just AEW. It's, like, also WWE and NXT and, and also the indies. What is wrong with people punching? Like, are why can't they connect hard on the body? Like, I, I get not, like, going full force on the head because you could literally kill someone by doing that. But what's wrong with like taking a good punch to like the shoulder area or the body? Um, I think I think a lot of it just has to do with like how like 
the territory system broke down and a lot of that mentorship that would have existed back then just disappeared. So it's like basically when you're the ways you're going to learn how to wrestle is somehow you get fortunate enough to get scooped up in the WWE farm system or you just straight learn on the indies or you learn from some wrestling school and some wrestling schools are going to be fucking shit and be bullshit. Mm-hmm. And some guys in the indies are going to teach you things that are wrong, like objectively wrong. I know I'm not a fucking wrestler, but I don't care. I've seen enough of this shit for almost my entire life. Yeah. Uh, and some, I think that's just kind of a lost art thing a little bit. Like, people started throwing forearms instead of punches. And a lot of people just don't know how to really throw a punch anymore. Jericho used to know how to throw a punch, but it seems like he's fucking forgotten. He's scared to hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. That's the way it comes off to me. Eddie knows how to throw a punch. Yeah. And and you, and you would think like all the stiffness that they're doing, you just like, let's fucking, let's put all, if we want to make it really like believable in a shoot, well, just fuck, fuck it. Start doing a Mick Foley invader punching punch punch off. That match Eddie had with Punk, uh, I liked better. Like, I still didn't say, "Oh, that was a really good match" or anything. It's just if Eddie's matches are supposed to come off more like a fight, I think that's the angle they need to try to do. Mm-hmm. And it seems like they're sticking with that kind of. And uh, that was just a better fight. <laughs> no, I agree, and, and I think I, I agree with you definitely about the. The idea of an Eddie match, especially if you're gonna, if you were going to accentuate his strengths, he's a brawler, so he he is definitely more. And this was a strong style match, like that's what this was. Like you said, it fits that high spot, like very not even in like the new NJPW, but like maybe older or even like AJPW. Which again, that that makes sense because that is a lot of what Eddie's uh, work is attributed to. Like that's that's what he really enjoys. Um. But yeah, I agree with you. The whole strike thing, and that is, I mean, that is throughout uh, a lot of modern wrestling. AEW, especially the younger guys, have that that problem. They they don't throw strikes well, um, and a lot of them avoid it for certain reasons. I, I don't necessarily mind it because of again, strong style. A lot of that is elbow, forearm, knee. Uh, that's that's not a problem. But that doesn't mean you don't need to know how to throw a work punch. So some guys, the problem is is some of them can't even do that convincingly either. Mm-hmm. It looks yeah. sloppy. Yeah. yeah. All right. That's, that's my. All right. Well, next match is uh, a doozy. Uh, we have Jurassic Express versus the Young Bucks versus Red Dragon. And I'm going to be real with y'all. I zoned out. Um, because, <laughs> because in the beginning, I'm like, all right, this is a wrestling match. And then... You could tell when the Young Bucks are stepping in and, like, kind of being the ringleaders in a way. And takes over. Yeah, and then Chaos just is out of control. They're doing all their spots, and I just go, all right, well, I'm going to go gla- grab a piece of slice of uh, pizza. I'll be right back. And I would come back, and I'd be like, oh, they're still running around and doing flippy stuff. Let me go get another slice. I'll be right back. And then they're still doing that. Um, I turned off. What, what do you guys have to say about this match? Uh, Zach, you go. Yeah, go ahead, Zach. Okay, so I was like, this is a three teams match, two guys in the ring deal. Ugh. 
I said Ugh, because I usually hate that kind of a match. Because they always do that bullshit where it's like one team just stands there with their thumbs up their asses until... Like, oh, what do you do? Get fucking tagged or like the, somebody tag somebody to piss them off or something. I, that dynamic fucking sucks. I've never really seen one of those that I thought was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I don't know. I've got little snipey spots. I mean, I don't like the Bucks very much. It's just I don't like their style and shit. Um, they sell inconsistently. Kyle and Bobby are good, of course. I love Bobby's constant shit talking. Like, he's talking as loud as he could. You can hear him. You can hear him over the announcing sometimes. It's actually great. Good. He, he was just, like, fucking barking at them or so. I don't remember what the fuck he was saying, but he was also arguing with the referee. It was funny. Here's here's um, what, here's what I noticed, and I'm sorry to cut you off because you just brought up a point. But, like, every time the Jurassic Express was going off with the Young Bucks, it would be out of control and, and like, literally a ballet. But, like, when... Jurassic Express and Red Dragon, it looked like a fight. Like, even though they were still going back and forth off the ropes, like they did the high and low thing uh, and made it sure to, to be grounded, especially keeping that fucking dinosaur down uh, for most of the time. Because every time I see him flying, I'm like, oh, he's going to break an arm. But I know he made a mistake uh, on Ray Phoenix, but I always... Brutal man. Yeah. That. that was rough. Yeah. Oh my goodness! Remember we were all in the hotel watching that, and it was like, "Holy shit, what just happened?" And everyone's yeah. like, "Oh no, it's fine." And they showed it again. I was like, "Oh my god, that was terrible." Yeah, we talked oh, about that, that after that. That was rough. Yeah, that was a rough thing. Yeah, I still can't um, believe it wasn't a full-on fracture because it was just the dislocation, right? Yeah, he got lucky. Yeah, yeah. Who man, it was rough. Um, hey man. They have this, the Bucks have this thing, and and they're not the only ones jealous of it, but they're like a proponent of it. Like, goddamn Canadian Destroyer, and you can't pin somebody. They don't even pin, attempt to pin them. It's just a transition move. It's not even a high spot. It's just, well, bam, flip a power driver. It's like, okay, let's keep going. (laughs) But that, that, whatever, that's their mentality. It's just, I I hate it, though, because a power driver is one of my favorite moves. And, finisher. Yeah, man, it's just it's, it's nothing to them. Um, I hate Matt's smarmy, fake ass acting. I can't stand it. His brother's better than him at that kind of stuff. Nick, I'll give I actually give Nick some props. Well, his receding oh, hairline it. is like fucking out of control, and I feel bad it for doesn't him. Doesn't look as bad though with the way they've been doing their shit up lately. It's mm-hmm. like he's been able to kind of distract from that. I think wearing a bandana helps too. Yeah, and I I do I like his acting a little better as well. Uh, I I think he edges out his brother. He's the better wrestler of the two. Plus his his movements and mannerisms. He does a lot of little like subtle like macho man callbacks, which I appreciate. I agree uh, with that. I think Nick is better than Matt. Matt's just every time he wants to do one of those things where he's like, they'll do something. And he'll be like, oh look at him, who like they're fucking middle schoolers or something. It's, it's like what the f- come on guys. Uh, things break down, and then Kyle and Matt trade shitty forearms that they don't sell. Neither of them sell them. I fucking hate that, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick and Bobby shove them out of the ring, and they, they also... But they they trade forearms, and they sell them, which I thought was really funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it devolves into cluster fuck spot fest, but there is a cool finish. And then Jungle Boy, that's when Jungle Boy hits a hurricane on Matt. 
and in the corner, and when he comes down in the corner, Nick's down there, and he uses that momentum to German suplex, and I was like, well, that's cool. And then Luchasaurus helps him, and they hit his suplex powerbomb finisher, and they win. I love that that finisher so cool. Mm-hmm. This is Jurassic Express, the like where they flip him over. I, I really like it. That's, that's such a cool finisher. Um, cool so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw something out here, and again, okay. this, is, this is me trying to get you guys to slowly sip the Kool Aid that is uh, some of the the, the lesser uh, uh, praised AEW uh, content or wrestling, specifically with the Young Bucks. I, I think one of the problems, and, and I agree. I, it does not justify it entirely. They they will have so many of these spots where they don't sell uh, certain hits or strikes or, like, they go from one thing to the next, the Destroyer, which I will say there's a different reason for that as a sidebar. The Destroyer thing is kind of funny because there's a tie-in with uh, being the Elite where the dinosaur's neck's not built anatomically to take a Canadian destroyer. You can never hit a destroyer on him. So it's some weird, like, hidden reference in there. It's really stupid. It is something kind of dumb and funny, but, like, nobody watching the show, unless they watch that, knows that. So that that all being said, one of the things that someone complained about even before this show uh, with another match of theirs was they hit a Doomsday device, and that Doomsday device got, like, I think – right at a two count, like just barely a two count, and that was it. And people were, like, just pissed online about it. Like, there were a bunch of wrestling legends and stuff going on. Like, a, who kicks out of that at two? I think even Ric Flair, like, you know, went on some rant about it, too. Like, who does that? And one of the things that sold me on this is something that Jake Roberts actually said about these types of moves. Well, he talked about how, like, what do you think of people kicking out of the, the move that you created? What do you think about people – you know, giving him, you know, credit for the DDT. Like, what do you think? It was like, well, nobody, nobody sells a DDT like I do. Like, I do the DDT better than anyone, and no one's kicking out of my DDT. And like, when I looked at it that way, I thought, you know, that makes sense. So then I've kind of looked at it. It's like, well, these guys are doing all these different moves. They can hit a pile driver. They can hit a super kick and all this, but their limbs are made of paper mache. So it's like, well, that's why, because it takes like 20 goddamn hits for the, anything to finish someone off. It doesn't make it right, but it makes it a little more justified. It's like, okay, well, you know what? This person's finisher or this person's kick is not nearly as devastating as like Shawn Michaels is gonna kick your head off. You know, like I that to me at least helps a little bit in some of this. May, and maybe I'm just trying to justify it so I can digest it a little better because man, sometimes it's hard to take in. I really hate it when someone takes like just a huge blow, especially when it's not even just like a finisher or a move, but it's like a Again, we, the Sammy Guevara thing, like, I flip through a table and, and all this, and then I just immediately get right back up and, and kip up and, and do some other type of move, and then after the fact, sell, oh, my ribs hurt. Like, I, that, that shit bothers me. It's, yeah. it's groaning to watch. Um, <clears throat> but I, I do think that there are beats through this where they, they would try to sell some of the narrative there. I think they're, they're still, again, I'm, I'm still high on the, the Bucks. Again, it doesn't mean, uh, they're for everyone because they do have a certain flavor of weird, edgy, like fourth wall type of wrestling. I, I, I don't know. I'm, I've bought into it so far, um, but I, I think that there there are little beats of it that uh, tie into some of the narrative. But um, this was not one of their stronger matches. I, I rated this one fairly low cons- compared to some of the other ones that I've I've watched. Um, 
So that's that's where I'm at. And I I think also the, the whole tag title three way thing is just not a it doesn't lend itself to help anybody. Yeah, that type of match format is just not good. Yeah, stop doing that because uh, the whole tag in people thing and who is eligible and who's not. Just make it a fucking tornado tag team fucking craziness and shit. They may well have. That's probably what they would have wanted. I'm surprised they didn't do that. Mm-hmm. That were make it an elimination match. Like I, I know that's people don't like that either. But like you know what? Don't make it just a classic three. Like at least give like you. You're robbing one team of it logically. It makes no sense. Like I, that's that's my take on it. But I, I guess for, for ratings, before does anyone else have anything to say about the match before we move on to? No, I'm giving it a five out of ten. That's my rating average. Okay, what would you give it, Zach? I gave it a five point four because uh, Kyle and Bobby did some stuff. They tried to do some good stuff in there. The Bucks had a couple moments. Uh, even though I don't like a lot of their moments. Okay. <laughs> Jungle Boy. I like Jungle Boy, but he kind of gets off into the weeds a lot, too. And Luchasaurus is, is okay in, like, these little spurts to me. Um, mm-hmm. But to your Jake Roberts point, I, I've heard him say that, too. And I, I that has – I've kind of looked at things that way a couple times. It's just sometimes it can be too much. And it's just like, come on. Come on. Well, we'll get to it because something did happen that we didn't bring up in this match that actually happened several times. There were like, this is the first of many Tombstone pile drivers that were given in the night, and all of them were fairly either transitional or just like not nearly as devastating as they should have been as far as a near fall. But it does add to that same thing. Like, who else gives a Tombstone pile driver like The Undertaker? Uh, not many other people. Um, I mean, the, the Tombstone was a, a high spot move in Japan 30 years ago or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, several yeah. different ways did it, but it was a big moment in a match. It was like, oh shit! And then they pinned the guy and he would almost get beat. Like it was one of those kind of pinfalls. I, I, right. I like, uh, the Jerry Lawler, uh, fall back on the fucking someone's head pile driver. Just sit back. That's the classic pile driver. Yeah. Oh yeah, just to put the weight down on it. Yeah, no, that's, that's devastating. But that, that also breaks somebody's neck. But, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's, it's good. Uh, but yeah, I, I gave it six and a quarter chances. Oh, nice. Again, it's probably one of my lower matches rated for the the Bucks, but uh, not too I far think. off there. Mm-hmm. Well, let's yeah. keep, let's keep this chaos train going because we're going in a ladder match. God uh, damn it! Yeah, <laughs> Keith Lee versus Arge Cassidy versus Ricky Starks versus Powerhouse Hobbs versus Wardlow versus Christian Cage. Ooh. The number one thing I said to Zach, I says, why is Christian Cage in a fucking ladder match? I understand that's what his gimmick was back then, but he's almost 50 years old. Why? <laughs> they needed somebody that knew how to do one of these matches, like try to make it some ha- make some kind of sense, I think. Mm-hmm. 100%. He, he was definitely the ring general here uh, amongst all this chaos. I don't even know if we want to break down. Maybe we'll hit certain spots. Like, shit happened, and then the match ended. Like, there's so much that happened in this. Um, There were some good spots. Uh, I did want to ask, whenever we got uh, to a certain point, and I'm probably jumping out of order and whatnot, um, well, I'll start with the first one. I I don't know how you guys feel about Orange Cassidy. I I thought the the spot where the three big men are in there, and then he he goes for the the stupid kicks, and then 
uh, and they're ready to like just pummel him. And then he finds like some way to like weasel out and get on the shoulders and try to like take everything. And they just like throw him right off. I, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, yeah, my my thing with Orange Cassidy, and I'm fine if Tony Khan keeps it this way. I don't want him to own a title, even though like the the fan base loves him and stuff. Uh, the way he wrestles, uh, I like when he actually does wrestle, uh, but when he does the pocket thing, it's annoying. Um, but yeah, I, I actually kind of laughed when he almost like grabbed the brat, the sonic ring, uh, uh, by just leaning on, on the, uh, the ladder being like elevated up there as well. I thought that was yeah, funny. That was a pretty creative spot. Um, I, I'll give him that. Yeah, that uh, was pretty good. And then he got yeeted later, and he's actually injured. He's gonna be out for a little while. He uh, he injured that shoulder. Uh, he came down pretty hard. Uh, Keith Lee yeeted his ass about a country mile um, later on in the match, and the big guys were supposed to catch him. They did not catch him, and he landed <laughs> square on his uh, uh, left shoulder. Yeah, I was like, oh shit, they were they they were not ready for that. <laughs> they were in the wrong spot. Uh, he turned his ass into a ginger lawn dart. He just threw him straight to the ramp. Uh, it was rough. Uh, what What are your thoughts on Dan House showing up just briefly, being uh, very nice, very evil? It, 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 yep. I, I, complicated. It, it's complicated because he's actually hilarious. Absolutely uh, funny. Yeah. But the thing is, is it's very indie. It's indie shit. That like you'll just you'll if you if you had a Dan Housen walk in between Arn Anderson and probably who's another guy Harley Race having a match Harley Race would beat the shit out of fucking Dan Housen and probably like kill him for real and probably piss on him. Different like, times, brother. Yeah, but it's, I know it's different times, but it's like it's so weird and very hokey and stuff. It, it throws me out of my immersion in a way, and I, and I know people are like it's fake. I'm like, yeah, whatever, fuck you. Um, but like him going through there, I was like, nah, um, not during this match, a ladder match, nah, maybe during another match. <laughs> like, did he have anything to do with anybody there, or was it just like a random appearance? He was. No, ha- say- well, go ahead. No, no, you go, you, you go. I'm sorry. No, no, it's a, we're saying the same thing. I think he he was there with Orange Cassidy. Oh, uh, they're, they're aligned. Yeah, so they have a tie-in. There's like some history in the Indies with uh with Orange Cassidy and Danhausen and and best friends, and it's been fairly consistent now. Pretty much any of the best friends matches, he's been showing up there and like doing his novelty curse thing because he he is still injured. That's that's the one big thing there. Like I'm glad they're tying him in in a way. And letting him get some exposure without, you know, actually getting hurt because he, his leg injury was pretty r- gruesome. But uh, I think didn't he? Yeah, there was like a, a fuck up on a, one of the shows he was at, and he 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 fractured his his uh his leg. It was it was a pretty nasty break. Shit. So um so he probably isn't gonna even wrestle for a few more months. But uh yeah. but yeah they they I I agree with you. I don't mind it in certain cases. This was far too serious of a match I think for the, him to be involved in. And I don't know if I like him being involved in every single little bit that they have. Like him showing up here and there is fine, but yeah, I don't need if if down the road one of them is in a t- title match for for Danhausen to show up and, and curse stuff. But at the same time, it's like I also get that it's not 
supposed to be for everyone. And you know what? If everyone else is into it, so be it, I guess. Like, it's just for me, it's it does take away from that immersion. Like, it's like, oh, wait, this is kind of silly. But it is funny. So I'm, I'm, I think we, we're pretty much the same sentiment there. Yeah. I think if they're trying to get Dan Housen over more, like, which is, I think, the intention, mm-hmm. they'd be better off just having him do promos. Because his promos are weird and funny. And you know, this is weird Dan Housen guy. It'll get people curious. It's like his, his, uh, what are they called? Cameos. His cameos mm-hmm. are fucking funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what – it's actually one thing I thought was funny. I think only one time so far they've let him even, like, talk even remotely close to a microphone, and he's, like t- – the way he's talking is, like, how he normally cuts promos, like, when he's in, in Indies or in ROH, and they're pretty funny. Like, I'm surprised they haven't given him a microphone to really talk yet. Uh, they, they've been – they've done, like, things where they've done YouTube clips, but they've not let him talk on television yet. But uh, I hope he I gets know, to but... say the S boys on TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, no, the stuff he says is great and like the the, the I don't know, like I he, he is like as far as a character, like it's hilarious. It really is, but I uh, I don't know. I, I don't like the, the idea of him breaking up serious matches for the oh. sake of the comedy. So that I could do without that. Um I mean I'll just say it, I, I enjoyed like I'm a sucker for a ladder match as long as they, they don't like draw things out and make it super weird. Again, this is chaos unleashed from a bottle right uh-huh. uh and there were some good spots the ward low is a monster holy shit he he just like straight jumped up the ladder toward the end there in this that one spot and um poor ricky starks that man uh which again is another one of these uh sub pillars like he's he's got such a bright bright future um but uh, my god i thought he broke his neck and he's already got neck injuries that that Powerbomb onto the ladder was rough. Um, yeah, we were talking about that. I saw like on the replay because we were like, "Oh shit!" But he kind of put both his hands behind the back of his neck and head to like cushion that blow. So I think he's okay. Yeah, I mean, they've, yeah, it looks like he's totally fine. Like he's not been injured at all from it. But I mean, man, that's that's a rough that's a rough take. Um, I would agree to do that spot after coming off of neck surgery. I'll be like, no, can you just power bomb me like on the ground like three times and I'll just not get up? <laughs> like, yeah. I would rather do that. <laughs> well, there was someone had speculated there, there's this part in this match where they're like something took a dip and it got confusing. And it was actually around the time Danhausen did his thing, like because Orange Cassidy got injured. And I don't know if you noticed that, but Orange Cassidy kind of just like drifts off in the match and it's just not included anymore. And someone had speculated whether. Maybe Orange Cassidy was supposed to take that spot in the neck because, um, I mean, the other two guys that could potentially take it both have, like, history of neck injuries. Like, you're not going to do that to Christian Cage. Like, not, not oh, after what he had happened. And then again, Ricky starts with it. Yeah, well, you're not going to do it to Keith Lee because that, that man is a slab of meat. Like, you're not just going to pick him up. Like, uh, kind of same thing with Hobbs. I mean, Hobbs is a big boy, too. So, um just process of elimination. Starks is like, now nah, I'll take the grenade, I guess. Um, but I, I mean, I was, I was happy with it, especially with like the, the seeds it led to later. And then of course the dynamite thing. So mm-hmm. um, I, I, thought, I thought it was for what it is. It's a fun thing. I mean, again, you got to take what you can get with the ladder match. Not every ladder match is going to be the classic um, Shawn Michaels versus um, Razor, Razor Ramon. Ramon. 
you know, like the not not everyone or the WrestleMania uh, 17 tag ladder match. Like not every ladder match is going to be like that. Um, but certainly, uh, it, for what it is, it, it held up pretty well. So the the final thing I'll say about this match, and I know this is going to sound hypocritical again because I'm picking up picking on another fat man, um, but. Keith Lee needs to lose a few pounds. Um, I don't know what he was before WWE, uh, then coming to AEW. I don't know if he's tacked on a couple more pounds because when he did that section with Ricky Stark and I believe, I don't know who the other person was, but they were like running the ropes and he had to like drop down to the ground. Like yet one of the guys had a stutter step because obviously big guy trying to drop down before you know, jumping over and then like throwing everybody around. I I don't know. Uh, I I really don't know what they're gonna do with Keith Lee <laughs> after this, because mm-hmm. you would think Keith Lee would be the guy for that you know that brass ring. Uh, but then you know seeing Wardlow, I'm happy with the decision they made. Uh, I would have been fine with Powerhouse Hobbs as well getting that because. They could have done an angle where Ricky Stark and Powerhouse Hobbs were go up the ladder, but then they did the weird handshake respecting and like race to the top. But I'm like, you're mm-hmm. still gonna conflict when you get up there. So it's, a, it's cool, brother. Whatever happens, I'm cool with it. That's all. That's what it was. I guess so. Yeah. No, I, I think that was okay. I agree with you, Keith. Uh, Keith Lee. I'm, I'm not sure what they're gonna do. The thing is, like, this is a great way to have him kind of debut in a big like the first big match that he has because he's not hurt by losing necessarily because it's a ladder match where, um, and there's all these people involved in it. Whereas um, they still have plenty of time to develop that. The one, the key thing there is Keith Lee had um, some significant complications with COVID mm. um, right into his heart and lungs. And what we see from uh, with that, uh, the complications, I mean, are devastating. I mean, you have top tier, like Olympic level athletes that are not able to return to even play their sport or compete for a year after having it, much less maybe even ever getting back to what they were. So I don't know how much of it is that affecting him. He's, he's definitely put on uh, a little bit of weight and hopefully he's able to, to move some of that. I'm, you know, I'm, I, I guess that's the thing is I'm, I'm okay with him taking their time for the sake of his health. Yeah, I would want to make sure that he's gonna be okay. I mean, he's athletic as hell. Uh, such a great guy. I love the way his promos come off, and I actually really love the dynamic between him and Ricky Starks. Ricky Starks calling him up, greetings and salutations, and that is the mm. funniest shit ever. Uh, just calling him out for it. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I'm curious how that's gonna turn out. Um, but yeah, it's it's good stuff. I I I gave it uh, just a solid seven. I I enjoyed it that much. But again, I'm a sucker for ladder matches, so I gave this a six point one out of ten. Like the ladder matches are cool. Um, I was telling Zach when this was happening, I was going like, "Oh shit! Oh my god! Fuck!" Like I was like, "Oh my god!" There's a lot of shit going on here, uh, and I was pretty surprised. Like Christian didn't take a lot of big bumps, not enough to the point where Smart. yeah. If you noticed, and I, I agreed with you guys that he was like the ring general, he was the one setting up all the ladders. By the way, like when he he set up that one that Ricky Stark, uh, did that spot with the power bomb. Christian is the mm-hmm. one who put that there. So, 
It's like he was like propping everything <laughs> for the scenes and stuff. Yeah. It was very intentional, yeah. That was a good way to set it up. I, th- I think that was a very smart thing on their end. So. Zach, would Zach, you? would you give it? I'm sorry, uh, I beat you to it. <laughs> uh, I had a complaint about the booking of this match. I don't like that they put three of their biggest, strongest guys in a fucking ladder match against each other. I thought that made no sense. Because uh, it kind of kills the mystery of who's the biggest, strongest guy a little bit. Because you're having them all face each other, even though it's a ladder match. You want that to, like, build in the background, um, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's okay to have one of these guys in this match, but not all three of them. So, okay, given what happened, sure, put Wardlow in there. And I don't know why they got why they didn't get a couple more guys that are more suited to this kind of a match in there. Like, uh, I mean, I know they did, like, a weird tournament or some shit, and this guy probably got eliminated and I didn't realize it. Like, Dante Martin, why isn't he in this fucking match? <laughs> like, uh, I bet you I, I bet you they were booking on that Jeff Hardy would be released or able to compete. I think that could have been his spot, but then you're just like, they had to do it in Audible, and you're just like, we're going to put Keith Lee in this maybe. spot. Uh, they could have put several people, I think, in here and, and not killed off some of the mystery of, like, who's the best big guy kind of a thing. Uh, this took a little while for it to get warmed up for me, because at first it was just they are kind of hitting each other a lot, and then it, before it got to the point where they could start actually setting spots up, that would be that would be interesting. Uh, I like that they mostly highlighted Wardlow with several strength spots. One of them was unplanned. <laughs> I think it was like when him and Hobbs just like, okay, let's fuck up Keith Lee for like a minute. And they were supposed to clothesline him out. And it's like, I don't know what happened. It's like they didn't put enough oomph behind it, or Keith Lee just didn't jump enough to go over outside. Mm-hmm. And Hobbs just threw himself out of the ring. <laughs> yeah, his ass went right over. It was pretty great. It went all in, but it just, I guess Keith Lee didn't go, go far enough over. And then Wardlow was like, fuck it. And he just goes back there and does it again. And the, it happens right, but that just made him look strong as fuck that he took Keith Lee out by himself. Mm. I was okay with that. Yeah, he, he forced the square peg to the round hole. <laughs> he said, fuck that, you're going over those ropes. <laughs> it was pretty great. Yeah. It was great. Um, yeah, the, yeah, the powerbomb on the ladder bridge thing was scary. There was more things that happened to this match that were scary than, like, cool to me. <laughs> uh, and then he, he grabbed the brass ring, the, the sonic ring. Yeah. I would have made that look different. It just looks like a big, goofy, special stage Sonic ring to me. Yeah, I, I, I think they're buying into that now. I, I think they're intentionally making it that way, just to be like, nope, that's, we want it to be this hokey Sonic ring thing. Like, that, I just accepted it for what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of like, I'm like you, I kind of like ladder matches, but like this one was just kind of eh to me, because it took a while to get really going. And like I said, there's too many guys that just aren't suited for this kind of a match in it. Uh, so I gave it a 5.9 out of 10. Okay. All right. Time for some TBS championship match. Jade Cardgill with... What about Swerve? Oh, yeah, that's right, with the big announcement of Swerve. I like... I like he, he's, he's got charisma. Yeah, he's got some charisma to him a little bit. He mm. does. So that promo he cut on, on Dynamite where he, he's going to have his premiere match tomorrow night um, 
on uh, on Rampage against Tony Nese, who who showed up and got one match on on TV and has been uh, sitting in the the elevation and dark catering since, uh, uh, which is fine. I guess they have some history. Uh, other than that, but Swerve, yeah, I, I again, he's he's got some swagger to him. Like I, I like the way he he presents himself, like the way he talks. Uh, I'm I'm excited to see it. I, I'll be honest, I haven't watched a lot of his stuff. Um, I'd already tuned out. I was well tuned out of any NXT stuff, and I haven't really seen much of his stuff on on any of the indie scene. So uh, I'm excited to see what he's got uh, going on here. When I caught of him in NXT. I, I liked, I thought he had some, some potential there. And they, they were clearly, they planned something for him. It just all fell through. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe now it'll, things will be different. And judging off of his interviews he's been given lately, not just in the ring, but like on the radio shows, I think, yeah, it's going to be different for him this time. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. Tony Schiavone kept on saying that he's, he's commentated some of his matches. And I'm like, when? When did that happen? On, on the indies, I guess. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, I mean, before Tony Schiavone got the call for AEW, he was like doing shit indie shows, like at county fairs in Alabama and some shit. So, I mean, that's that's what I mean. Seriously, like he was he was doing some low end stuff there for a while, but I mean, got to make ends meet, you know. But mm-hmm. but, yeah, but now, now, but now we got Jade Cargill versus Tay Conti. Uh, Tecanti has her war phase going on, and that was, uh, JR had to point that out. You hate Brazil. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the face paint wants to let you know that she, she secretly becomes the heel in the match. Um, made no sense. Well, yeah, no, it didn't at all. I, it was kind of weird, but I, I don't mind because, because, uh, I mean, Jade is, oh my goodness, that, that woman is, is cut. And I don't even mean that in like a, in a, like an attractive or sexual way, just like objectively. Holy crap. She's like, she is more ripped than, than anyone, man or woman, like, uh, in that, that wrestling company. Like, she is shredded. I don't know, um, brother. Pack's pretty good, man. All Pack is pretty good. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, <laughs> she is just like from a different cut. Like, that's, man, holy cow, it's terrifying. Get a fear looking at her like it's uh but uh what did you think of her her cosplay outfit really stuck sick. right there yeah, oh my god that's perfect good job it, it really was i i was excited i and you know for you know for the longest time they've been doing the whole like she's storm like she looks like storm i'm glad they moved away from that because like she didn't look like storm she like storm if storm got the the damn uh amulet from the juggernaut and, and grew 10 feet or some shit uh, it, she looks way better as uh as Jade, just Jade. I, I, thought, I thought the cosplay was really cool. Um, that dude that was playing her music was also fucking sick. They said his name. I didn't. I don't remember it anymore. But like that was was like just guitar shit. I'm like, the guy's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Somebody, yeah. Somebody on Twitter said a fucked up thing. They were just like, "Wow, Keith Lee is after a ladder match did a guitar solo for <laughs> for Jade." <laughs> I was like, that's so fucked up, dude. Like, this guy is, like, shredding and stuff, and I'm like, I was like, oh, man, he's doing great. And these, these, you gotta love the internet sometimes. They come out with these gems. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I saw one that said something about uh, it said WrestleMania this year. I need Rick Boogs versus AEW's Fat Albert, and I was like, that's pretty good too. <laughs> I was like, that's pretty awful, but yeah, guy can rip though. Like, give him credit. He tore he tore the guitar up, and that was a good song to choose to do that with too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What I'll say about this match um, is Jade Cargill. She's still green. No, no, uh, no pun intended because she was green in that match. Uh, with her hair and her outfit, um, but I love her suplexes. Like every every time she delivers a move, it, it it's. I, I know I said it all night. It looks intense and and powerful uh, compared to Take Take Conti. Um, I don't like Tay's wrestling at all, uh, and I know she was in NXT and. Zach, she was in NXT for a while. Yeah, she, she, was, she was bad in NXT. Let's be honest. She she was not very good in NXT. Uh, me and him have had this discussion, uh, like about these two because since we figured out, oh, I guess they're feuding. Uh, where it's like Jade's green, obviously still, and I don't even know if I necessarily agree with their decision to give her that belt at her experience level. Mm-hmm. Uh, she definitely comes off like a star, but she's just not ready for that kind of a spot yet, in my opinion. Uh, and she is getting better every time I see her, but it's still like I still feel like it's too much, too fast. Uh, I, I I don't I let the numbers talk. She is she has the look and she draws like sure people react. She she draws and and she's getting better. She's training with Danielson. Like she is getting better and we're, we're watching her get better. Like she's not plateauing. I think that's a big contrast actually with Conti. Like Conti had some promising some matches uh early in coming into AEW and she actually had a pretty really good match honestly with Sheeta uh when Sheeta was still holding the belt. Um that was a brutal match. My goodness, uh, the uh I don't know what she calls it that spot that she gave her on the turnbuckle where she drops her on the, the pole, like drops her on her back, basically. It's like a backbreaker, but you use the, the pole. It's like the witches something. I don't remember what it's called, but that thing was devastating. Yeah, it, it looks rough, but like they had a really good match. To me, Conti is plateaued. And oh. I, I don't, like, she has hit a ceiling, and I don't know where to go with that anymore. And, um, and she's kind of in that limbo spot. And, and again, that talks to a bigger problem with the women's, uh, um, division anyway um yeah. like you basically have just a small handful of real stars that stick out in that division and then after that there's just the rest and why and was, that and why was tay like doing heel shit throughout the whole match like she had no offense against jade at all the only time of offense she had is when she used her dork order uh ally uh as a shield uh yeah, yeah. and then like, uh, what was the other thing that she did heelish? Uh, the, the... I wrote it down. Uh, yeah, I wrote, this is what happens. So I was like, yeah, the psychology for this match is off. Tay attacks the manager, Smart Mark Sterling, unprovoked. Yeah. Does nothing to, like, get heat during this match, which most managers don't in AEW anyway, which is a problem. That's <laughs> a separate issue. Uh, but still, yeah, it's like, Somebody just attacked the manager unprovoked who had no heat. It was like, well, way to fucking bury the lead there. Uh, and that causes Jade to attack Anna Jay, which is like, oh, that's fair. I mean, she hit your dude, so you hit her dude. And then, 
Later in the match, Anna hits Jade with a steel chair, which I thought was a bit much. Because all she did was just boot her into, like, the fucking timekeeper's table or something, whatever. Uh, and then, yeah, Tay uses Anna as a shield to distract her and gets a cheap shot off. While Jade's, like, pulling out frog splashes from the top rope and stuff we've never seen her do, she's wrestling like a baby face, basically. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, she, like everything's backwards. Yeah, I, I think the only thing to justify how they, they book the psychology of the match is that, uh, one, the crowd's getting behind Jade more now. Like, it's no longer that she's straight up heel. It's now, like, people are, are behind her. But also, I think it's more of, well, she's basically squashing everyone she's fighting. And in terms of just the lore within AEW, Tay Conti has been a title contender. I mean, the last pay-per-view, it's who she wrestled for the AEW Women's Championship. So I think that basically the way they wanted to do it was, well, how do we have Jade still look really strong without being a straightforward squash match, but also still kind of squashing her? It's like, well, if we give her some type of like heelish edge um, to like have some type of advantage and then Jade just like, Shows like, no, no, you're not going to do that. I'm going to power right through it. Then maybe that stands out. I, I just don't think, I think the idea was there. It's like the idea is eight out of 10, but the execution was like four out of 10. So it's like, that's, that's where we're at. That being said, one of the best lines of the year was delivered, uh, throughout this little brief feud, both the promo right before and also during the match, she said it. Uh, Jade looked right at her and was like, nobody wants to see that stupid karate shit. <laughs> It's just fantastic. <laughs> like, that's a good promo. Really? It was. It's really good. Uh, I really like that. So I, I, I thought it was fine. I, I gave it a six. Just solid six, Chaz's. Yeah, I, I, I gave it a six as well. Um, but I, I just want to point this out. Um, I think also what kind of harms her in a way, which is not her fault, but I guess if she's going, like, toting the line uh, or skirting the fence, I guess, is because everybody on the Internet thinks that she was a homewrecker, and she could still technically be a homewrecker of Sammy and the fiancé. So she has that kind of heat already in a way, and maybe she's playing off to that heel stuff. I don't know. Maybe Sammy's going to go heel, and they're going to just be these uh, heel couples. Yeah. It's like it's like Will Osprey taking a yeah it's it's like Will Osprey taking a trying to take a face turn in NJPW and and trying to seem intelligent and then saying something really inherently stupid on Twitter like your real life is now more than ever like your real life affects your kayfabe like kayfabe is 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 blurred with so much more now so you have to be careful of the things that you do and again this is what it is um so you're right it might that might tie into it I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, they certainly took the, the veil away with the, the Dynamite main event because uh, Teconti, as far as I know, had never even shown up to the, the ringside for a Sammy match, and then suddenly she's, like, all over him, like, stink on shit. <laughs> like, seriously. Her, like, the doctor couldn't even look at her because she's like, are you okay? Like, so, yeah, it, maybe that's that's in there a bit. I don't know. Zach, what about you? Um, this match was just kind of, eh, for me. It was average, uh, given the the experience level and the people in there. Like, 
they did the best they could in that spot. And like, like Chaz was saying, yeah, take Conti's plateaued. Cause I made the point when I was talking to you in private, like she was in NXT for several years and didn't really get any better. And that's why they cut her because they cut bait because she just didn't improve. Uh, and she came here and did a little bit better, but hasn't really improved notably since. It's like she's just okay. Like maybe depends on who she's wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like she had a match that match with Britt Baker. That match was a little better. Uh, but, uh, somewhat awkward at times. Uh, I don't think Jade should be working people that are just barely above her level. That's not a good idea either. She should be working people that are more experienced that can help her learn on the job. I think that's a bigger problem with their division though. Who do they have? Yeah. I I think that's where they're at. And it's like some of the people they had are kind of just tied up or are currently away from the company. Like Nyla Rose is tied up with other stuff and she's technically like taking a a brief reprieve. Uh, You have Serena Deeb, who actually I think would be a fantastic person, but then they're also trying to build that and they're still dealing with the stuff with her and Sheeta. Like you have a couple people, but that's, it speaks to a bigger problem in their division. Um, So I, again, I, I think with some of the other acquisitions they've had, like that'll get good. And uh I had a pitch originally where I said they got this backwards. Uh they should have had Ruby Soho win the TBS title. Because people wanted to get behind her, but it's like they just didn't really take notice to that for some reason. And now she's just kind of there. Mm-hmm. She's got more experience. They they could still feud. Jake could still feud with her and be like, bitch. You fucking got lucky, and then they just feud for a few months, and maybe Jay beats her. She could learn working with Ruby Soho the whole time. So trusting the process as I do, because Tony pays me to do so. <laughs> uh, like, there, there's been a plan in motion the entire time for that TBS championship, and it will come to fruition. Um, Jade's first feud was with Red Velvet. They fought several times. Each time they fought, Red Velvet just got a little better, got a little closer to beating her, but just didn't. And meanwhile, Velvet, even though it's that whole issue with being on Dark and other stuff, she's racked up some wins. I, I think eventually when the time comes for her to lose a title, I think Velvet's who beats her. I think they're trying to build this long-term feud between the two of them, which I'm all for. I think that train had already, like, left, and then Ruby Soho was – available and that happened i I think that's why we're seeing the way it is like they already had plans kind of like how i think the plan the entire time was to get wardlow the uh the revolution uh ladder match win but you had all these other things kind of happening and then it just makes the the waters look a little more murky and sometimes that can work in their favor because it it again it adds that whole seed of doubt we don't know who's gonna win but um i don't know so far I've really enjoyed her run. I think she's one of the better things. Like, unfortunately, I think that she's amongst the women's division. I think she is, she is the better title holder of the two at the moment. I think, unfortunately, Baker's run is getting a little stale. Um, not at her own fault. I think there's, there's some stuff there, but we'll, we'll get to that. Depth. They don't know who the fuck to give that to that can benefit from it right now. Well, I, and I think, well, they've now shown their hand. I, I think we know what's going to happen next week, but, uh, We'll see, but uh, and it actually does help uh, soften the blow of the the match with Baker and Rosa that we'll talk about uh, um, 
in in a moment, uh, but I, I that match isn't quite as bad. Uh, five point two out of ten. All right. There, there was no segment after that, right? Straight into dog collar. It's just straight, straight into dog, dog collar. collar. It goes straight into professional wrestling now for like three matches straight. <laughs> this match was intense. Uh, I, I told no, it wasn't. It sucked. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> oh, oh, hot takes. Suck. Uh, I told Zach. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. No, I told my dad. I'm sorry. I told my dad. I was like, I'm surprised that they used CM Punk used the tax because I'm like, it's kind of on the old side. Yeah, I I didn't expect him to take that uh, bump at all. I thought it would be MJF, and maybe Punk will get it like on his shoulder or maybe on his butt. But no, he went in and. I found out that was real blood, by the way, because they've been some of the uh, matches they've been doing. They've been doing the fake blood that they've been uh, the the blood packets where it, like yeah. dries out really quickly. And I couldn't tell with the cameras, like my camera right now, because it's all blurry. Um, I couldn't I couldn't tell because it, it looked purple at sometimes, and then it looked like red. As, but then I started gushing out of his fucking head, and I was like, oh yeah, he's he he bladed. Oh yeah, he juice. Yeah, he he got some color. But what'd you, uh, Chaz? What'd you have to say about this match? Uh, up until I mean, at the moment that this is the match of the year, mm. like, uh, like, and again, it, it's one of those things where the feud that you have, the the promos that you have, the story that you give to deliver a payoff like this. I mean, there's not anything even close right now in wrestling that touches this. Um, that doesn't mean it won't be by the end of the year, but this was fantastic. We're don't don't worry, we're not we're not hitting the perfect ten chances yet. We're not there yet. Uh, but uh, start to finish, this was fantastic. I I thoroughly enjoyed myself. Um, uh, Zach, we can go to you quickly because I, I I do want to talk about briefly about the the intros and stuff because I think it's it's worth noting mm-hmm. um, some of the subtlety there. But uh, yeah, what did you think overall of the the match before we dive in? Uh it was a hell of a match. Uh, it was old school. You know, the dog collar is an old school gimmick. Uh, I think we were talking about it in the chat. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think WWF ever did that match. I can't ever recall one. Uh, and, like, they do the one where you're chained by your wrists occasionally. And I don't even fucking remember what they called that. Yeah, they did the dog food match with uh, Baron Corbin and, and Roman Reigns. <laughs> the kennel from hell match with Al Snow. Oh, my God, where the dogs are, like, just shitting and fucking each other on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> you talk about chaos. Listen, you tell me that you don't like the Young Bucks because there's too much chaos and control. Like, compare it. Let's let's compare. I'm just saying. No, yeah, I'm not defending it. But... <laughs> That's what Big Boss uh, gave. at the height of his powers. <laughs> um, it, was, it was great old school pro wrestling with, with violence and, and blood and death and hate. <laughs> like they used to advertise in Chicago in the 1940s flyers. Um, yeah. It was, I, yeah, I didn't write notes because it's hard for me to write notes when I'm watching this shit live. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, like, I just did, like, little tiny 
bullet points, and I couldn't really do one for this because I was too busy watching it. Yeah, because you you literally can't write notes for this because the every second is a story. Yeah, yeah every, every second matters when you're watching something like this. It's been set up like this for this long and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Exactly. This is exactly what pro wrestling's supposed to be. Like, you can't take your eyes off of this. You have to watch everything because you'll miss something. Like, it, it actually is like you'll have FOMO, like, pause it or something, because if you miss, like, you'll miss whether it's subtle or obvious, and you you don't want to miss it. Um, so, I, I mean, inference, of course, like, people talked and speculated when Punk would come into to AEW when all that was going on. You know, some people even criticized, oh, you just started Rampage and just let him come right out, and it was all that. Why didn't you have someone with the heel get heat from it? This is exactly why, because you waited and you finally took the moment and you let his music come on. Everyone's excited. And then MJF just steamrolls it with his own. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And for that to then, of course, you know, contrast to um, the, the, the slower uh, pace of, of AFI's Miseria Cantari, uh, which, again, I don't know if you guys watched any old – Punk and ROH. I I actually didn't get the even in, in WWE because that's the time I phased out. I watched. I think your microphone died. By the way, can you hear us? Oh yeah, for some reason my my mic cut out there, so mm. I don't know what happened. Um, sorry. So I uh, I'm not sure if uh, you all watched a lot of early ROH and, and watched. Uh, uh, a lot of Punk's matches, you know, there's a lot of callbacks to his match with Raven in ROH, which was a dog collar match, even including his attire and everything. But um, I, I guess for some people, they were confused when they heard the music, and then some people just immediately knew and you know marked out. Um, yeah. I was one of the, I heard it at the moment I heard it. I was like, oh shit, this is great. Um, and of course, he comes out in the old like ROH gear. Um, this ties into the promo that he cut on Rampage, where he told him he's bringing the old CM Punk back and and stuff. So I, uh, I thought that was a great way to start it. And it just, uh, there's a whole different tone when he enters the, the ring and they get, uh, chained together. It's like, shit just got real. Like, it's like you're watching a different show. Like, I mean, again, don't get me wrong with what I've been watching so far has been fine, but it's like, I, I'm watching a whole different thing now. Um, that being said, it was exhausting. Uh, it was in a great way, but it's like, well, how the fuck do you follow this? Um, but I, I know you mentioned it's hard to leave any notes. Um, I mean, there were a couple of, of, of different spots that were great. Um, I think specifically I liked the multiple attempts to, to potentially try to hit Pepsi plunge. Um, mm-hmm. He also went for um, go to sleep a few different times. And I think that this is also the, to the strength of the announcers. They They talked about – how he had a hard time trying to hit it because of the dog collar. Like it actually was a detriment to his finisher to try to hit it. Uh, so I thought that was kind of a cool tie in. Um, of course, toward the end we had um, MJF briefly got the upper hand, tried to go for a heat seeker, but that, that got countered. Um, and then Punk's finally got the upper hand again. And it looks like he's finally going to be able to put MJF away when more blow comes out. Um, Tables turn again there. When he gets distracted, MJF wants to get the, the ring from him. He looks in the pocket, can't find it. MJF turns around and is able to deliver a GTS. 
then Wardlow finds the ring. There's a huge crowd pop. Like it's actually great too. It just shows how well they've done with, you know, not blowing their load too early, allowing this to sit in bubble and, and, mm-hmm. and actually develop because the pop for Wardlow showing that he didn't give the ring intentionally was as loud as any other pop during this match. Eh, like that's great. That's one of the loudest pops of the night. It was. It was one of the loudest pops of the night. That says something, you know. Um, so, uh, of course, he, he hits it. I, I love the that he actually used the ring to hit him too. Like, I, I think that was a that was a good call. Like some people complained about, uh, it's again the Twitter trolls, but complained about, oh, you hit him with like a the steel in the in the chain. That, that would be harder than the ring. It's not about that. Like he was already finished. It was sending a message to him of hitting him with the ring. It's much more than just side. So I, I thought that was kind of dumb, but um, but uh, people are wrapped up in that, and they're missing the point. But uh, yeah, I thought it was I thought it was fantastic. I like um, I like how MJF was shaking for like a good two minutes on the ground. He took the thumbtack spot. <laughs> he was like, ah! oh yeah, yeah. I missed the I missed the thumbtack part. Yeah, that's another one. See, there's so much in this. See, it's so easy to just like blow through it. Oh man. I like when he screamed for Warlow. Like, Warlow. <laughs> I just I love it when he gets desperate and like like just a, such a little shit. It's just so entertaining. It's because fucking Max is like the only heel in this business willing to actually be a heel. He's all, he, he's not scared to look weak. He's not scared to, to look fucking dumb when it when it suits it. Mm-hmm. I agree. How many Chaz points? I gave this this is a big one. I gave it nine Chazes. Wow. I yeah, actually, I was big on this match. I actually gave this a nine point two and. It's mainly because of how it was laid out. Um, being in a dog collar match is, fu- I think, it's a lot of talent uh, compared to obviously in a hardcore match um, because you have to. I know that's a weird comparison, but like a lot of people, when they think they see like objects in there, it's automatically hardcore. But no, it's a dog collar match. Uh, and you had actually had to wrestle. <laughs> so. yeah, it's like brawling and violence and blood and, and then wrestling a little bit. Mm-hmm. And uh, Zach, what about you? I give this a 8.2 out of 10. This oh. is hell of a match. Nice. All right. You know who has to follow up that match? <laughs> D-M-D. I felt so bad for her. Dr. Uh, Baker. It gets Thunder Rosa. They, they, yeah. they structured the match really well. They kept it, like, on the mat to kind of, like, calm the, the crowd down and built They're, it up. Yeah. They were smart to go to straight wrestling match after all that craziness. Mm-hmm. Well, especially with how it, it's it's plotted after, like it's not just that it's her falling. Like they're sandwiched between two pretty violent matches. Yeah, yeah. And I don't have a lot of notes of this because it was just a lot of groundwork, a lot of submissions, uh, the whole rebel and uh, what was the, the the other lady? Jamie Hader. Jamie Hader. Yeah, Jamie Hader. Just doing a lot of, uh, you know, stopping the referee from looking at the tap of giving up or the pin. 
And right off the bat, uh, I was like, oh, Thunder Rose is not going to win. <laughs> because if, if anybody, if I had to choose one person to get the belt uh, off of Britt Baker, is Thunder Rosa. She's a great worker. Uh, she's She has passion in her promo, but I don't think she's... Uh, it's going to sound sucky. Uh, mainstream enough to, you know, gather the attentions of the fans, if that makes any sense. I think... DMD right now is the face of the women's division, uh, and it's pretty much carrying that division. But like Chad says, I she is getting stale. She has nobody, and apparently the, the plan is there's going to be a rubber match where Thunder Rosa does go over, I heard. Yes. So. Yeah, they, so, so Thunder Rosa won the match at Dynamite this uh, past Wednesday, and she will now face Britt Baker for the women's title again in a steel cage match. Oh. And that will happen on Wednesday, and that is one year anniversary from their Lights Out match, with, with which was a fantastic match between her uh, and Britt Baker, and with which Rosa went over and won. So it now actually makes a little more sense why the thread played out the way it did, and I think Rosa's going to go over and win now. I don't think that takes away from the fact that up to a point until we got to this part in, in the story, I, I feel like the match was kind of just pushed together a little bit too quickly. Um, but, yeah, I agree with you. When they were doing the things back and forth, I, I knew that Rosa wasn't going to win. And, I and again, they have played to that trope just a bit too, too much. Because, um, again, Baker's also wrestled her tail off, and she is more than – like deserving of being able to win matches on her own as well. I'm not saying you can't do that. She's a heel, like stick to your heel tactics, but sometimes you overdo it. And then it just makes the person look weak. And I feel like for her, that's where they're at. The other thing I didn't like is there's a big continuity gap here. One of the things they were pushing for uh, during this whole development of story is that Mercedes Martinez was hired by Baker to attack Rosa, but then they ended up coming together and forming their own little team to turn against Baker and, and Hater, and they actually had that match, and 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 uh, she pinned her uh, cleanly. And Mercedes Martinez effectively looked like, oh, I've got your back. Like I'll, I'll make sure this doesn't happen. Mercedes Martinez was nowhere to be seen during this pay per view. So, and that's that's a little odd. I wonder if after she beats uh, Britt Baker in the steel cage, I, we might get the next feud where it's Mercedes Martinez versus Thunder Rosa for the title. Um, that could be a possibility. Uh, I hope she doesn't come to, uh, screw Rosa somehow in the steel cage. Cause that means Rosa is going to lose and <laughs> go in the back of the line. Just like how Britt Baker said, every person that loses against her should go to the back of the line, which is true. Yeah. Line, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one thing to, to note, they didn't really put much emphasis on this at all. Baker does have a new title. Like, the actual physical belt is new. It's, like, version 8 of the women's title. I think What's they finally – it does look a lot better. Well, they're not having to put it on someone that's, like, 90 pounds soaking wet in, like, Riho. So now you can <laughs> actually make a belt that looks like it fits a person. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, Jesus Christ, Nyla Rose, it looked like it was going to be a wristwatch. It looked so fucking small. Um, but now it actually looks like a belt. Uh, so that's good. Like, I think the belt looks – and it looks nice. Like, it's a nice-looking belt. Um, 
I, I don't know. I, I, I know this match was the combination of where it was placed. Like there was definitely some fatigue and, uh, and the fact that again, it was a pretty typical Baker match, which again, when her matches get that predictable, it's not really good. It's not a good thing anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, I gave it a five. I just gave it five chances. It's average for me. All right, Zach, what about you? Uh, let's just see if anything else wants to say. Uh, you say, uh, Britt continues to show improvement. I notice her striking has gotten better. And she's getting more good at projecting, like, you know, heel viciousness kind of shit. Uh, versus the last few times I saw her. Uh, uh. That Thunder Rosa was going to be a baby face fight from underneath and outnumbered. It's just that the the finish was what it was, and I wrote like that kind of sucks. She lost because she's already lost a few big matches, uh, and I was kind of hoping they they're not going to let her slide. And I guess that's not the case. So uh, he's like, we we saw her first in NWA and we liked her a lot. And we're like, how the fuck has nobody else signed her? Mm-hmm. She's like really good. And even when she came to AEW, she was kind of like on that handshake deal kind of thing, where yeah. where she was like, "I'm still doing some other uh, assignments of working at other places," but now, it, like, it feels like she's actually part of AEW, like Wally, which I think she does have a contract now, if I remember correctly. She should. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so. she she does. She yeah she she has been all elite for a while now. She um I think she parted ways with NWA. And uh, and then yeah, she signed with AEW officially, and she has her own promotion uh, as well. But yeah, I think that was the biggest part. She actually had negotiations with AEW or uh, with WWE, who wanted to make her a fucking referee. Uh, that was their offer to her. They she came in and did an audition. They were like, "Well, we'll make you a referee, and then maybe later on you can come up in developmental." What the That's, fuck? That is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, she's awful. better than a lot of the people they have there. <laughs> yeah, uh, could not believe that. Yeah, I, you know, I like this match. Some of that might be because I haven't, I don't watch the TV as much at all, uh, so I don't see as m- many Britt Baker matches and stuff. And I, I still like the way she works and stuff, and I'm not tired of it yet. But I, I am wary of like when they make heels take chicken shit ways out too much. Well, that's where we're at. That that's what's getting tiresome because Baker can work her ass off. She's a fantastic wrestler, and yeah. to your point, like she's getting better. Like she's still improving, but specifically in these title matches, this is their way out, and they do it a lot because they'll they'll put her on a, a fairly frequent number of times where she defends the, the title against some random person, um, and it this is how they end up finding some bullshit way out of it, like every time. Okay. Uh, and it, and not, I guess the other thing for me is I wouldn't even mind it as much if they did it once. Like, let's say, like, there's one distraction that gets her out of it and she finds a way out. They usually do that three, four times mm. in every match. Like, Rebel shouldn't have to come up there and distract the ref that many times. No, yeah. Uh, there's a balance there. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I gave it 7.4 just because I thought they did a good job. I just didn't really like mm. the finish that much. Uh, and I was worried. I was worried about Rosa. So, I gave it a 6.9 out of 10. Oh, nice. Yeah, 69. Nice. Yeah. Chance hates women. <laughs> yeah, I hate women, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Boo, go man. Like, I don't know. I, I Now that I know that we have the match coming up this following Wednesday, I, I probably would have given it a little bit of a rating, but I'm not going to go back on my word. It was I was very not invested. It was so, what it was when you exactly. Exactly. So, I I actually dig the whole like ground game that was happening, and I, I yeah. That, that I thought was, the wrestling was good. Yeah, that that was my part. Where I was like, oh, yeah, it was decent. It was okay enough. All right. I mean, if you gave me that and cut the last few minutes out, I'd have given it a seven. But the whole the end of it's what turned me off. That's, yeah, that's, I think that's understandable. Yeah. Okay. So the next match, I I will say this. It was good. It was good, but it was good. but it's starting to get a pattern now. How Moxley and 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 uh, Debray, they always have to do the same spots over and over again, where it's pretty predictable at some point. Uh, we're chop, 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 lariat, 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 then the kicks, uh, and then pretty much it. It, it it goes into, like, a, a stiff match. And you wanted that to happen because both are fucking crazy. <laughs> you know, one wants to kick the head off. The other one just wants to brawl. Um, but I still enjoyed it. It was a good... What is that? Oh, bleed? All I do is drink blood now. <laughs> Man, I haven't seen drinking fucking blood. It's bullshit. <laughs> They're not vampires, Zach. <laughs> saying Moxley, he, he tends to go like overboard in his promos, and he doesn't deliver in the ring. Fucker! This time he delivered though. Yeah, he he actually he did like uh, me and Zach were uh, giving him shit because when he had the one with Suzuki, I was like pissed <laughs> off. I, uh, that match was so boring. And it yeah. per, it dis Suzuki in my opinion, um, but he uh, they worked a good match. It was intense, uh, and I popped really hard on you know who who came out uh, after the match. Uh, but what do you guys have to say about this? Because again, this was a match where I had didn't write any notes. I just watched it like the uh, what do you call it. Uh, Dog collar match. Chaz, what about you? What do we got on this match? Yeah, I mean, I think to kind of your point, I'm not something a little hypocritical. I mean, there are there are patterns that can be alarming and they and they wind down, and some patterns can become diminishing returns. But sometimes, I I just I, I want the same thing and so much of it. Like it's like getting pizza. It's like my favorite pizza. I could just eat an infinite amount of time, so I can't get too much of it, so they can just keep feeding it to me. Um, and I think that's how I feel about this. It's like, I, I love that type of hard-hitting style. I'm not going to get tired of it. Um, and I think for me, like, Danielson has certain things he'll still go to. However, he shows so much variety in how he wrestles depending on who he wrestles. Like, his adaptability is is just, like, top tier. It's, again, he's the best wrestler. So, uh Moxley, I, I will agree with you. Moxley's matches, like his spots, are getting a little like they are like pretty much like oh yeah, well, he's always going to do this, this, and this. Um, it's not like heading toward like five moves of doom category or anything like that, but like 
there there is that in his match. It's like it's all you're gonna always get this, this, and this. But that being said, uh, they had a very violent match. I thought it was great. Um, again, it does help that they had that breather between uh, the Punk MJF match. Um, and not gonna lie, the aftermath definitely played into to how I graded it because the match itself was good. But man, what happened after was good. I actually really enjoyed how they ended the match too. I appreciated the fact that it ended in the way that it did because it didn't feel like um, it didn't feel like it was this underwhelming thing. Oh, it just abruptly ended. It's like Danielson was gonna get over on him, and Moxley just found a way to like slip away with the victory and like and almost like kind of outdid the technical wrestler. But then they weren't done fighting; they were still pissed at each other, so they just kept brawling until Dad came out and said, "Boys, settle down and make up," <laughs> which was like the perfect way to do that. Like you know. Um, so that, that's my take on it, but yeah, Zach, what do you, you think? Uh, hell of a fight. Uh, yeah, I like the finish too. I I bet some people were pissed about it though, because they fucking hate when somebody just gets like a a pin. Like they out wrestle somebody get a pin. They hate DQs. They hate you know inconclusive finishes. Uh, the it's weird because I say that and then. It's still the finish felt kind of flat on the pay per view just because like I think because of how it was shot. It's like for mm-hmm. a second you couldn't very clearly tell what happened. And then you're like, oh, he pinned him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they managed to fix it because of that. After that, they keep fighting, and it's like, oh, okay, so it didn't just end, and they just were like, well, I still don't like you, and they just they just walk off, and it's over or anything. Mm-hmm. They they kept fighting, and yeah, and then Regal shows up and tells him stop. He slaps the shit out of both of them, and he makes. He makes both men shake hands. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Yeah, I, I think the, uh, I think the the pin looking awkward. I think that you could probably pick one or the other to blame, whether it was the camera cut or if it was just the ref being in the wrong position. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably the latter of the two because if you notice how they had to cut the camera, it's almost like the the guy had to rush to get over so they could capture everything. So I think that's what made it kind of awkward. Um, which that's its own thing. The refs sometimes are are just really it's it's that's. They're not great sometimes, but that being said, uh, yeah, I, I think it was it was it was a good match overall. The and then it definitely Sir William Regal coming down, or I, I think they even called him on the on Dynamite. They said Lord again. That he's of course going up uh, under the the name William Regal, not Stephen Regal. Um, if he's inhabiting his spring home right now in Canada, <laughs> possibly. Uh, uh, but I loved the got right up in in uh, Moxley's face, rubbed his his head, and was like, "You think I give a shit about your blood?" And then smacked the piss out of him, like just a, such a stiff slap. And then Danielson's like, "It's like whenever older brother gets in trouble and the little brother's laughing, like, ha ha." And then you turn around and you get slapped too. So he slapped the piss out of him as well. Uh, it was great. <laughs> I loved it. I, I thought it was a great way to do that. And of course we saw what happened on dynamite, uh, which was fantastic. So, uh, yeah, I, I was, I was very happy with how this all played out and, and yeah. not, and actually it was a good surprise. I did not expect that. So that was another yeah. extra thing that was great. Uh, I was going to say real quick, uh, that's the best match I've seen Moxley have in a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. Even despite some shitty punches and, and no selling a regal plex that kind of aggravated me. <laughs> Moxley's also, uh, uh, he's guilty of like having kind of shitty punches at times too, which is weird because of his background. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it's you know what I'm talking about. They just don't look very good. And yeah. They're, they're no selling the Regal Plex and getting up and be like, "Fuck yeah, let's go!" I'm like, "What? God damn it! What a goddamn hardcore match! Come on!" Yeah, I don't mind if he does that in the in the specific instance of he'll take a hit like that and then it's like a burst of energy with the lariat, but then he's exhausted and he just collapses. I don't mind that. No, but sure. sometimes, yeah, he'll do the he'll do like the like you said, he'll just stand up and like, "Oh, look at me! I got chest hair." Like, there's, I, <laughs> there's, there's a certain way to do that, that like, no, not quite, I don't want to call that a no sell, the first example you gave, where it's like, oh shit, burst of energy, Larry, and then he collapses. Cause that's like the, the old strong style Japanese way they would, they would do, where that made mm-hmm. sense. It made some kind of sense. Just being like, getting dropped on your head and getting up immediately and throwing up the fucking devil horns is like, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I gave us a 7.7 7 out of 10. I give it a 7.5 out of 10. Um, I want to bring up real quick, Chaz, since you're getting paid by TK. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. Or maybe I'm not. I don't know. Uh, what was William Regal apologizing for for his promo? Do you know anything about that? I actually don't. So of course oh. I, I worked this evening um, in the hospital and was on call. And I just before we got on, I noticed that there was something in there about him apologizing. The only things I could think of, um, he made some. Uh, I thought they were kind of funny remarks to um, Tony in regards to uh, how back in the day they would go out and they would they would hit the bottle pretty hard and. And they basically they'd go out and party and, and he talking about women that they would be with and I, I think like I don't know if it's that or the one thing that I saw like some um, one of the other like news um, uh, groups I'll, I'll listen to for wrestling news uh, they had mentioned how he said something about not being long for this world and I didn't take that in a way that was wrong because he said like I'm older I'm in my fifties. And, you know, I'm 65. The old lady's going to have me out, uh, in the wheelchair. Like, I, I just laughed at that because Sting is fucking 63 or 62 and is out here, like, jumping off, which we'll, we'll get to that in a second. Holy shit. God damn it. Uh, and Jericho is walking around here shredded with his, his six pack and he's the same age as Regal. I, I just think it's funny that Regal's like, I'm an old man falling apart and, and these <laughs> other people are out here, like, wrestling on the pay per view. Um, so I, I thought that was actually kind of funny, but, uh, I, I didn't think there was anything to apologize for. So I, I don't know yet. I just hadn't looked into I it. Just, um, I, I just read I his tweet. It said, this is a professional note for me as I have no other form of SM. I don't know what SM means and would rather my new colleagues see this and don't like gossip. I am very sorry to everyone affected my, my time issues last night. I apologize to everyone personally affected. Should be showing people by example and being a pro and hitting my times. So it yeah. probably was that comment. He went, no, he went over on his time and what the issue was. His oh, that was the last. Yeah, time. so it didn't sound like he was mad about that. It sounds like he went over time and it, it like cut a match short or something ahead of time or something. Which okay, and hey, look at him being professional. I'm assuming SM was social media. Yeah, what he's referring to. I guess so. So yeah, like, it's funny. I saw a lot of people's comments. They're like, you know, honestly, I could have dealt with him talking longer. 
<laughs> I, was like, I kind of agree. I, I mean, I think there was a part where, yeah, he rambled on a little bit, but at the same time, he also cut something that was, like, just honest and heartfelt. Like, he clearly it was not planned, but him, like, getting, like, teared up and, and choked up while he thanks Shivani, um, which, again, I thought was very cool, the fact that we covered uh, the match that we did for him in Clash in 93, and that's around the time, again, he's not been in the company very long, and that's exactly what he's talking about. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he had he had a pretty uh, shady uh, past. He had he has had some dark stuff happen in his life, and, and I think that uh, that's carried over a lot. But he's had a lot of help, uh, and Tony, of course, seems like one of the first people to really help him while he was here. So it, it's just a cool thing. It, it was really neat to see. I could have definitely listened to him talk more. I, so. Um, but again, look at that. He's, of course, he's being the actual penultimate gentleman, like going right out there and saying, Hey, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do this. I, I'll do better next time. Mm. Man's man. Man's man. Yeah. Yeah. So what I g- say more. I give it a 7.5 out of 10. What'd you give it, Chaz? Did we, did you I, give it a score? I hadn't yet. I gave it at eight and a quarter Chaz's. I, I was pretty high on it. I, I think it's still pretty great. Um, now again, that's, that's me again, probably just marking out a little more. Tony giving me a little extra on the side for that extra half point. Um, <laughs> but I think also I, it's one of those things like I'm very big into if I've bought into your story and it's believable to me, I've, I'll eat that shit all day. I love how they played this story out. And yeah, I probably threw a couple, at least a half point in there because of the regal surprise, but hey, that's fine. I'm eating the dip. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to go into the craziness. Uh, this is the part of the night where I really screamed, no, no, what the hell are you doing? No, no, <laughs> really loud. Uh, we're having a six-man tornado tag match. Matt Hardy, uh, Andrade El Idolo. I don't know how to say that. El Idolo. El Idolo. El Idolo. Andre Idolo, which I think is funny. Andrade the Idol. I'm just going to call him El Andrade. Andrade. La Sombra. And Isaiah Cassidy versus the icon, Sting, Darby Allen, the Spanish god, Sammy Guevara. Um, Darby's fucking video was cool. I will admit. Yeah. Scratched so fucking Yeah, I thought it was great. It was and then things are the flamethrower. Flamethrower. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I really wish they would start opening these and instead of just letting it be that very, like, indie film, like, black and white and just play some music, I really want him to start, like, cutting into the end of these and going, I'm Darby Allen. And this is Jackass. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, every time it's something ridiculous that happens, so they might as well play into it. That's kind um, of how his cameos are. Yeah, I I wonder yeah. like how he brings up this to Tony. He's like, "Hey Tony, um, I'm just gonna cra- leap with my car off a ramp into a school bus, and I'm gonna come out, and then Sting is gonna flamethrow." And he's like, "Yeah." In my, in my mind, I'm just like, "I hope you don't die. <laughs> like that's yeah. dangerous." I always think, and I know we'll move on because it's I know we've been talking for quite a while, but. What I find funny is when I see stuff like that, I always think, like, man, what drugs are some people on to, like, really get the adrenaline rush? And I realize, like, that must not be drugs. That's someone that was, like, forced to go to, like, Bible study 
<laughs> and like they had rejected it eventually and were like, you know what? I just really want to like feel pain to get adrenaline. I don't know. I, I think it's, to me, it's kind of crazy what he does. And, I, and of course I'm just like saying for the sake of it, but, uh, I think the, uh, some of the stunts and stuff he comes up with are just so like bizarre, but it, again, it's, it's cool. And again, it, for him, if it's art, that's by all means, it's fine. I, I, I do love the fact that we've basically adapted that or adopted the idea that Sting is his dad. <laughs> like, uh, that he's just like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm little Stinger. And dad's trying to be like his son, trying to get the old spirit back, back, uh, when he was the linebacker or something. Uh, this is the part that I screamed now when Sting is at the mezzanine level, uh, <laughs> about to do a splash on Isaiah Cassidy. Or no, it was Eldrade that was on, or, yeah, Andrade. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, uh, it was Andrade. The only thing I said to Zach was at least Andrade and there was three tables to cushion it. And Sting did an interview after. He didn't look like he was hurting. Uh, he didn't look like, you know, when Seth Rollins, like, buckle-bombed him and, like, ended his quote-unquote career. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, you need don't do this again. Stop it. <laughs> like, you could have died. You could have Owen Hart there, even though Owen Hart fell from a higher... Uh, a, lot, a lot of stuff could have gone wrong there that didn't. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> Honestly, I was, I was more worried about the Sammy Guevara spot because anytime that man does anything on something more than 10 feet now, I'm just like, oh, shit, he's going to die. That's what I was um, talking about. It's like, why is that motherfucker determined to try to kill himself? Like, since yeah, a young age. He is. He's trying to eternalize himself within wrestling by dying right in front of a live audience because he's like, oh, let's do a Spanish fly off the table onto an entrance ramp. He's like, well, well, why don't we just put out some fucking spikes and, and set everything on fire, too? Like, he'll be fine. Like, holy shit, he's crazy. Um, it's weird because Darby has this gimmick of, like, he's a fucking daredevil. He's going to fucking – he's crazy. But, like, you know, a lot of his bumps aren't anywhere near that fucking dangerous as that is. No, they're not. Like, I think he's still smart about how he bumps. And also, Darby is has the best. Like, no one else should be doing suicide dives because no one's no. doing one even close to what Darby does. The he's man still, just becomes a human bullet. It's fantastic. I love that spot where they put the trash can on. What was that? His fucking assistant. <laughs> was that, yeah. Dive and he bounced off of him and landed on his feet like a fucking boss. It was perfect. He was like, yeah, it was. It was. Sick. I, it was good. I, I like how Zach, Zach messaged me. He's like, why are they beating up the manager? I'm like, well, he has the fucking lethal iPad. So. <laughs> yeah. You ever hit anybody with an iPad? Fuck, man. They go to the hospital. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they're made of Legos because, like, when you get hit with one, it, like, knocks you out, like, entirely. Like, <laughs> like you're knocked out for 10 minutes. Um, also, Jose's ripped. Like, the guy's in pretty good shape. So, like, I, I guess he's somewhat formidable in terms of just physique, but. Um, I did exactly what you did, Dubs. The uh, um, the spot when Sting's up there, I just saw it. And I was like, why is he looking over there like that? Clearly, he's not going to jump. And then he climbed. And I did like the Cleveland, like on the bathtub falling. Now, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, and he did it. I'm like, Dad, don't do that. Um, thankfully, it does tie into the fact that he wears all that long sleeve stuff because he's wearing a shit ton of padding underneath, and rightfully so. He needs to protect his body. Because he's going to explode. He keeps doing this stuff. Um, that being said, because of all the spots, I mean, again, this was very, like, wild spot festy and stuff. 
this match was much better than it deserved to be because the buildup was just not very good. Um, and of course we know the fallout and stuff that happened in dynamite and whatnot, but, um, but yeah, I, I thought that, yeah, it was definitely better than it deserved to be. And again, just seeing Sting wrestle anyway is just fantastic. I mean, I remember watching, I watched that intro for him when he debuted like four times. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. Um, so him doing what he's been doing is great. Um, and he's, Still, he's yet to put on a bad match since he's come back, like ever since he's been in AEW. He's, he's um, so. he used right, like he's not like mm -hmm. he's not pushed to the forefront to be like, oh, you gotta work the whole match. You just have the young guy Darby Allen do all the 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 hard work and have Sting come in and go woo, and then splash a couple of times, and then do the uh, inverted DDT into a fucking. Um, Scorpion Deathlock. I almost fucked up on the name on that. Um, sharpshooter. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Essentially, um, I yeah, I was. I'm with you, Chaz. Like, even though there was a lot of chaos, I know you're not gonna have the same opinion like me, but I actually enjoyed this a little bit more than uh, the triple threat uh, tag ma uh, title match. I actually was like. That's interesting. There was a lot of shit going on, and Sting uh, doing that gave me one respect and a heart attack, uh, probably because I was eating all that food uh, and then seeing this stressful moment because I was sweating uh, in this room. I was like, oh, he better not do that. Matt Hardy better take that bump, not him. And I was, like, texting that to Zach. I was like, no, no, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> But I, I I gave this a six point two out of out of ten. Yeah, Zach, what you got? Uh, I wrote this is a tornado tag match, fucking chaos, <laughs> <laughs> and I gave it a four out of ten. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> fair. Like it just I they lost me. Uh, there was just too much shit going on, and then like Sammy did another stupid bump that makes me like kind of hate him a little bit. <laughs> and uh like you know, I was worried about staying, but he I knew he was okay when I saw it, but I was still like, God damn, something just could have went wrong there. You never know. With furniture. Who said it? I think Taz said it that night. Furniture can't work, bro. He's it's right true. about that. He would it's fucking true. know everything about that. You work enough tables that one of those tables is gonna work you into shoot. It's it's true. <laughs> uh, one little thing I want to touch on, it's a nod. It's very brief, but did you catch whenever they, and Sammy did the Spanish fly spot, that right as they jump, Isaiah Cassidy does let out that, like, squeal that he's getting known for. Where he goes, <laughs> I love the Isaiah Cassidy squeal. I, I pop for every time. So the, I thought that was pretty great. I hope I didn't wake anyone up. I'm going to get yelled at now. Um, so I actually rated this higher than I did the title tag title three-way. So we're actually on the same page. I actually have it higher. Not not terribly higher, but, um, again, I actually gave it six and a half chances. So I, 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 I'm pretty, I was pretty happy with it, given the story I was they were given to work with and everything. It, it turned out pretty well. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, I think this is where me and Zach might be on the same page, and you might put this match over. Um, it's main event time. Uh Adam Cole Dayton. Yeah, we, we, we get Michael uh we don't know we don't we don't get Michael Buffer. Jesus Christ, I'm tired. Yeah, Michael Buffer. Also yeah. <laughs> uh, you're talking about uh uh Mark Henry. 
It's time for the main event. <laughs> I love what he does. Yeah, smile. I love Mark Henry. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Adam Cole comes out with fucking Spartan gear. Um, they, th- this can go either way. I thought it was rad because I like Xbox and I like Halo. Uh, but I know people like Jim Cornette be like, what is that? I don't know what that is. It looks silly. Why is Adam Cole wearing that? It looks like a chump or something like that. That was cool. Yeah. What about you, yeah. Zach? What do you think of the Master Chief? Uh, I somehow didn't see him come out with that shit. I, I don't know what I was doing. Oh, uh, I think your shit was fucking up. Uh, your Xbox. Oh yeah, the feet. I, like it. I had to restart. Yeah, my Xbox just shut itself off because I didn't change the power saving settings. Mm. And it was like, oh shit! I had to turn everything back on real quick. I missed the the intro. Yeah, but he came out with like the sh- the, the the torso area and. It, it looked a little hokey, but it was cool because he actually does like Halo, and he streams it on Twitch. Um, so if, if you know that backstory, it was cool to me. Uh, yeah. Adam Page comes out. He had a good match when he won the title, but he's he's not carrying the championship well, in my opinion. Um, I don't know. I'm just bored of him already. His promos are sub. Uh, his match with Murderhawk... Uh, was cool because it was different. Uh, uh, he hasn't done a lot of like hardcore matches in AEW. He's done straight matches uh, that I, I remember. Um, <laughs> Myrtle Hawk loses because he's a loser. Uh, but I digress on that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this match should have ended probably on the second finishers i think what like the the beginning part in the middle was fine um it they were working a good wrestling match adam cole was you know showboating uh adam page was uh you know trying to do the buckshot lariat he did his finisher and we're just like oh shit it's over this is where he's gonna win and just fucking beat the shit out of adam cole now adam cole kicks out then Adam Cole does his finisher, and then Adam Page kicks out. And then there's a buckshot lariat, and then somehow he's he kicks out of that, and it's back and forth. I think there should be a minimum of two kickouts. If you want to, like, kick out of the finisher, um, there should only be a limit of two. When you start doing it back and forth, I, I get lost. I, I, I start to hate the match, because what's the point of your finisher if it's not finishing? Get a new so, okay, move, bro. So, yeah, so there, there is something here, and I'll, I'll try to give my pitch to it because I will say this: this was the weakest title match that he's had so far. Mm. I still think it was a good match. There are things about it that definitely made it worse, where it could have been much better. Um, but that that being said, I I would disagree. I think he's carried. Given what he's been working with, I think he's carried it pretty well. I think the problem is we hit these lulls, and I don't know if it's because of the just their pay per view structure, like where it's three months out and like they have all those weird like things in between. I think Paige would work way better as a working man's champion. Like he should be defending that title, you know, every two weeks, every three weeks. Like there shouldn't be these long stretches where he's not on TV at all, and he's like just left to do a couple promos here and there. Like he needs to be on TV fighting his ass off to defend that title every week if possible. And 
Uh, and again, if you don't want to put him in that spot, well, don't give him the fucking main title. Give him the TNT title. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, to me, that's how I feel. Like I feel like, and if they start to do that, maybe that'll work a little better. But that being said, I think his actual matches, like I think his matches with Danielson were fantastic. Yeah. Um, especially the second one. Again, that the first one, holy crap! I didn't think they'd go that long, and it was great for what it was. We don't need to see that over and over again. We don't need sixty minute draws and all that nonsense. But the second match was I thought was better. Um, and Murderhawk's match was really good, and I do like the the wall. Murderhawk always loses. It's, it's like. Jake the Snake cursing him or something because Jake never got the big match either. But, uh, but that being said, uh, I I think that this match has one of the inherent flaws that so much of AEW suffers in, and it's that young buck type of mentality. Like, I'm not even worried about the finishers, and and I, I actually have an argument to that. Like, there's actually a reason the finisher kickouts I think are okay. What I don't like are the I'm going to kick you in the head because there were some stiff-ass kicks to the, the face. And then I'm just going to immediately get up and do something else. Mm-hmm. I, like To me, I I hate that shit more than I do kicking out of a, a finisher. Um, the finisher spots, so he there was only one time he actually hit the buckshot. It followed up with a time where he kicked out. And the kickout wasn't a true kickout. It was like that literal, like, he's right near the edge, like, finger the- grab thing. Yep. Like, I was I was okay with that. And um, the actual finisher that um, Cole delivered, there's something very specific. This is what, one of the things I like about AEW is they tie in subtle things, and the announcers will help you. It's, Excalibur is a great announcer for this specific thing. When Adam Cole uses his finisher, it's very specific that he pulls his uh, pad down, so he hits you with his bare exposed knee with his the boom. Um and he was moving so quickly, the match was just so back and forth and fast paced that he did not pull down the, the the knee pad. Like he just he kept it up and hit him, and that that's what allowed him to kick out. And they did say that. Now again, that might be a cop out, but there's something there to kind of tie it together. What I didn't like though is, well, he hit him with it. What did he do? He had shock face, and he was mad, and he wasted a bunch of time. And we ties into what we talked about earlier. What should he have done? He should have immediately stomped him in the fucking head, pulled the knee pad down, and then hit him the right way and finished the match. So, like, that that to me is more frustrating. Um, and, again, they kick the piss out of each other between all of this. Um, like, and it doesn't really, to me, like, my disbelief was gone because who takes that many shots to the head back and forth and is still just moving around flipping and, and stuff? You're not. Um, there was a tombstone in this match. I know we didn't come back to it in the other ones, but this is one of four tombstones that happened in the match, um, in the matches through the night. And the tombstone didn't didn't finish it. Um, I, so I don't know. I, I I thought it was a good match. It's one of those things where the stage for what it's supposed to be, for what you're expecting it to be, it didn't hold up. The idea is like a nine out of ten. The execution was more like a five or a six. Um, because of that, it becomes like, it's like, okay, it was a good match. Like, it's still better than any title match I've watched on WWE, but that's, that excuse is also starting to wear stale. Like, we're no longer comparing AEW to WWE. I compare AEW to AEW. Like, I don't, I don't worry about comparing it to what that match would be because they're, they're not compares, comparable anymore. Not that I'm saying all WWE is necessarily bad. They're just different. But, uh, there's a standard, I think, with certain matches. And, again, you start to get into that spot where, oh, you're using certain tropes too much. 
That that starts to get into that like shit indie stuff. I they gotta be careful with that. So I I ended up giving it a seven. And I know I just went on a really long tangent <laughs> and then, like we've been on forever. So I'll I'll shut up and and say my piece. But I, I gave it seven chances. Um and I was frankly a little disappointed. Uh one one actual last note. It was interesting toward the end of the match, the crowd actually turned on page. I don't think that's been touched on at all, but the crowd actually turned on Paige and started to boo him when he hit uh, Cole with the boom and then did his finisher. The crowd was actually booing. Mm. I thought that was interesting. I, I think it's the, it's the crowd smart marks, I guess, in a way, because... I have a theory. I want to hear it. Uh, go on your theory. It has to do with the whole psychology of this match, really, in my opinion. Uh... So, I was liking this match up way, up until what I call the halfway point of the match, which is where it lost me. Uh, like, it was hard-hitting, and they were doing some great counter spots and stuff like that. Like, that thing where, I think Hangman was going to do a Samoan drop or some bullshit, and then Adam Cole turned it into, like, a weird, like, reverse code breaker suddenly. That was, that, I've never seen that before. Um, but... It's like, they did this bullshit sequence. This is where it pissed, I just fucking turned on the match, where they're on the, Paige is out on the floor, and then Adam Cole hits Panama Sunrise on the fucking floor. He hits, now, and we did that thing about finishers. That's one of his finishers. He has a couple finishers. Mm-hmm. He had his finisher, a flipping goddamn power driver, on the fucking floor. Like, mm-hmm. That's a fucking injury angle, as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. He rolled him in. Now, to his credit, he rolled him in and went to do something else instead of, like, I don't know, posing or some shit. Uh, and then he hit another one in the ring. And then he hit the boom. And I know you said the thing where there's, like, oh, he didn't drop his knee pad. And I, I didn't buy that because, basically, he hit an injury angle finisher, a regular version of the finisher, and hit his other finisher, even if he didn't drop the knee pad, and he kicked out of all three of those in a sequence. And that was, I was like, what the fuck? And I got pissed. <laughs> well, and I, and I didn't remember the sequence, but that, that's actually what got me. It was that it was so much at once that it didn't hit. If you look at the specific, they explain like the actual announcers were talking about the other thing and it's like, oh, okay, that's there. And that's like, that's a subtle thing, but you can't just have done all that other shit behind it and then done this too. So I agree, I agree with you. I'll concede that point. Yeah, that that was bullshit. And that, I guess that's, I just didn't have the sequencing right on it. But yeah, like you can't do all that together and then and kick out like that doesn't make any sense. To me, that just buried Cole. It's like he he hit three of his biggest moves. One's his finisher. Sure, he didn't put his knee pad down. I don't care. He ran at a guy and hit him in the back of his head with his knee at top speed. Knee pad or not, it's going to knock somebody the fuck out. <laughs> what I don't get too is rather than have him kick out and like you said, bury Cole, why not have Page in a similar position as Cole was, where he could do the last second, just barely dead man, like put his foot over on the rope. Like, yeah. that makes way more sense because then you're not, that doesn't necessarily bury him, but it also gives you a way to protect, uh, protect Cole. Cause now he does, he does just look weak because of all those, those hits. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, like, it, it breaks down into all the kicks you were talking about where they're kicking the shit out of each other and, Adam Cole's offense just breaks down to super kicks and pump kicks. He's like kind of went to like the young buck school for a minute there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you know, he's better than that. He um, is. He is. 
I don't, I don't understand that. And uh, yeah, Red Dragon comes out and they go to set up a table, and the referee just lets them fucking do that for some reason. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that, that's at, that's where Paige hits the dead eye on that table, and sells like he fucked his knee up, like he injured himself, like ah, like he's screaming bloody murder. He rolls over, and I don't know. Dork work comes out and shit happens, and then. Ad Page stops selling his knee, and then he wins. And I got mad about that too. Mm-hmm. I, uh, See, I forgot. I forgot about that. That's that's a good point because that dead eye looked rough. It did. And it's like, what the fuck was with that cell? Like you sold it. Like your knee exploded, and then you're fine mm-hmm. in a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like the reason why I think they were turning on Page, especially when he was doing this shit, is because. Like, basically, I was like, I wasn't aware Adam Page was John Cena from 2007 or Hulk Hogan from the 80s. Like, yeah. He's kicking out of this dude's fucking finishers and shit. It's like, God damn it. Are you serious? It's just like when you, people were getting pissed at Cena because, like, oh, Edge can't beat him. It's like, okay. And then just like, and so on and so forth. I think that's what, what that was there for that brief moment. They were like, seriously? <laughs> At some point, even those those guys will get fed up. I think with some some of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, five point seven out of ten. I uh, actually judged this harshly. Um, l- literally, when you started losing the match with the halfway point of all the craziness and like not the non selling, and then when a dork order came out because they were you know fighting Red Dragon, um, and. Just seeing how the match was structured, uh, it's, it's it's like uh, this is this is me being ignorant. It seemed like they didn't plan enough of the match really well. Um, it it, it kind of just like go here, brother. I'm gonna kick you, and then you're just gonna hit me with a bunch of finishers, and we're just gonna make it very stiff and stuff. Uh, I gave this a four out of ten. Um, I did not like this main event. I, I thought the first couple of uh, minutes in the beginning looked promising, uh, but then it just got hokey enough where I just checked out. So, four out of ten for me. Uh, the good news, I guess I could uh, say, is on Dynamite, they did an, a, a segment where the Young Bucks and Red Dragon and Adam Cole were there because they're doing like this... Uh, six-man tag, uh, and Adam Cole's like, I'm going to bring my friends. And Young Bucks thought they were the friends. He's like, no, Red Dragon are my friends. We're going to beat up, uh, uh, what do you call it? Adam Page and the Dork Order people. So maybe this is going to be a feud between, you know, uh, Undisputed versus the Elite in a sense. And hopefully Adam Cole gets far away from the Elite. I think that would help out. Red Dragon and Adam Cole, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Uh, they did announce that um, they, and that was part of the angle, which I think is another good thing. Paige is moving away from Dork Order, uh, or Dark Order. You got me saying Dork Order <laughs> now. Uh, they are. But uh, he actually announced that he's going to have Jurassic Express fight with him. So the match is, but it was also presumed that when he did that, that it would be the Young Bucks and Adam Cole. So now it looks like it's Red Dragon and Adam Cole versus Adam Page and Jurassic Express in that match. Um, 
and I'm interested to see if this leads to something. I am curious because we're coming up to the time that they would maybe do blood and guts if it's going to be an annual thing. Um, I wonder if we're going to get some type of like undisputed era bullet club tie in because Jay White is still in there somewhere where <laughs> he was tied in and stuff. I wonder if they're going to bring enough of that back and then. Uh, maybe Kenny comes back and they do Kenny, Paige, the Bucks, and and whoever fifth person, uh, or maybe they just do four people and they do the four versus uh, Red Dragon, Cole, and Jay White. Like I could get maybe get behind that. That would be kind of a neat thing, but I, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see how that plays out. Tony, uh, buy out Roderick's Roderick Strong's contract and have him grow his hair back in, in time, <laughs> and then you got a match there. There you go. <laughs> Nailed it. Uh, overall scores. I'll get. I'll go this quickly. Um, a lot of high points uh, in the night. Um, I think there was a lot of booking that um, seemed weird, especially coming off of like chaos and, and having a you know big match like CM Punk versus MJF. I think that hurt a little bit, but there was nothing really you could do about that on what was happening in the card. Um, I, I, I don't like the main event. Um, that did bring the points down a, a lot for me for the overall show, but by God, fucking CM Punk MJF the match of the year so far. Um, and I give this <laughs> night a 7.5 out of 10. Hey, Look at that. We are on the exact same page. 7.5, Chaz. Mm-hmm. Score. Yeah, I, I agree with you. There are definitely, like, peaks and valleys. Um, and uh, I I don't know. I actually think that that Punk versus MJF match, like, that might be better as it ages. Like, they, it was that damn good. Um <laughs> Like, I really do. I, I think, like, I could go back later and watch this. You know what? I might throw that extra chassis in there. That's that's 10 chassis right there. Uh, but I, I really think that, that that match really set it. And um, and there were there were a lot of good, fun things throughout. I actually thought pound for pound, like, um, I know that the main event's a bit divisive, but the this was a good pay-per-view for them. Not their best, but good pay-per-view. Um Definitely one of the more consistent ones because they've had some pay-per-views where man, there's a lot of great stuff, but then there's some real shit on the on the show um, too. Uh, but I guess that also depends on how you feel about this main event. I, I thought this main event um, again. I, I felt the turn too. I think I would just higher on where I was before that midpoint where it took a turn, and that's where I didn't completely fall off the cliff like you guys did, um, so to speak. Um, I think if depending on if the rest of the match were to carry through, it it could have been an eight and a half or even an, a nine if they would have done it correctly. But it, it just wasn't anywhere near that. So, um, so yeah. So, but anyway, seven seven and a half for me. All right, Zach, you. Um, uh, it was a mixed bag show for me. There was a bunch of subpar of pay per view level stuff in the beginning of the show, in my opinion, and. It picked up with three good matches in a row before cratering for me. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, the dog collar match is great. I agree with what you said, Chaz. It's probably going to get better with age over time. Uh, Moxley and Brian surprised me. 
I, I didn't really know what to expect out of that just because Moxley's wrestling has just gotten not good for a, a while. Like I was going to say, I forgot to say this. The last time I remember liking a match he did was when he beat Chris Jericho for the title. That was the last time I liked a match of his. Wow. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and uh, I don't know. I got mixed feelings about Hangman's champion. Some of that I don't think is his fault. Some of it is his fault a little bit. Depending on who, what, because oh, supposedly they have more control over what they do over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, whose fault is it? I think it's it's both people's fault. Um, too many high spots and big moments just create diminishing returns and kill off impact and audience interest. And I think that's that was uh, exemplified by people turning on Adam Page in the main event. <laughs> um. One other thing, uh, the reason why I rated the main event not as bad was because of the athleticism and the timing. I forgot that fucking spot where Paige goes for the moonsault and Adam Cole fucking super kicks him in the head in midair. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Cole is such a good defensive wrestler. Yeah. Like, it's, it's so understated. He's such a good defensive wrestler. Um, I, The show was just okay for me. I gave it a 6 out of 10. All right. Uh, one great match a show will will not make. <laughs> yeah, I think one fatal flaw looking back, hindsight being 2020, CM Punk versus MJF should have main evented this. And the argument is you want the title to always be main event, and I get that. But they can't go back on that because they've already had a main event that wasn't the, the title. They, mm-hmm. did, uh, they did the stadium stampede match this past year or in 2021, and it was the main event. And that match didn't really deserve to be the main event, but CM Punk versus MJF absolutely deserved to be the main event of this, this show. Um, so I really feel like that's one thing looking back, maybe they need to reconsider. Like, when it, you got a, a hot feud, let the hot feud take off. It's okay. That, that definitely was deserving. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, guys, uh, before we sign off, this is the longest uh, podcast we ever done, period. And I... <laughs> I blame Chaz for jinxing that when he said four hours because uh, we're at four and a half hours. Uh, <laughs> we said Jim Cornette experience. Uh, yeah. To be fair, we we basically did two shows in one. I mean, we we spent an hour doing news. Yes. So. Sometimes that's what happens. We skip a week. Hey, catch up in news. Let me ask you: Did you boys have fun? Oh yeah, a lot. I of, too. A lot of wrestling yeah. talk. I I could literally do eight hours, but. Uh, I'd probably need like a bathroom break <laughs> because, yeah. Uh, intermission. <laughs> intermission, yeah. We intermission. That would've been funny if we did that. Be like, be right back, and it hit like an ad or something. Be like, fuck your life, Bing Bong. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the next, not next week, since this is a biweekly show. Um, the following week, we will be covering June nineteenth. 1993 of WCW Saturday Night, and then Monday Night Raw on June 21st, 1993. Uh, so remember to watch those two shows. Uh, usually when we have those normal shows, uh, we do like an hour and a half, maybe to two hours. So uh, don't worry about another four-hour show until the next time we stack everything together, like two pay-per-views. Uh <laughs> But you can catch Getting Some Color on all the podcast things, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Red Circle, even on your Alexa, and even Amazon Music. 
But also, um, we have uh, a podcast that Chad's is also on, Big Trouble Little Podcast. Uh, we are watching Tomorrow Never Dies next. So uh, remember. Uh, and we also have the, the Nemesis Project where me and Zach are doing Revelations too. Uh, but until next time, everybody, remember to get some color. Peace.